God. This thing it looked like a gigantic wolf, or or or, or maybe uh, maybe something like a, 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 a German Shepherd or something like that. That's about a half dollar from even where I'm standing, maybe a little smaller. And there's no way an amber could drift that far. And there's two of them together, right? So that first what's processed through my mind, probably about a microsecond. And then it hits me that I'm looking at a set of eyes. The only thing that I remember after that was something grabbing my leg. I specifically remember feeling something grab my ankle. And then it was like my mind, my consciousness just folded in on itself. Like, I don't, like, it's it's literally like something grabbed at me, you know, my solar plexus and just pulled down and my mind went with it and my ears were ringing. And this thing, when it looked at me, it was like, it was like that it could look through me and look to my very soul. And, and, and like I said, I just felt like I had been touched by evil. I don't know how else to explain it. And there was such a fear. And and I, I, I wanted to, 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 to scream or to holler, holler out or do something. But it just seemed like my mouth just dried up like cotton and there wasn't a sound that would come out. And I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get away from this thing. But I couldn't because I was afraid I was going to wreck. And then it, it, it came closer to my vehicle. And it leaned down. It leaned in. And, and, and mind you, this thing is running beside my car the whole time. And it, it leaned over big. And it stuck its head in my window. And it, and it grabbed hold of my door. According to the Army, Roman Martinez was a three-time volunteer starting in September 2016. He was assigned to Fort Bragg in March 2017 and served as a human resource specialist. The 21-year-old Fort Bragg soldier found dead this summer on North Carolina's Outer Banks was decapitated, an autopsy report says. It was a homicide, but the cause of death for SBC, Enrique Roman Martinez remains undetermined, because only a head was available for examination. A new study suggests there are actually four times as many real-life psychopaths in senior management than the rest of the workforce. Kind of scary. I don't know who to trust. I know what you mean, Blair. Trust is a tough thing to come by these days. Tell you what, why don't you just trust in the Lord? The way it looked at me. The absolute way it looked at me. And this when it looked at me, it was almost like it was remembering me. Because when it grinned at me, I went to pieces. And, then, and a lot of people are going to think to themselves, he says it grinned at it. You bet it did. You bet it grinned at me. And like I said, Beck, it was almost like it was remembering me. Almost like, I remember you if we run into each other again.
I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. All I can think of is I don't have enough shells. There's no way that I can protect my kids. I don't have enough shells because there's three and I only have two shells. And I only prayed. I said, God, I just said, I hope that by the time they get done, they're full. But I didn't know what they were. The globalists don't believe in Satanism. They believe they're contacting interdimensional aliens through the drug use. They're going to merge with the machines, blast off into hyperdimensional space. And that's why they're so crazy. That's why they want to get rid of us. That's why they're smiling and giddy and acting so nuts. They believe they are in contact with these entities that are being directed by them. And the entities are telling them eternal life, total power, total control, everything you could ever want. Just kill everyone. Shut up a world government. Build this design we're telling you. Build what we're telling you. Build this. Build this. Let us through. Build the Hadron Collider. Open the dimensions. Let us in. We're going to really help you. We're friendly little guys. Abs in a six-pack. Abs in a six pack for 420-2021. Joined by Dean again, Mr. Dean Reiner of the Up Is Down podcast for our Fort Good, part three of our Fort Good series. What the fuck is going on, man? Happy birthday, Earth. <laughs> oh, thought you meant Hitler. <laughs> thought you meant Hitler for a second. Uh, no, David Bowie. I mean, Earth. I mean, oh, okay. Hitler. And, yeah. and happy weed day. And happy triple guilty verdict day. Yes, that did happen. Yes. Celebratory riding and looting happening. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Coming soon to a city near you. <laughs> Coming soon, dude. It's 2.0. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Best days of uh, our lives. I, dude, I this do. This is going to be so good. This is going to be so good. Yes. Yeah. It's. I. I had. I didn't have time to do the whole thing, but I did listen to uh, our close to six-hour extravaganza that we split into two parts about Fort oh, Good and. You, you finished with a good teaser for Dogman, so this will be a this will be the a great finale. I think I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what you yeah. got. Um, before I get too deep into it, we have an executive producer today because even though I have not opened up a way to financially help the show um, for the Mofax episode, I uh, Blueberry and Spencer recorded a backup recording, so I was like, I'll give my ex- executive producer credits for that episode and. I gotta do uh, give Metis an executive producer credit for this one for sure because he held oh, my word. held my hand through the whole ice cast setup and through the uh, the butt my butt was having issues the butt the butt <laughs> wouldn't stream last night so now it's all rocking yeah. and rolling and so yeah executive producer of Fort Good Part Three will be Metis at least on my end hell yeah awesome man awesome thank you Metis what a guy. I got a couple of producers on my end too, but I can't find their emails right now and I feel bad about it, but I unprepared for that. I, for, I totally forgot about that. 
but I will address that in post. I'm going to do it in post. Oh, yeah, Mark Sullivan. That's the guy. That's the guy I want to thank. Uh, thanks, Mark Sullivan, for your generous Venmo donation to the Up is Down podcast. Mark Sullivan, this one's for you. Thank you, dude. What a guy. And there is, yeah, there's Marky another Mark. one. Uh, yeah, totally. There's another one in here somewhere, but uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that some other day. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, this is going to be a good time, man. I have a lot of clips. It's going to be a very clip-heavy show, and oh, yeah. I have, there, there's a lot of really good stories in here. I think that the longest stories, there's a couple of individual stories I want to cover, really just in their own in their own words through some audio clips I took, and altogether their clips, you know, for each one of them is probably about seven to ten minutes apiece. But each, all the other clips I have are generally under about two and a half to three minutes, so we should be able to power through. And reading some of the outline that I put together about the whole dog man thing. And it's not going to be super narrowed down to just the, the kind of weird military stuff that I hinted to in the Fort Good episodes. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it. Turns out there's a whole hell of a lot more to it. And just today here at the chalet, we got a book delivered that my lady ordered. And it's one of those books you can't get on Amazon. And it's all about the... Um, the old, old ancient gods and the weird wolf war wolves and the wolf folklore and the shape-shifting, skin-turning aspects of wolf worship and, and, and warrior culture. It's, it's, it's quite significant. But, of course, I just got it today, so I only read a few pages of it, and I didn't think to uh, take any pictures of the words I was reading. But <laughs> it just kind of it segues into, I think, perhaps another episode in the future on that angle of the wolf and the dog man. Awesome. But I, I'm stuck. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's not going to be boring. Oh, I'll tell you this, this is not going to be boring boys and girls. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the, the serious juicy tidbits of dog man, I was thinking about this. I was taking a dump right before the show, as I often do. Perfect. And I was thinking, dog men have to breathe, right? Like they, well, maybe not if they're supernatural entities, but you would think that they would have some kind of fornication and therefore would need a female. So there, would a dog man, like the, the female version, would that be dog ma'am? Oh, dog ma'am, that's very clever. Yeah. Yeah, I would say dog ma'am. Dog, that's dog marm. Dog marms. That run in the school, <laughs> run in the dog school. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Running the, run the pack. But yeah, there are plenty of uh, encounters and sightings of female very obviously female dog dog men, but I still think they it's just kind of a blanket term. You know, they're they're all being gendered uh, against their will, and I believe that they deserve to riot and loot and murder um, <laughs> as a way to show their their defiance against being gendered. And it's such a you know such a uh, uh, patriarchal, misogynist, dominating system. Dogmen lives matter. Trans dogman lives matter the most, more than anyone else. True. Yeah. But, True uh, if big. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot. Um, I'm just going to start to get into it here because we got a lot of ground to cover. But the dogman phenomenon is definitely like I've noticed it in the last really just for me in my own personal life the last year. But it's it's one of those kind of fairly controversial subjects in the cryptozoology type of field. Uh, because it sort of blends the two worlds between supernatural and flesh and blood. And there's a lot of debate between whether or not these creatures are flesh and blood or supernatural. But man, they are like really, really 
uh, it seems to be really like it's a fairly popular subject, but I think it's because there's a lot of sightings that are happening and a lot of encounters that are happening. And there's a particular YouTube channel guy um, that I've been following and paying some Patreon money to just three bucks a month uh, to listen to all the stuff. And I mean, you wouldn't, it's unbelievable how many hundreds of encounters that there are. And it just seems to me that it's like, these all can't be contrived, made up stories by people because you can hear in some of the clips we're going to play the absolute trauma that these people are reliving in these, in retelling these encounters. And when they do retell these encounters in this one guy's channel, they go through a whole process of like a pre-interview where the host sort of acts more of a, as a therapist in that regard and sort of like coaxes these memories into a safe space where these people who have been had these encounters can sort of retell it without being traumatized. And he's a very strange individual, this guy. We'll get into him much later in the show. But it, it, it's really, it's, it's, it is really a phenomenon, these dogman things. And I've gotten a lot of little tidbits from Nick Redfern and the Mysterious Universe blog that he puts out. He does a lot of really good um, research into it, but there's there's a lot more to it. There's some space stuff. There's some spiritual stuff. There's some Satanist kind of stuff. That's whatever you think about the whole Satanism angle. As we'll learn, there's a lot of inversion and subversion and perversion of uh, all the things that we've ever been taught in our whole lives. The things that we're told are horrible and bad usually end up being quite the opposite. That's not to say that Satanism or Luciferianism isn't what we might think it is or have been told it is. It's just, uh, you know, when, when you're being told something by people who literally want to control your mind and your body and your thoughts and your emotions, and you find out that a lot of those things you've been told are provably untrue and it definitely can't be backed up in anything more than theory, it really kind of makes you think, you know, is everything we've been told a lie? Are all these creatures unreal? Are these demonic entities? Are these military super soldiers? It remains to be seen. And in this show, I don't pretend to have any sort of resolution or answers to any of these questions. I just kind of want to lay some groundwork of some of the things that could all be happening at the same time. Awesome. There, that, that's a mouthful. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, um, Midnight Mike of OBDM when he was on was telling me about this, uh, this cult. Uh, I can't remember what state it was, but he said it was somewhere in the South, Kentucky, Tennessee, around there. Um, and they claim to do ritual spells and be able to transform into like dog people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sa- well, that, that pretty Satan. There's a, there's a yeah, it seems pretty Satan y. It really does. But, you know, there, there's a whole nother level and a whole nother, I guess, level is the only real word to it because there is such a thing. You know, I mean, Sirius, Sirius, the star, the star system is also called the dog star. It's the brightest star in, in space that we can see with our naked eye. It's got a rich and huge elaborate history that even ancient African tribes, the Dogon, knew all about the Syrians, a Sirius star system hundreds of years before modern science caught up and they were able to draw it out with precision. And the, the Dogon, those really Dogon, That's yeah, the Dogon, the Dogon, Dogon. Yeah. Okay. The Dogon, Dogon, they know all them shits, man. The Dogon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they claim to have had all of their information, all of their entire worldview um, handed to them from extraterrestrials that literally landed on, you know, in a red arc uh, and taught them everything. And they came from the st- serious star system. 
which a, a lot of those entities um, had the shape of dogs. Uh, it's it's a very it's a very interesting thing. But um, Chris, have you ever have you ever had any sort of like spooky encounter? You ever seen a Bigfoot man? You ever seen anything like a Mothman or anything, dude? You ever had any weird creepy? I had a Bigfoot try to rape me. He was giving me a knobber. What's that dude? <laughs> that dude on YouTube that's been like he'll be like dissect. He said like Bigfoot was whacking off on his roof one time or something. He's always it's oh. like the opposite of the people in the uh, the clips. You had for the intro that sound genuine. This guy's like, yeah, Bigfoot. He was trying to have sex with me, and he gave me a knobber. Gave me a knobber. I think I, heard, I think I actually heard Mike from OBDM mention that in one of yeah. their shows. Yeah, yeah. I think they have the, the sound drop from that. But yeah, I've never um any supernatural or creepy encounters I've had with beans have usually not been in 3d space that I can think of. Ah, uh, so you were allegedly maybe under the influence. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You've never been like, um, kind of out and just had like just weird sensations of like, uh, just weird emotional sensations that kind of like washed over you out of nowhere. Like any sort of like hyper awareness that just suddenly came upon you. Nothing like that. No. I haven't. I usually God, don't get my period so in the woods. You sound so boring. We're never going camping, dude. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm. I mean, I really just like. I'm. I'm racking my brain. I mean, I've had instances where like something was outside the window at my house, or like one time, like we thought somebody was breaking into the house, like messing with the window at a different house, and we're like, oh, we're just high probably. And then like the next day, we went out there, and like the outside of the window was all ripped off and torn up. Right, was but that probably was a person scratches and <laughs> I'm assuming it was a person animal. that trying to do that because we didn't live in the best area at that time. Well, of course, could be. Um, yeah, there, I, I, you know, dude, I got a couple stories that um, these these creatures, dude, they don't that they're not resigned to the wilderness, to the woods. Although there's a lot of folklore, and that's tend to be where they like to be. Um, it's particularly around places of water, heavy wood, um, and I'm talking about heavy wood. Uh, livestock, there's something about corn, like, you know, corn fields and things like that. But they've also been reported many, many times, like in the city and definitely in broad daylight. And in fact, it seems like throughout a lot of the encounters that I've heard, you're more likely to see some of these creatures in the daylight, in the daytime, just sort of there. Dude, I, I was looking around for some of these clips and stuff the other night, and I saw a video that these guys put up on just some super obscure website. And these dudes were fishing. These two Mexican guys were fishing somewhere in Texas. And they're just filming, like, the shoreline of this river that they're on. And they see this creature, dude. And they're like, what is that? Is that a dog? And dude, this video is crazy, man. This dog, that thing that they're – and it's a far away shot. They didn't zoom in on it. But this dog thing, like, was humongous on the riverbank. And then as they're filming it, the motherfucking thing stands up. And from the Whoa. video of, that they're taking, dude, this thing is easily six, seven feet tall. It stands up and just walks back into the tree line. What the fuck? And the, the, dude, the video is like 45 seconds long, and these guys are completely amateurs. They're just a couple of dudes fishing, and they're like, what the fuck did we just see? And that was probably, to me, one of the most interesting videos. I've seen a lot of <clears throat> supposed great evidence videos of Dogman. 
But that little random thing on this, not even posted, I mean, it wasn't even on YouTube. It's just on some website. That was probably to me. Yeah, one if of you the can find convincing, if you can find that, I'll have to put it in the show notes and check it out for myself because that sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, it was, it was wild, dude. It's just like a forty-five second video, but the thing is not like a big black scary animal. It's just this giant creature on the banks of this river, and then it just straight up stands up on two legs. <laughs> These guys lose their mind. They keep filming it, and then it just walks into the tree line. It's unbelievable. Um, but and that's broad daylight. These dudes are just there. Dog man's just there, just like what the fuck, what the fuck you looking at, and just <laughs> straight up walks away, man. Um, but yeah, so for, for me, this whole thing for me started about a year ago, uh, a little less than a year ago when I was camping. I talked about it in a couple episodes of my podcast where I had this what I think was like kind of a psychic encounter with a dog man. And I'm not going to get into it too much on this show because we got a lot of ground to cover, but. Um, in short, I had a, a, a psychic encounter in the form of like images and thoughts that were pushed into my mind, I believe, um, from some other being, from some other source. And it was out of this world. I didn't understand why I was imagining and seeing and thinking the things that I was thinking, but there was a definite strong presence around this campsite that me and my lady were at. And there was this, the campsite we were at was in this area that was extremely desolate and dead and uh, very, very remote, and just no signs of life anywhere. And that's always a big trigger point for being apex predators around where there was like, there was not even bugs, there was no wind, there was no bugs, there was no animals. And we're in this dense forest, and there's just nothing there. Um, and I ended up getting lost in the woods. And I felt like I was kind of being pulled and drawn into the forest throughout the course of our campsite, or our, our stay in our you know, at our camp over the course of two or three days. And then as I came back from that weird experience, that was ultimately pretty pleasurable, but it was really nerve wracking getting lost in the woods. Giving me a knobber. Lost. Dude, I was never lost before. Oh, yeah. And then I just kept walking and walking and walking. Oh, you're saying it was pleasurable, I, um, like just the freedom essentially of being lost at first? No, no. The whole camping trip was pleasurable. It was just when I got lost, I didn't start to panic for about an hour. And then I... Right when I noticed that I was just about ready to panic is when I decided to ask for help. Right, yeah. And I didn't, and I asked for help in the way of just calling out my girl's name to see it. Cause I was so sure as you are when you're lost, you're so sure that you're right where you need to be. I was so sure that I was within earshot of my campsite that she would hear me. Um, so I called out her name and then a moment later I heard a truck and then I was able to pinpoint where that truck was, which told me that there was a road. So I just beelined to the road and then I ended up walking about a mile. Um, back to the campsite. I was nowhere near my campsite. There's no way she would have heard me. But then as I came back to town, I started researching the area and learned that there were a lot of missing people that had gone missing around that exact same campsite area that I was at. And there was a guy that went missing who uh, had, you know, he died. Um, no one ever found his remains, but his sister had contacted him through a medium on a Ouija board. And this medium was talking with the spirit of this missing hiker. And he said that when he got lost right at the place that I was lost, um, that he felt like he was coming down with a fever. He ate some weird herbs, some shrubbery, and uh, he got sick. He poisoned himself essentially. But he said that as he got sick, he was felt like he was turning into an animal, that he was transforming into a dog. 
And I learned that their the whole place we were camping at was riddled with what's called lava tubes, and those are giant um, caves underground because the whole place is volcanic. And I learned that it's a very, very heavy supernatural location. I didn't know any of this stuff when we went camping. I didn't know anything about Dogman. I had no idea about Dogman a year ago. Never even thought about it. Never crossed my mind. And the sounds that we were hearing when we were camping and the howl that we heard in the middle of the night on day two um, was unlike anything I've ever heard in my life. And the, yet this image in my mind kept being pushed in. I just couldn't shake it. And it was of this massive bipedal humanoid that was dog on top and man from the waist down and just looming over our campsite. And and we never really felt threatened or anything while we were camping. But when we got back and I started researching and learning about all this stuff, it started freaking me out that like, I think there might've been an entity there. I think there might've been an entity that would be a dog man in this campsite. But um, I, there's no way I could know about it. But I, I, at that point I was hooked. You know, I was hooked uh, with this idea of this creature and I started researching it and then I found lots of different podcasts and YouTube shows about it and I've just been going on through it. And then I found in the research of doing that Fort Hood episode that there's a lot of dogman sightings in and around the Killian, Texas area where Fort Hood is located. And then I learned that it's all over the country and all over the world. These creatures are, are seen everywhere. Um, but that's just my story with it. But I, I also have a history in my life of having few, not a lot, but I'd say a handful of supernatural experiences throughout my life. So I feel like I'm open to it and I think it seeks me out to some degree or another. It's nothing that I would say that I'm like connected or have a gift. It's just something that I've, it's a phenomenon that's familiar to me in my life. And when I go out into areas that are away from urbanized. And when I go out to the woods and I go out someplace that's fairly remote, even country roads, I feel like, um, like there's someone, there's something, some presence that's right along with me. And sometimes I feel like it's guiding me. And sometimes I feel like it's leading me astray. So it's just this weird thing. And all that to say that when I was lost, I felt like I was being led further and further into the woods. I don't feel like I lost any time. Um, but I feel like, especially because there was a few locations that I passed when I was wandering aimlessly in the woods lost that were very indicative of uh, some sort of cryptid space, like really strange anomalous prints that I found on the banks of these little lakes and some spots that were just extremely smelly and lots of strange wood formations that didn't seem to be happening naturally, like uh, like trees and limbs kind of piled up and tied around each other. And there was one area that just smelled like death, just smelled like rotten meat and also feces, piss, puke, blood. And this whole area, probably about the size of a house, just had this rank stench to it. And then I just, I got the fuck out of there right away. But it was close to that little location when I was lost that I saw all these weird prints on the banks of this creepy lake swamp thing. And bodies of water are... In, in, my, in my research have been found to be really prevalent in almost every single um, encounter with these kind of cryptids and Sasquatch. Because I think, I think that the water itself is a type of gateway, is a type of portal. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of these, these dogmen and these cryptids use bodies of water, not only as like 
byways, but also as passageways from one dimension to another. And I think that these creatures, Sasquatch and Dogman in particular, um, have the ability to incarnate and disincarnate, you know, to, to incarnate as something immaterial and also to um, become ethereal at will and take the form of whatever they need to at the time. And there was, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day who does a lot of Sasquatch research and she has in, in her mind, and I believe her, has a very close relationship to Sasquatch. So she's been communicating with Sasquatches throughout her whole life. She goes on these journeys where she has conversations with them and communicates and communes with Sasquatch. And she's very familiar with the Sasquatch. And, uh, and I was, cause I was convinced for a while that maybe Sasquatch and Dogman are the same thing. Maybe they're the same source energy that are trans, that are metamorphosizing and transforming into whatever form suits their needs at the time. And she insists that that's not the case, that they are two completely separate entities. And in fact, they're adversarial, that when you find dogmen, you're probably not going to find Sasquatch because they're, they're natural adversaries. They don't like each other. And it turns out more often than not, dogmen kill Sasquatch as a matter of principle and as a matter of dominance and clearing the space. I think that both entities are guardians and um, watchmen for particular gateways. And I think that the campsite area that I was camping at last summer in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest around Goose Lake is a portal. I think it's a passageway between so it, different different uh, outer worlds and underworlds. Just to be purely hypothetical... Because obviously there's no way you could know this, but what do you, if you found the the portal where the the dogman came from and went into it, or the Bigfoot came from and went into it, what type of things would you find on the other side of that? God, I couldn't even know. But some people have um, I've heard stories, of course, purely anecdotal, that they just bilocate from one location to another. That it's sort of like a wrinkle in time where they just jump from one timeline to another. Oh, so it's not like a dogman world on the other side of the portal. It's just a portal to get to another place on Earth, theoretically. I, it's potentially maybe both. You know, I think that there is, in my opinion, I think that we're in a whole stack. Like imagine a stack of books laying on their sides that the level, the dimension that we live in is just one of those books. That there are levels and levels and levels beneath and levels and levels above the dimension that we live here in the third dimension where things have space and, and volume. Um, and then, of course, we create the idea of time. And then, you know, time uh, dictates uh, life and death and all these kind of things. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that a lot of these, you know, I mean, I've had, okay, here's a quick little anecdote. When I was about 20 years old, I was really high on LSD one night, <laughs> really, really high. And I had gone through one of the most insane nights of my life. I'd watched crazy violence happen. I was a victim of crazy violence. I watched a friend of mine lose his mind and almost kill someone in McDonald's and then got like slammed to the ground, butt naked by cops with a wool blanket. And then I... <laughs> Yeah, it was nuts, dude. And then I ran and all of us went someplace that we thought we were safe. And we went to this like 
kind of like this squat house and all these gnarly just rat rat people punks were just climbing in and out of the windows and this guy punched me in the face because he thought I was poisoning him and I was frying balls on this blue Felix LSD and then he told me after he punched me in the face that he wanted to fuck me and that he was sorry and I just I just ended up running and I ended up finding the people that I got the doses from and I was like you guys man what the fuck is with that acid and the whole night all or the whole crew and the whole area that I was around and the people I was tripping with were all just out of their mind like like nothing I had ever seen before. Um, and of course, I was tripping. And then by the end of the night, as I'm watching, you know, we're sitting on the stoop of this community center in the town that I lived in. We're right on the bank of this river. The community center is right on the edge of this river. And this is back in Spokane. And uh, and all my friends at this time were just homeless gutter punks. And they were drug dealers. And they were addicts. And they were drunks. And uh, it's like 4 or 5 in the morning. The sun's coming up. And they're all sitting around the stoop of this community center um, shooting cocaine in their arms and drinking beer. And, and I didn't want to watch that on acid <laughs> again. Yeah. So I, I, so, so I walked understandable. Um, into the, yeah, I walked into the field and decided to smoke a little weed and next to the river. And, um, I'm still tripping a little bit, but not that much. And, uh, I, I set my pipe down on the grass and the grass is cool and damp with the morning mist coming up and I'm just laying there tripping. And then I reach my hand over to get the pipe to take another rip and the grass is warm and it's not cool. It's warm and it's sticky. And then I kind of turn my head and I look to where my, I'm trying to see where my hand is reaching because my eyes were closed. Now I opened up my eyes and I looked at my hand and my hand was inside the body of a horse inside the, a body of a dead horse, like a rotten horse. And I looked over around me and I was, I was on a pile of dead horses and my arm was, I was elbow deep in a dead horse. And then I snapped my head again and I was on the grass and it was cold and it was wet. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? So that Did you was still heavy. have any like blood or anything residue left on your arm or your head? No, man. No, it was just warm inside of a rotten horse carcass. Okay, so that was disgusting and weird. About a year later, it sounds like you slipped was, into it in like a different plane of reality or another dimension or something. Well, check this, dude. About a year later, I was hanging out with this chick. We were dating. Her dad was an architect, and she invited me over to her house. And I slipped into uh, his study, his office. I was looking at all of his books because we're all I was an artist, and she's an artist, and I was seeing what kind of stuff architects look at. And he had this book called Spokane Corona. And it was a book about the, um, you know, the, the founding, like when Spokane was first established and there were still Spokane Indians and the, and I looked and there was a story about the exact location I was sitting at the night that I was tripping out and had my arm inside of a dead horse, that exact location exactly was a site where there was a massive horse slaughter after they had, uh, pushed all the Spokane Indian tribe away from the riverbanks and they were establishing their first trading houses in order to intimidate all the natives. There was a creek that juxtaposed against this river that they called Hangman Creek. That was where they hung all the chiefs and the chief's son. And it was on this field that's now called Glover Field that they slaughtered all the horses that these Indian tribes had on that field right where I was sitting. And I feel like I had somehow had some sort of dimensional slip where in that moment I was back in early 1840s 
and my arm was inside of a pile of dead horses that had been slaughtered on this fucking hill. And, you know, so when I learned, is it safe? Do do you think, cause this is what, how I think, like I have experienced stuff where I'm fairly not tripping, but like, it seems like the, even when you're mildly tripping, it can help facilitate that type of a unexplainable event to happen. Cause that's for sure. That type of stuff has happened to me where it's like, I would that have happened if I wasn't tripping? I don't know. Well, I I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, so right around the same area about, oh, fuck, man, maybe two or three years later, I had this, I had a different experience that was the same level of heaviness and I wasn't high at all, man. Yeah. Not at all. Not tripping at all. And I was with That's some wild. friends. I was with this Jack Mormon chick, you know, the kind of Mormons that like to kiss boys and smoke weed and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, she was rad. I don't think <laughs> I've ever met a uh, Mormon. You never met a Jack, a, a Jack Mormon? I don't think I've met a Mormon, period. I usually oh, lock the man. door when I see their bikes come into my house. <laughs> oh, man. The Mormons are great, but the Jack Mormons are better because those girls are hot and uh, and they're kind of shut in, so they don't really know much, but they're super curious and they like to kiss boys and fucking show their ass and get high, but <laughs> you know they don't, want, they don't want to go all the way. But they're fun. We used to go skinny dipping, me and this girl, and uh, we hooked up with her friend, this guy named Stu, who was on mushrooms when we picked him up? And we went to this area right above the creek I mentioned earlier called Hangman Creek. Well, there's this sheer cliff that goes above that called, uh, they called it Rim Rock. And we'd go up there and smoke weed. Rim Rock also happens to be an area where there's been uh, dozens of murders and <laughs> numerous rapes. It's a very dark, very desolate area of the Spokane Outer County uh, Ridge. And it's above this point where two rivers meet. And we were sitting up there and we were just about to smoke a bowl, just about like we had just packed a nug and we we're about to smoke this little weed with Stu and, and this girl that I won't name her name. And then we started hearing this crazy scream get louder and louder. And it was a scream and it was above us. It wasn't at us or below us. We were probably about a hundred feet up from the river. And, and, and true, Spokane's located very close to a place called Fairchild Air Force Base and they do uh, run jets all over the skyways up there. But this wasn't a jet. It was something different. It was a scream. And it was coming at us and gaining in velocity. and Coming from the sky, the sound was? Coming from the direction the river was flowing. So I guess at that point it would have been south. Oh, okay. It was coming from the south uh, to the north. And it was just this crazy scream. And for some reason, all I could think of this did I was probably maybe, I don't know, man, maybe 20, 21 years old. And I never thought of a banshee before. I never, I mean, I think I thought I knew what a banshee was, but I never thought of a banshee. It wasn't something I thought about or considered. What does a banshee sound like? But when I heard this sound, the only thing I could think of was banshee just flying over us and then just going past and we just got icy cold we all heard it we all froze and then we all just said fuck this and we ran back to the her shitty car and drove down the dark road to get out of there we didn't say a word we were just like oh my god what the fuck was that and it's just weird so there's been weird and I, you know none of us we were, we were fixing to get high but we weren't high so yeah. i think it, that it, you know it, i mean it almost like <clears throat> Well, your your friend was on mushrooms, so maybe you, he brought he made you like he was the vector for that experience to affect to in, interact with all of you. 
but yet every time there's been some like unexplainable or creepy or supernatural type thing that happens with uh with every every time it's happened where everybody knows it happened that I'm around usually it's like there's a solid hour afterwards where nobody says a word and maybe yeah. somebody'll try to like change like talk about something that no, nobody addresses it and sometimes yeah. like you know like there's been things where nobody's talked about it to this day even though we all know what happened cuz like something weird happened you know it's like Whoa. yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, so have you ever have you ever had an experience like that? Have you ever had any just like weird, just heavy thing that was just like unexplainable and out of this world? I've told the story before about the uh, this giant glow in the dark caterpillar that was so bright in the woods that we thought it was somebody's phone, and ah. walking through this trail, and we got over and we saw like lights, um, in the sky, like. M- like way up there, like UFO bright lights that didn't look like spacecraft necessarily as much as like, I don't know what they were, but they, they were super bright, vivid. We all saw them and they were, the water was crystal clear. We're on this little peninsula out on a lake. Water was crystal clear. It was a place called devil's point. And you could see the reflection of the lights that were in the sky and the crystal clear water down there. Uh, and that's one we all talked about. But then there was like this crazy, could have been a cryptid, I don't know, but it was like this. My friend it was it ended up going up where we, there was like six of us there, and one of my friends ended up staying up in the car, and we finally went up there to check on him, and he was having a bad time just sitting in the car. And I, I got up, I actually was got up there to check on him before anybody else did, and I sat in there with him, and he thought he was his, he was being possessed or like taken over by aliens. He was going on about how like aliens were taking over his body. And right when he started talking about that in the windshield, like I rolled up my window immediately on my, cause I was on the passenger side and he, he shut his door right in the windshield. Right. When he started talking about that was this kind of like about as big as my hand um, with like, like this moth looking thing with huge eyes and like gray wings but it had this like huge long scorpion tail that came back down from under its body and curved up. And it was wow. just hovering, flying with like black eyes, just hovering in front of the car. Just a little machine. Just flapping there. And we were all on penis heavy mushrooms, allegedly. So, I mean, how, you know, it's hard to tell like what was real and what wasn't. And when you're seeing lights in the sky and this, all this stuff. But this thing was, I've never had vibes that, uh, bad is when i was looking at this thing and it was looking at us just in front of the car and i think we just stared at it and stared at it and didn't say a word to each other until it finally went away and it was like the most relieving feeling ever (laughs) wow i don't don't know what it was but that's the closest i've probably could come to having any kind of interaction with uh something and for all i know it probably was just a real bug it was just crazy looking but it could be a man. I mean, you know, but at the same time, I mean, it could, it could be a machine. It could be fucking anything. I think yeah. that we are, I think that this realm that we're in is so thin and at certain periods of the year I and mean, in certain points in our daily lives, we are closer or farther away from the boundary of the veil of the, of, of what our world is and what we can actually perceive. I mean, my, my, my lady teases me all the time because she's like, you're going to invite that dog man into your life. And I think I already have. I think, um, I, I, you know, I'm not terrified of a dog man, 
I don't want to see one. And if I do, um, I hope it's not in the woods because I love being in the woods. Uh, but, and I think that's one of the most consistent things about a lot of these encounters is people have with these creatures is that they usually see them in some sort of a rural or forested environment and they are, it changes their relationship with the land forever, like traumatically forever. And I don't want to live with that. So, but at the same time, I feel like when, like when we were camping, you know, when we first touched down in our camp spot, we recognized that it was a very special place. There was something very dark and ominous about it, but it wasn't like, oh, scary. It was just like, wow, this is a powerfully vibrating place. There's something going on here. So let's make an offering, you know? So we, we built a little altar when we were camping at this place in Gifford Pinchot. We made, we built a little offer or altar. We made some offerings. We sacrificed some of our, um, children <laughs> just kidding. we we sacrificed <laughs> you got me with that <laughs> we sacrificed a little bit of wine a little bit of beer we sacrificed a little bit of food we put a little tobacco offering we burnt some sage we burnt some uh palo santo we uh, invited whatever was there in but also in the boundary that you know we are welcoming and opening but we are setting our own boundary here and we're here we're not leaving and we hope that we can live amicably while we're here together and that might be, that might be um, the reason why this thing pushed into my mind. I don't know why it was that I heard the howl. You know, my, my lady, she, Christy, she didn't hear it. She was asleep, but I, I heard it. And I saw the image in my mind. She didn't. And she never got the creeps until we went to uh, the little lake close by called Goose Lake the next day. And that place was super heavy duty. Um, but you know, there, there's, a, there's encounters that I've heard from people secondhand, not personally, but through another source anecdotally where they've had, um, experiences with other cryptids where like, you know, like your friend was in a car and this guy was in a car and he was having a hard time and he just sort of closed his eyes and kind of passed out for a minute. And then he woke up in his same car, but like in a fucking warehouse, like he woke up, he doesn't know if he was dreaming, maybe, I don't know, who knows? But he woke up in a warehouse in his car and there were a whole bunch of other old cars and there were fucking Sasquatch running around this warehouse of cars and shit, you know, like, I don't know what these things are, but, um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to get, let's get to it. Cause there's, there's so much, we've already been burning time, uh, with talking about tripping. <laughs> let's do so, it. I'm all, yeah. I'm all here for it. Yeah, man. So the dog man stuff, uh, super weird fairly controversial mostly because people can't decide whether it's a supernatural purely ethereal force and when you see you know um shows like monster quest or you read um linda godfrey's books she's there's encounters there that she documents or these you know patches of fog hovering just showing because people would have these weird experiences around their property right farmers and uh, ranchers and they would find, you know, like a, you know, roadkill, like a freshly killed deer on the side of a road. And having had their experiences in the past, they know that there is something out there that's causing some, uh, some rampage around their ranches. And so they'll set this, like this one guy, he set his, his, uh, this, this deer that he hit or someone had hit freshly killed roadkill on the side of the road. And he put up a fucking deer cam, like a trail cam. And he watched the footage afterwards and he saw a tiny, isolated patch of fog about the size of a typical bedroom move in and hover over this deer in his camera 
And then he saw the deer foot sticking out of this patch of fog, just barely. And then he saw the deer slide away. Like the patch of fog just sucked up this deer and took it away. Yeah. And that's like you a know? common story. There's a lot of people that say that the dogman incidents, or at least um, the guy that set the camera up, that's the beast of Bray road. Is that that one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's other ones that are real similar to it about the, uh, the fog that always follows around the dog, man. Real interesting. Right. It's like yeah, they uh, so, came off like that. That's either tech or supernatural. That's not like a, you typically animals aren't, I mean, you know, birds have like a magnetism. They can tell which the direction and, you know, whales, uh, dolphins have sonar or whatever, but I've never right. heard of a creature that's not supernatural. That's capable of controlling clouds around them and stuff. Right. Well, there's what seems to be in every encounter that I've heard, and I've heard hundreds of these encounters of dogmen specifically, and also I think it crosses over with Sasquatch, whatever these entities are. And I like to use the word entity rather than cryptids, because I think cryptid kind of, you know, um, kind of reduces them down to a purely anatomical biological creature. And I think that a lot of these things do pass between different worlds. I do believe that they can incarnate at will into what form they need to appear as, uh, such as like, uh, I heard a story, um, not an encounter that I heard on a podcast or anything, but from another person that, that he was in the woods one time and he found what he looks like to be like a really oddly shaped tree stump. And he was just kind of walking towards it because it was off the side of the trail he was walking on. And as he approached this tree stump, he got this crazy sensation, this fear, um, and a message in his mind that said, leave now, get out of here, you know? And he thinks that this tree stump, it looked like it, like the kind of bark on this tree stump wasn't like any kind of bark he'd ever seen before, that it almost looked fuzzy, but not covered in moss, like really specifically not moss covered, but just fuzzy, almost like hair. So maybe that was a dog man that was, had morphed into a stump-like shape to camouflage himself. You know, maybe mm-hmm. he couldn't quite disappear into a uh, gas form or disappear completely. So he just morphed into a shape. And a lot of the stories like that bear hunter kid in Canada, you know, he was just looking out of his head of his tree stand through the trees through the lane he was going to hunt down. And he saw what was he was looking at this tree. And then all of a sudden an ear poked out of the tree. And then the tree shifted into a huge head until he wasn't sure if he was looking at a tree or a giant lump and then the lump moved and then the lump blinked its eye and then the tree was no longer a tree the tree was a massive dog-headed creature and that's when he blacks out you know he totally lost his mind once he saw this thing actually move and take a step and saw that it had uh, hawks as legs. It wasn't a tree. It wasn't a bear, but it was a massive dog headed creature that was at one point a tree. It was the same tree he was looking at. So these things can take all kinds of shape. Um, I'm going to go into some history of the, what's called the Sinocephali. Sinocephali, it's C-Y-N-O S C Y N O C E P H A L I. And it's Sinocephali. It's a Sino is dog and cephali is like some sort of condition or disease of the head. But there's a whole history. Uh, this is from Mysterious Universe, Nick Redfern's blog. 
a purported dog headed man going back super far into history, like pre Bible. Essentially it's humans with the head of a dog and they feature heavily in stories across cultures throughout the world from ancient Egypt to Greece, medieval Europe and Africa. That's the them doggone dogons and even Christian mythology, as we'll learn that, uh, St. Peter, uh, was <laughs> apparently a dog man. Uh, but the Greek explorer, uh, Megosthenes told of encountering a race of dog headed humans, uh, who wore animal skins, lived in the mountains, led a life of hunting. Uh, they spoke with each other through barks and growls. There was a philosopher named Claudius Alanius who wrote of dog headed men in India. They were peaceful, mostly peaceful people <laughs> who ate sun dried animal flesh. Uh, they raised livestock and then Alexander the great, um, he writes about invading India in the 4th century BC. He claimed in letters to his teacher Aristotle that he had encountered dog-headed men there in India. And then the Greek historian uh, Herodotus wrote a, a lot on the existence of the exact same kind of dog-headed men uh, east of Libya. 400 BC, St. Christopher, during the reign of the emperor uh, Diocletian, Diocletian, uh, a man named Rebrus, Reberus, Reprobus, whatever, was taken prisoner in Western Egypt, pretty close to Libya. So you got Western Egypt, Eastern Libya. He was described as being massive with the head of a dog and a penchant for barking and eating raw flesh. He then supposedly met Jesus Christ, renounced his ways, got baptized, and was miraculously transformed into human, uh, maybe by Christ. I don't know. It doesn't really say after which he led a life of piety and became a soldier of God, eventually gaining sainthood. So that would be St. Christopher. Pliny the Elder, who is also the name of one of my favorite beers ever from Russian River. Shout out. Shout out. Listed, listed them amongst various other mysterious types of humans called the monstrous races, which brings me to something a little bit, a little bit different because there's, so there's these, so Pliny's talking about, dog-headed men as being of the monstrous races. And I'm going to skip all the way down here to um, the ancient ones. And the ancient ones is, it's kind of, there's sort of a trifecta here of the ancient ones, the old ones, and the new ones. And these are all different pantheons of gods. And so I don't know if you're familiar with runes, or if like pre-Babylonian or Babylonian um, scripture or any kind of mythology like that. but I played a lot of RuneScape ones. back in the day. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an expert. Right. So in the ancient ones, so we're talking about um, these dog-headed creatures being called, uh, they're of the monstrous races, so-called by Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder is where a lot of, well, he's, He's a super smart guy. He wrote down a lot of really important shit. But Golveg, who's part of the pantheon of Nordic ancient gods, was known as the Wolf Mother and also known as the Mother of Monstrosities, Demon Mother, who would eternally raise and beget demon children. She's part of the Ancient Ones who were of the original uh, – she was one of the original Jotun clan, the Giants. This is all Nordic Scandinavian mythology. And so these ancient ones, they live in the what we, we would call the abyss. I'm taking careful measures to 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 I wrote all this very carefully because there's a whole 
population of people who know a lot about this and I don't know that much. And so I don't want to piss any of them off, but doubtful any of them will be listening to this. I just want to be careful in how I phrase things. But so Golveg, who is the wolf mother, mother of monstrosities, the same name is given to like Lilith and Tiamat and things like that. Um, she was just a, just a child factory, just a producer of evil, awful demon children, bestial children, mother of monstrosities of the monster races. Part of the ancient ones, she's a part of one of the original Jotun who were giants who reside in the abyss. The abyss is the realm outside of this cosmos. And so what I mean by that is there's the cosmology that's been written about by HP Lovecraft that probably would make more sense to listeners. Uh, the kind of entities like Cthulhu and those ancient ones, those those ancient ones who are imprisoned outside of this cosmos, uh, they're called, they're dead but dreaming. So like they're gone, but they're not really gone. They're kind of awaiting their return. And so writers like H.P. Lovecraft who write about Cthulhu and some of these other ancient ones to sort of keep them in relevant, um, keep the names in the lexicon, keep them in relevant idea uh, so that, so that um, I'm not really sure why it just makes for great reading, but that's who Golvig can be defined as as sort of the uh, the ancient ones. Well, the ancient ones aim to destroy this cosmos, the one that we're living in, which is the cosmos of the false light of the sun, or sun, S U N or S O N. And the effort is to take down the old gods. And the old gods are newer than the ancient ones. And the old gods would be Thor, Freya. Sometimes people say maybe even Odin is an old god. And the reason why the ancient ones want to take down the old ones is because the old ones are currently controlling this cosmos alongside the new gods of the Abrahamic religions like Christ and Allah and Buddha. And they do this by poisoning the world tree with the venom of the world serpent, uh, Nidhogg, who is said to be gnawing at the root of the world tree, Yggdrasil. And that's a lot of word salad. But if you want to know more about that, I suggest listeners go back and listen to my last episode I did with Mario, Polar versus Solar, because we get into some of that kind of stuff. Well, Golveg, like the demon mother Lilith of Babylonian Pantheon, the wolf mother of monstrosities, bred Fenrir's progeny. Fenrir was a wolf man, as well as Garmir, a wolfman who guards the gates of the underworld. So you have like this, this pantheon of gods and this mythology of these wolf creatures that are guardians of the underworld. And these creatures would take residence and their, their post were, were, uh, portals, passageways. And if you remember that silly show Stargate, and I think this is accurate to Kurt some Russell. degree, whether it's pre predictive programming or not, I think these portals are, particular bodies of water, if not every body of water, especially moving water. Moving water is more powerful because it is traveling. It has the ability to carry through time and space, whereas a lake or a pond is sort of still sort of stagnant and can be, um, I think, more associated with just rot, decay, and stagnation. Rivers are moving, and then these kind of creatures, these entities, Sasquatch, Dogman, these monstrosities can travel along these body ways of water to enter in and out of different portals of existence, different dimensions of living. That's why Gold I always egg. lock the bathroom door when I'm not in it. You never know what's yeah, going to come out of your gotta, bathtub. Dude. Totally flush twice, flush <laughs> twice. So 
Golveg was looked upon as an ancestress and as an ancestress and fosterer of werewolves, which were bred in uh, Yarnvid, which is also called the Deep Dark Woods. Werewolves, werewolves, or also warwolves, have also been a big issue in Scandinavian folklore and a huge impact on the people because even in the magical practice of the mythology of the Scandinavian people, werewolfism and skin shifting, skin trading has always had a role in the cultural backbone, like in the aspect of the, the berserkers, which were warriors that mentally and spiritually invoked the beast within them and went through a process of a werewolf, werebear metamorphosis, which would gain them power, strength, and the ability to fuck with the minds and control the minds of their victims, of their targeted enemy. So that's a whole bunch of words. Um, so I think I'm I see the pieces coming together though, because that applies yeah. to a lot of what we were just talking about. Right. So there's, there's that kind of stuff. And then there's, uh, you see that there's like all throughout the world and almost every single culture, there's like this deification of these wolf gods. And the one common through line between all of these culture de uh, wolf deities is that every one of them are guardians. They're guardians and gatekeepers to the underworld, to the realm of the dead. And that's kind of a blanket statement. But I think the most common one that's most familiar with people would be Anubis. Um, Anubis was the Egyptian god, the jackal-headed god, associated with mummification in the afterlife in the Egyptian mythology. Well, and wait, if that... Okay, so if they're guardians and they're guarding these portals, or they're using these portals then that might mean that the portals don't just take them from one location on earth to another all the time. They could be a portal to hell or something. If it's the Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh. It's like a, it's like a junction. It's like a bus stop. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a, it's, a, it's a transit station. It's like a good, um, bleep bloop land or whatever that was on SpongeBob when he gets stuck on the wrong side of town with the glove right. balloon. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about, it's, it's the, uh, that bus, like, once it's gone and that <laughs> once that portal closes, you might be stuck down there. So, yeah. So and Anubis is probably the most common and he's the, the wolf headed, the jackal headed, um, God. And he's the one that a lot of the encounters that I've heard say that, you know, that the head of the creature they're looking at has this very long muzzle or snout, very tall pointed ears. And only a few people have said it looked like Anubis but you can kind of see in some of their art renderings and some of their descriptions. You can put it together. If you're familiar with the image of Anubis, um, you'll be able to see how, how clearly that could be correlated. Uh, Anubis was said to be the most important god of the dead, but he was replaced during the Middle Kingdom by Osiris. He takes various names in connection with his funerary role. So he is always connected. Anubis is always connected with funerals, burial, um, uh, uh Passageway, mummification, preservation, things like that. Um, let's see where we are in this little article here. He was the god that protected the dead and would bring them to the afterlife. And I don't know if you know much about the Book of the Dead or the Stairway to Heaven, but there's a whole thing there. Tibetan with, Book of the uh, Dead? Uh, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Oh, no, I don't know about that one. Yeah, Graham, ha Graham Hancock does, he does a really cool analysis of uh, what the Egyptians knew about dying and what happens after you die and the choices that you actually have. Every one of us have a, 
believe it or not, we actually have a choice <laughs> in where we go um, after we die. And that's a lot of uh, Gnostic type of stuff. And there's uh-huh. archons and so as a whole nother show. But the, the thing that the whole thing that Anubis uh, would was most his bigger job besides guarding and, and allowing you or this person into this area of the underworld or that area of the underworld. The way that he did this was that he would weigh the heart. So the critical weighing of the heart, he would literally take the heart of the deceased and weigh it. And, and uh, against and a would, feather, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. he would, the, the critical weighing of the heart in the book of the dead shows Anubis performing the measurement that determined the worthiness of the deceased to enter the realm of the dead, the underworld. And what I think, honestly, is not the underworld, but the outer world, the afterworld. You know, that we, a lot of what we understand about Egyptology, and, and this is just going to be a massive blanket understatement, but every single fucking thing that we've been told about everything is a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's been created and crafted to create class and race concerns to keep people preoccupied and stupid in pursuit of something that ultimately doesn't matter. Uh, so when they say underworld, I think they really mean outer world. The thing about Anubis is that he's always portrayed as black, black as pitch. And they say this is because he's associated with the colors of rot and decay and balm bodies turn black and so the colors are very appropriate for a funeral god. But I don't think that's the case. I think Anubis was black because he was motherfucking black. Like black black. Like Egyptians were black. But I also think that Anubis was characteristic of representing the colors of the black sun. Which is the black mm. sun behind our sun. Which is the dog star. I'm looking at a bunch of different pictures of Anubis from like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs to like modern ones. There's one uh, that's pretty cool. He's in a suit smoking a cigarette. Mm. That one's pretty cool. (laughs) That's that's a good one. He's he's classy, dude. Yeah. He's classy. He's probably rolling his own cigarettes too (laughs) because who wants tailor-mades? So the, you know, the black sun, the sun behind the sun. Um, This is a weird thing. So, uh, there's a creature, there's a mytholo- mythological creature called the Grim in the mythology of the British Isles. There's a nocturnal creature known as the Grim, which was a black dog, always black, with glowing red eyes. And he appears in the night to foretell your death. So when you see this big black dog with glowing red eyes, it's basically it's a warning that you're about to die, bitch. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle made use of the Grimm as a plot device in The Hound of the Baskerfields, and most interestingly, in the predictive programming age that we live in, J.K. Rowling character, Sirius Black, Black, Sirius, mm. Sirius Black, Black Sun, uh, who is the guardian of Harry Potter. He would often appear, this Sirius Black, in the form of a large black dog. So we're talking about Sirius now and the dog star. What the fuck is that? I found this interesting article from this website called the Temple of Theola. Uh, it starts out, it's just called Sirius, Sirius Dog Star. Who or what, and I'm just going to read this because I think it's only a few paragraphs. Um, it's really, it's really interesting. I think it has a lot to do with, with the way that we perceive threat and the way that we perceive um, what we're being told is real when perhaps it could be a complete subversion. So who or what is Satan from Temple of Theola? Satan is the dog star Sirius, 
which was named Isis in Egypt. She is a goddess and the representation of the polar opposite to our sun, which is male energy. It is in binary orbit with our sun, as our sun is one, Sirius dog star is zero. Binary. Because it is in binary orbit with our sun, it is called the black sun. Because it is a female energy, opposite to the male sun, which provides light, it was demonized by Christians as something dark and evil. The sun is God, and the black sun is the dog star. Dog is the reverse of God. Dogs were <laughs> sacred in her honor in Egypt, as her annual return to the skies of the dawn on the 21st of June solstice corresponds with the flooding of the Nile, which brought needed water for the growing of food, for the, uh, for the sustenance of life. So she, um, Isis, was seen as a fertile mother goddess who brought life. Who or what is Lucifer? This is the morning or the evening star. Venus, the planet, again, a feminine energy that is a sister planet to Earth. Venus traces a pentacle across the sky every eight years. The pentagram, or pentacle, is considered both divine and magical by many cultures because if you draw a pentagram, the lines automatically divide themselves into segments according to divine proportion pi, 3.14. The ratio line segments in a pentacle all equal pi, making this symbol the ultimate expression of divine proportion. For this reason, the five-pointed star, the pentacle, pentacram, has always been the symbol of beauty and perfection associated with the goddess and the sacred feminine. The sacred geometry of nature is all about the goddess, Mother Nature, who created all of existence. And this was demonized because it is feminine energy. The pentagram became an evil symbol to be feared when in reality it is truly beautiful. So this kind of all ties back to Sirius Dog Star, which is the opposite of our sun. Um, and I just, think, I just think it's interesting. The brightest star in the sky, it appears as a single star, but in fact, it's it's three. It's three stars, but you can't see one of them. The Dogon knew all about this. I'm not going to get into it that much because the Dogon, the Dogon, Dogon, everyone, all them hoteps out there talk about the Dogon. So if you want to learn about Dogon, listen to them hoteps. Them hoteps know a lot of shit about that. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have and, to, I've never and, heard of the, the Dogon, the Dogon, Dogon. So I'm going to check that out them, for sure. That, yeah, them doggone Dogon, man, they were smart. They were like thousands and thousands of years of everyone else. But, you know, we just have, there's, it's Aztec mythology. It's, it's everywhere. This, these dog creatures, these guardian creatures are everywhere. They've been all over history for a long time. Everyone knows about them. Um, I got stuff here about the Dogon, but I'm not going to get into it. I got, uh, here's another Aztec thing that goes right along with, um, the monstrosities. There's a, there's a god uh, named Holot, which is X-O-L-O-T-L. Um, was the god of fire and lightning. He was depicted as a dog-headed man. Soul guide for the dead. There you go. Aztec, Egyptian. Couldn't be farther apart, allegedly, but there they are. But then you think about the South American and the Central Americans. Um, and again, if you want to know more about how those things are, those peoples are actually the same and that they're, they were all black, there was no brown people. There was all black people. Listen to them hoteps because them hoteps know all about this shit. I'm not even going to say that I know because I don't know. But anyway, he was he was one of those uh, offspring of a mother of monstrosities. He was a dog-headed guardian of the dead. Um, 
so you know you just go on and on and on there's tons and tons and tons of it but i'm gonna let's get into some clips because we've got a lot of shit to cover here let's um, do it yeah let's do it because ultimately i mean the the biggest thing that i i want to get across with this episode we have to be concerned about the mutants <laughs> there's 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 stuff out there um that's just really weird and i think that we should all be aware of it man i swear to god i don't know what the fuck is going on but bitch i am so freaked the fuck out right now i love that yeah guy. <laughs> god you gotta see that guy man so yeah that guy's story <laughs> that guy's story is great hopefully we can get to it all right, I'm going to roll on with the first clip. Um, so this is just so – we're talking a lot about these dogmen. What the hell are they? Who are they? Why are they? What do they look like? How how do you know when you're seeing a dogman? So I'm going to run with the first clip, and I'm just going to kind of go into it. All these clips are going to be fairly short until we get to um, a couple points where I'll tell you that these are going to maybe just connect together, and then, uh, and then we're just going to go from there, all right? All right, man. All right, yeah, first clip here. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. I think it's going to be all right. It was looking still at me, but turned its torso kind of, so it was walking parallel in the same direction that we would have been walking, which would have been to the right, like paralleling the road towards my buddies and my brother, but it was still facing, looking right at me. And at this point, I was able to see that it had, now I know they're called hawks. It's the reverse leg, the jointed, where I, it's like a dog's leg, like a dog's leg, just enormous. And this thing's thigh was probably like four times, four, three or four of my thighs put together. You know, and I'm not a small guy. So, um, I'm able to see that. And that's basically, once I see that, that's where I'm able, in my mind, where I put together werewolf. So, yeah, that's just the dude. With his buddies, they're chasing down some girls in the next camp, and he sees he sees this thing, man. He sees this thing off the side of the trail, and he's like, "What? What the fuck is going on over there?" And I'm not quite sure where that story takes place, but there's plenty more. So we're gonna jump over to England. This is Yorkshire in Yorkshire, England. And we shine, we shine looking torch again. Um. And it was about 20 feet away from down. I thought it looked like a hyena. Really? All its bristles are up on its back. as a hunchback. Right. And me, and it stood up. It stood up on its legs. And I, I thought it was serious. And what the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How tall, Rob? And it's about seven foot tall, mate. Yeah, uh, I've never seen nothing like it in my life. So... <laughs> so what, what, what I'm trying to do with these clips at this point when it stands up after it's done rearranging itself um, it's just kind of show the appearance It uh, I can only just gotcha. barely make out the silhouette of it it's just uh, it's just completely black except for its eyes of course but its eyes don't shine on its body so all I see is eyes and then this huge black silhouette but then it steps forward a little bit and it steps Oh shit, we already played that one. <laughs> so yeah, these are all just kind of like what how, the fuck how going on. <laughs> the fuck's these are going all on? Just, these are all just kind of um these are all clips about how these creatures appear to 
just how they appear to people and and that and you'll be able to see that there's a very consistent there's 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 a there's a really through line consistency between all of these experiences and um and I hope that listeners can listen to this and try to understand that and you know I'm not saying you have to believe these fucking people man these all these could all be just stories but there's a certain cadence and tonal quality to people either they're really good actors and they should be getting paid to do actual film or theater right or they're telling or they're telling the truth and how could all these people from all over the country and the world say the same thing and 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 not know each other and still say the same thing unless it was true yeah you know i think so um now okay just real quick before the next clip has anybody ever tried to shoot a dog man with like a gun, oh, yeah. a machine gun, a rocket launcher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a story coming up. Um, I didn't clip that part because the dude's whole story is about twenty five minutes long. It's just too big to put into clips and play. But there's a um, when we get to that point, I'll tell you that this is the guy who um, he was with his homie and they were driving in his four wheeler uh, to go check on his cattle who were all being attacked and freaked out, and they got run up on by a fucking humongous dog man who was chasing their fucking jeep and dudes unloaded shotgun shells at this creature and it didn't do anything damn didn't do anything there's a lot of people who have taken shots at there's a guy that went back and tried to find the dog man that hurt him that scratched him all up and broke his leg and took tons of shot with high-powered fucking rifles and they didn't do nothing and then there's another guy who talks about um how his his uncle's uh, contract out to people who live way out there in the sticks to take care of these dog men. And they set traps and they actually have trapped. This is what this guy says. I don't know if I believe it, man. He's a recurring guest on this dude's show. Uh, he says that his, his uncles trap these creatures and they just, they just unload round after round after round until these animals go down. And this guy gives pretty detailed descriptions of the, of the bodies after they're done. He talks about all the different aspects of their muzzles and their teeth and their hands and everything. Um, but yeah, so they can be taken down by by uh, by firepower. You can do. Most it. people have had uh, no success in shooting these things. We're that gonna try. Just pisses them off. We're gonna try it. All right, moving on to the next clip. The only say the safest way to get away from a situation like that is to back away. So with every ounce, with every ounce of willpower I could muster at this point, I backed away slowly. But as it came out from the wooded area and I got so I could see more of this thing, it didn't look right for a dog. I mean, it was still on all fours, but something about it was just not right, not normal for every other wolf I've ever seen. Uh, the front, what I thought at the time, the front paws were wrong. They, they, they were, they, there wasn't enough hair on them. The, the abdomen area and across the back behind, on the, the back of the thing where, uh, the, the midsection of the thing, both the back and the front didn't have anywhere near what I thought it should have as far as fur. It was like somebody with thin hair. And then you get down to the, the rear legs where the, where the waist would be on a, 
a person just above the, the rear hips. And I could see that the fur got really thick all over again, all the way down to the paws. I happened to notice that some of the fur uh, around the ankles seemed to be, I, I don't know, it looked kind of clumped up or, or matted. I could see the, the upper body from the shoulders all the way up the neck and covering the entire head. The fur was thick and what you would expect to see on a wolf. And it had these, at least in the light of the flashlight, it had these evil, is the only way I can describe it, this malicious stare and the 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 eye the the eye color that I could make out with the flashlight and the and the thing had was almost an amber gold, which I part of me in the back of my mind thought no creature that feels this evil should have such a nice color to their eye. It should be red or something, but it wasn't. It sounds like uh, so, it sounds like this guy. I think he was in Ohio, and you know his dogs were getting harassed. His dogs were freaking out about this thing. He was, I think, he was about eleven years old when he had this experience. A lot of these guys, man, they come on this show and they talk about it, and it's been twenty five, thirty five, sometimes even forty years or more that they've been living with this stuff, and it's defined in a lot of ways how they live their life at this point, as far as their they grew up hunting and they don't hunt anymore or when they were, you know, they had this experience where they were fishing and they don't, they don't go fishing anymore. So it's, it's fucked with them. But so to get into some of the appearances and aspects of these creatures, there's at least three different types of dogmen uh, from my research anyway, uh, with differing variations that range from like almost primate looking like a, like an ape or an orangutan to super exaggerated canine, like that Anubis kind of look, you know, and almost always with massively oversized heads, like top heavy heads. It looks like a person with a tank on their shoulders. Like <laughs> if you saw a creature with a head that big, it would, you would think that it would just fall over because it wouldn't be able to hold up that weight. And I don't know what the fuck that means, you know? Well, yeah, <clears throat> there's a through line. <laughs> Of at least like four different people I've heard describe them as evil, giving off an evil look, or they just felt evil, an evil presence with them. Which oh, makes we'll me think, there. which, yeah, well, it makes me think that like, they're probably evil. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it could be, but we'll get there, man. We'll lock and load. We got, we, we got, <laughs> hey, yo, we got some time. So, uh, the first type, type one. Looks just like a wolf, like a standing wolf, like a, like your typical timber wolf, but standing up on two legs. Uh, second variant is like a hyena. So it's kind of like kind of pot bellied, has shorter arms, stubby, but yet long kind of legs, but just sort of thick and has short mottled hair and a short muzzle, big fat ears. Looks like a big old hyena standing on his legs, uh, but mottled fur modded uh complexion you can see spots miscolored fur so there's like gray brown white all over the body and then there's the third variation uh type three 
which is usually um, extremely large, at least seven feet tall by all apparent by all accounters, uh, massive body build. So like a Atlas bodybuilder, long point of the ears like Anubis, and many 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 times have been reported with tufts of fur at the tip of their ears. And then, so there's a variation, there's kind of an extreme variation of that third type, which is a soldier type, which is just like the third, third variation, but with an extremely large head, like a massively disproportionately large head and super long disproportionate arms. So that's just kind of how they can appear. That's the type of encounters and the the, the consistent distinctions between the types of encounters. Like I've saw this thing looked like a standing dog. This thing looked like a hyena. And then this other thing just looked like a fucking monstrosity with a head that would collapse, you know, would make a body collapse. Um, and so they almost always are described with having hands, hands with digital fingers, uh, kind of like raccoons, um, as opposed to paws. So, and, uh, and we'll hear how sometimes they can, uh, fucking open doors and come right into your house and stand at your bed, which is what they've done <laughs> a lot, a lot. Um, the legs are always described as canine legs, which is, uh, it's called uh digitigrade digitigrade, which is kind of a hard word for me to say, but it's canine legs, which is like the you know, backwards knees, hawks, super long feet. Uh, probably at least about 12 to 15 inches long at a minimum and always with about five toed tracks. And you can usually see claw indentations in their tracks, which is unlike cats where cats can retract their claws and bears have four, I believe, but the type of prints have been reported. have always had five toes. Um, some of them, most of them usually have a humpback. It looks like there's a huge hump. Uh, on behind of what would be a neck if they had a neck, but most reports uh, say that these creatures don't seem to have any kind of neck at all, that there's just this massive tank head on top of a three foot wide shoulder. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, I'm going to keep going here. Uh, you ready for another one? Did you say a three foot wide shoulder? Yeah. 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 That's like crazy wide. Yeah, I'm trying to think how my, wide my shoulders are, dude. Not three feet, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, fuck no, man. You're just a puny ass person. <laughs> fuck that. A good comparison, man, would be like imagine a buffalo, you know, a full size buffalo, but a dog, and instead of a buffalo head, like a dog head. <laughs> That's yeah, but, like, and it's bigger than a buffalo head. And it's bigger than a buffalo, so that when it stands up, it's like nine or ten feet. It stands up. Could you imagine a buffalo standing up? How tall that fucker would be? Probably maybe seven feet tall, you know, eight. But these things can creep. I mean, I've just I've heard reports of these things being fifteen feet tall. I don't know what that is, um, but yeah. I posted so I a, imagine uh, I posted in the chat, uh, the IRC, a picture of, um. Not a uh, what, what's the name of the god? I already forgot. Anubis. Anubis. He's he's a good. Uh, looks like about five ten thousand feet tall. Um, from the Assassin's Creed video game. So. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I haven't played okay, it, but I'm assuming. But I'm, so I'm assuming like Anubis. Um, if if these if these dogmen are interdimensional in nature, then they could possibly change their size. I think they can. I think that these these creatures um, are part of a larger tribe or race, and I think that they are have always been um, either reconnaissance or soldier types. You know, I and I have a series of clips that we'll get to, I promise, um, where I could describe a whole pack, a whole gang of these things moving in a troop in formation in Joshua Tree, California. Oh, shit. Okay, going on. And then I noticed I could kind of see the, 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 the chest area. And I noticed it had the chest on this thing was not like any wolf I'd ever seen. It reminded me of a human chest. And I'm slowly still backing away. And I'd covered about a third of the distance between the house and where I had initially run into this thing. And I knew there was no way, especially with that gate that I closed behind me, that I was going to make it out of this enclosure if I decided to turn tail and run, the thing would catch me. So long as I kept backing away, I thought maybe it was mistaking me as uh, another predator or it was maybe it was just backing me out of its territory, but that didn't feel quite right either, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And it just, my mind is still trying, and my conscious mind at this point was still trying to wrap itself around what the, the bits of information that I was getting. We just, it took like a step towards us. It, it, when it was hunkered down, it looked like a little hunchback thing, big, but yeah. with a hunchback bristles sticking up at the back of its head. Yeah. And then it stood up, and it had like a silver, white and, like white and gray belly. Yeah. Ears on the side of its head. Stuck up. Seven foot tall, and took a step. I couldn't see its feet because its feet were in the air. Like in the grass, which one I thought, what the f***? Yeah. Nah, that didn't happen, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. Jeez. Um, but we had, a, we had a couple of pints before we went, two pints, yeah. two pints we had. Had a couple of pints, you know, a couple drink, pints. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> had a couple of pints, you know, before we went. Oh, just, you. Just, just a couple of pints. Man, if That's I was going to... That's incredible, gonna... isn't it? This... What? <laughs> I was going to say, if I was going to, like, drink with a... Like a cryptid type or entity, like I would hope, like Frogman exists because I could get along with a Frogman, dude. Like Dogman, <laughs> I just like are freaky, but a, a Frogman, just like a regular guy with the frog's head. Can you imagine like him, like his little frog, his big frog tongue, just like shooting out and grabbing stuff from really far away. It'd be crazy. No, uh, he wouldn't want to do that to you, man. He'd be giving you up all his power. I think I could get along pretty good with the Dogman. I think I could. I think I think we'd hang out. <laughs> I like his style. That's incredible, isn't it? And it's, I've heard oh, this mate, story I'm, before. I'm shaking now, thinking about it. What would it away from? Estimate. You need to get that as an ISO. That's incredible, isn't it? Just that little bit, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These. So this is this, this another guy. This is a guy in fucking in Yorkshire. You can just, I don't know, to me, maybe I'm easily duped. Maybe I'm naive, but I, I, I can hear the cadence, tone, emotion in this guy's voice, and I could tell that he's shook. 
you know. Well, I've I've never taken anybody with a British accent seriously, but most <laughs> for every other clip, for every other clip, I'm going to say they sound to- totally genuine. All right, well, just give give them a break, man. That's incredible, isn't it? And it's, I've heard oh, this mate, story I'm, before. I'm shaking now thinking about it. Yeah, you, it took a sh- what would it have weighed, Rob? Estimate. You only saw it briefly, but what, what do you reckon? Oh, my God. Um, you know, if, if I were a six-foot man, I'm, I'm not small, but I weigh about 12 and a half stone, but I'm only 5'6". 12 and a half stone. Pounds, so you're about 180. Yeah, I'm about 12 and a half stone, me. You're only weighing metres. Seven foot oh, tall, mate, it's going to be 200. 300 means easy. Did he have a long face? It had a long face, it had a long snout, yeah, it had a long snout. And the ears, were they stood up at the side of it? The ears were pointy at the side of the head. How big would its head have been compared to Leading a mastiff? Leading the witness. I'm mean, I was bigger than a mastiff, mate. Right, Jesus. I'd say it was bigger than a mastiff, yeah. Did you get to see teeth? Oh, no, no, but one of the big, the big, um The canines. The big massive dogs. Yeah, yeah. The big, huge massives. Um i say on a, on a par with that, but... But on a tiny bit bigger, maybe. Right. And what about legs? Were they and muscular? Its arms were f***ing... Its arms, mate, were long, were, were big. And, and it reached down its, its body, and, and, down its legs. And did you see out on the end of its... What were we calling them hands or claws? What, what would you call it? Claw, I'd say claws, mate. It was hands... What were clawy, I think. I never had a good look at the hands, to be honest. No. We shone the, the beam like up and down. It, it obviously had claws. Um, and it was a silver have, brown didn't colour. Dog hands. No, a silver didn't dog. Look, didn't have color. dog claws. Silver colour. Silver, silver brown colour. Silvery. Mean. Yeah, silvery. But it, when it, it was hunched down, when we got that on it before it stood up, it, it was fawny on the back. Right. Looked like a hunchback. Its back was up. Right. And I... then, then it just. Yeah, but, yeah well, that's what I said. I mean, it's back. It, you know, it was bristly. Right. But it was fawny. It was like it was like fawny coloured. Did it make any noise? Nah, I didn't make a noise, no. Oh, it must have known you were there to be sort of anchored Maybe down. It was coming towards us. That, that could have got off. It could have left. <laughs> Bigger than a mastiff. Kind of fawny. Kind of fawny. I don't know what fawny is. I imagine it's the picture of the, the you know, type of complexion of the hair color as a doe, as a as a deer. Uh, anyway, I think that guy's. I think that guy's legit, man. But here's something. This is the, a really common comparison uh, people have in, that have had these encounters uh, when they're asked what what was something that it looks like because they feel that was a that was a fucking werewolf. This is a, I'm looking at a werewolf. I I, I saw a werewolf. But they're not werewolves, or maybe they are. I don't really know. I'm not going to say that they're not werewolves. But most people, when they have these encounters, what I saw, I mean, for me personally, in my mind, in my mind, the closest thing I could say was that it was a werewolf in my mind. And it always looks like Van Helsing. Because I see that it has the, up, you know, it's upright canine well, I, I've already been able to establish that it's none of the above as far as all the other animals I went through. Not even a Sasquatch. You know, not a, not that I've seen a Sasquatch in person. I haven't, but just based on pictures and stuff, like I just knew this this was a, a werewolf. It earlier I, I mentioned that it looked like the werewolf from Van Helsing, basically kind of like that. With as as far as structure of its face, how long its snout was, and the length of its hair. And that it has the hops. 
So I know these things now. I know they're called hawks, and I know a bit about dogmen now because this is years later, and I've done a lot of research since. So are you familiar with that shit, awful movie, Van Helsing, Cersei's Litter? Yeah. Uh, worst I, worst I movie? I haven't seen it in a long time. Dude, I, I I pushed through as much as I needed to get through that disgusting piece of shit that they call cinema. It made me so mad. It was offensively bad. It was offensively bad. But I had to push through it because I wanted to know what the fuck these guys were talking about. I wanted to see what kind of bullshit is being passed off as entertainment that made such a mark on people's minds that when they encountered a dog man, they thought it looked like that. <laughs> and I, and I hear that comparison a lot. And so the I remember what it looks like in that movie, just a gigantic muscular werewolf. No, just a gigantic muscular werewolf uh, with a huge long snout. And I like the one you know, that in uh, the professor in like the third Harry Potter movie, speaking of serious black, the guy yeah, that turns into werewolf. Blood. I liked how they made the werewolf look in that one. You know, I gotta confess, I've never watched a single minute of any Harry Potter film. The I only good one was the third one, really. So. They're not uh, that I'll, good, but the third one was I'll, really good. I'll never do it. Not okay. even to research Sirius Black. I'm not going to go there. I wasted, I wasted four to five minutes of my precious <laughs> life watching uh, uh, Van Helsing. But yeah, so so that's that's the thing um, with that. So it's just interesting because. It just made it's, it's just depressing. Another another depressing aspect of living in this contemporary world that we're in right now. Uh, people they watch Van Helsing because it's because they're told to because they're supposed to, and then they go and do it, and they're like, "Oh, that made an impression." And now they have this encounter with these creatures, like it looked like Van Helsing when there's a million <laughs> it didn't other. Look like it didn't look like the werewolf in Van Helsing. It just looked like Van Helsing. Yeah, it Don't looked me. like Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just depressing. All right, here's another one. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was it. It was tan. It was tan colored with like black, um, with black spots. Its face was kind of. It definitely had a muzzle, but its face was kind of flat. It looked. I mean, I have a I have a family member that's special needs, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. But it looked special needs. Looked kind of like it was looked almost like it was retarded. Like, it was something <laughs> off about this creature. I mean, just from the app, just just from the the jump from get go, there was something not right, but there was definitely something like off about it. Um, definitely had it looked like a chow mixed with a warthog mixed with something with arms and a tiny little waist, squat, really really powerful legs. I did not see a tail. And um, yes, yeah, like like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Like I thought that it was after afterward. I thought the only thing that could make sense was that it was some kind of mutated thing. Somebody had a hyena, and they bred it with some some other kind of dog, and it was. We have to be concerned about the mutants. So, so that that guy. That guy's story is crazy, man. He was like, he was in a car wreck, and uh, and he ran from the car wreck. I probably, I don't, I'm not going to assume why, but I think anyone could do the math on that. 
Uh, and then he was being, the police were looking for him and he was up on this ridge and then he encountered these dogman creatures while he was basically running from the cops. Uh, he, he's, he's got a, he's got a cool little story. So that's just sort of like, there's a very, is, you know, there's a good consistency there. It's just the Van Helsing type of werewolf, um, massive shoulders, humongous head, hawks, uh, you know, um, kind of humanoid sort of, sort of hands that, that kind of gig. Um, but then there's other stuff about eyes. Eyes about a half dollar from even where I'm standing, maybe a little smaller. And there's no way an amber could drift that far. And there's two of them together, right? So that first what's processed in my mind, probably about a microsecond. And then it hits me that I'm looking at a set of eyes. So just as quick as I thought they were ambers, I stop in my tracks and I'm kind of squinting, looking at them. And it hits me, oh, oh no, there's a set of two orange eyes. And when I mean orange, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, like, if you were to put a candle inside of a jack-o'-lantern and see how much it glows the interior of that pumpkin, that type of orange. But the thing about these eyes, and even that I noticed immediately, is that they look like they're self-illuminated, or they are self-illuminated, I guess, some kind of internal illumination, but yet they don't emit any light. So what I mean by that is that they're glowing, and they look like they're kind of glowing, but it's not emitting orange light, say, on the creature's face or on the brush around it. So nothing else around it is orange. It's just these perfectly... You know, like you could draw a line around them. No, there's no glare to them as if they're glowing. Just perfectly orange, internally glowing eyes. I saw its eyes. And I saw it up in the tree. Just looking down and just locked eyes. Just yellow. Their eyes were not red. It was yellow. Um, they were not glowing. But um, right before that, I had started feeling like this this like pressure in my uh solar plexus and i felt this weird vibration in my uh my neck going down going like kind of like the base of my skull going down my spine and like this weird and i think that might be what caused me to kind of look around and then look up i don't know but i felt this like like this tightness in my solar plexus and uh I looked up and it was in the tree. Yeah. So these guys are a bunch of pussies. I I saw a dog, man. I kicked that thing's ass. I'd drink a beer with him. I'd roll him. (laughs) I'd roll him a cigarette. Uh, Yeah. So the, the, the glowing amber eyes, super consistent from story to story to story to story. Sometimes it changes in color from red. Uh, to amber to to fairly yellow, occasionally blue, and on some occasions, a couple stories, just dead black, dead black nothingness. But um, it it goes on, it goes on from there. There's more to it. And then the thing happens that really rocks my world. It's still the the it's the, it's, the, it's like one motion that this one creature made that would be able to change my perception permanently. Right in life, no more innocent, young-minded, free-spirited through the woods. It's one moment changed me. The thing 
the eyes I see, because I can just kind of make out the silhouette, they go from about three to four feet and rise up to about seven feet high, just like that. And, oh, man, this is the part that's, that really gets me. Well, as it stands up, it kind of stops probably at, like, the five-foot range. And as if it, like, uh, jerks each shoulder one at a time, like, first, like, say, like, left and then right, like, as if it's, you know, kind of stretching. But as it does that, it makes this crack pop sound. Like it's, uh, rearranging its joints or something like that. And as it does that, it stands up, it literally looks like this creature almost doubled in size. It was just, so uh, I'm frozen. There's a million things going through my mind. And oh man, now I'm, I'm seeing this monster in front of me. I still don't know what it is. As it stands up, it's making these cracking noises. Uh, you know, the hair standing up in the back of my neck. <laughs> you know, that, that's for sure. And I got, you know, you just have that, I just, um, I don't know if anybody's ever felt it before. You know that feeling of just dread that comes over to you where it feels like you get punched in your gut and you get the wind knocked out of you. It feels like a part of your soul gets ripped out of your chest. That's how I felt. You know, where your breath gets taken away from you. Literally, like, lost my breath. Yeah. So another consistent thing about these stories, these encounters, these creatures, uh, uh, you know, appearing on all fours, which is already mind blowing because there's an animal that's the size, you know, of a fucking cow, but it's the dog. And then it stands up and there is a bone cracking rearrangement popping sound as it rearticulates its body mass to accommodate standing on two legs. I mean, I don't know about you, dude, but if I heard and saw something like that at the same time, I would probably shit my pants. And then you'd have a beer with it. And then, I'd have a beer. <laughs> and then I'd have a beer. <laughs> no, I'd just sit in my pants and have a beer with the guy. Yeah. So here's another guy. Here's another dude. Same thing. I don't think these guys know each other. I looked back and this thing did something that I was not expecting. Something I was told animals like this that no animal outside of a bear could do. Just real quick, a magic trick. Off, I know bears can do magic tricks, but oh yeah, they he pull said outside of a bear. Uh, yeah, it's the outer world, dude. So there are so many stories. There are so many examples and clips that I could pull together and make this show be another six-hour-long Doc Man show, but we're not going to do that. I just found a couple. For each kind of extreme example, and until we get to um, a few other levels that we're going to get to, just to kind of say that here's one story, here's one anecdote, and here's another anecdote, and maybe here's another anecdote and another anecdote. But there are literally, you know, dozens of exactly the same type of descriptions of popping noises, of yellow golden eyes, or having witnessed the hawks. And as soon as I saw the hawks' legs, that's when my brain broke. You know, like just there are so many stories of people recording these things and sending them off out there into the into the interwebs. And as they're saying it, they're reliving it. And uh, it's, it's absolutely traumatizing. So I just don't think that there are hundreds and hundreds of people 
all over the world, maybe thousands, who are experiencing these things, that all fucking know each other and all know that there's, I mean, what would they gain, you know, by fabricating some stupid story so that they could tell their friends, I, I, hey, listen to this fake story I told to this completely nobody, this complete nobody on YouTube that no one cares about, you know? Yeah. People are, we're in the world of showing off. People want clicks and follows and likes. No one listens to this shit besides people like me <laughs> and, uh, and maybe you and maybe some of the listeners. And so there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no fame. There's no fortune. There's no notoriety. There's no clicks and subscribes and followers for people that are making up stories about having dogman encounters. It is such a niche of niche of obscure research that is ultimately laughable. Uh, to the brainwashed masses out there. So the probability of this, all of the, all of these, or even half of them being complete fabrications, I just don't buy it. I think that these stories are legit. I think these experiences are legit. And I feel like I have a bit of a finger on the pulse of emotive responses from people when they're speaking. I can kind of, I just don't think there's that many good actors out there. Ultimately. Yeah. They're con they sound convincing. Yeah. Obviously I haven't been able to read since I'm only hearing it, any facial Cues by everything I'm hearing is uh, uh, sounds like they're 100% genuine. Yeah. All right, moving on. And I look back, and this thing did something that I was not expecting. Something I was told animals like this that no animal outside of a bear could do. And it wasn't that it stood up. Uh, it, it wasn't just something that it sprang up on its hind legs and did. No, it was like it had to force itself up by its front paws, just like somebody doing a push-up and then pushing themselves up off the ground. And as it did this, I started hearing this, this sound. And at the time, I didn't recognize what it was. It was a few years and several movies and bites and things later before I realized what that sound was. It was like every bone, every joint in this thing's body was snapping and uh, cracking and, uh, and popping. It was just the most god-awful collection of sounds you, uh, a body could make without actually vocalizing it. And when it was done... It was standing on its hind legs, and it went from being just six to eight inches, a little more nat, taller than me, to being more than double my height. And what I had thought were front paws were human-like arms attached to a humanoid or a human-like torso and abdomen. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> man, I swear to God, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but bitch, I am so freaked the fuck out right now. <laughs> Shit. Hey, man. Um, yeah, so this, you know, you know this thing. Joe, Joe Biden was right, man. Buy a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> when did Joe Biden say that? You didn't you didn't know about that? No, man. <laughs> we we were talking about this when Kretchen from OBDM was on last week and we were talking about uh 
Joe Biden said, like, you don't need an assault rifle, buy a shotgun. And Metis, Metis was uh, in the chat, too, talking about, like, on that episode, how, like, because Joe Biden said, buy a shotgun and fire two blasts into the two warning shots into the air. <laughs> and he's like, if you do that, you are going to jail immediately. Like, you can't just fire live ammunition into the air. <laughs> of course you can, man. This is America. Hey, I'm going to take a three-minute break. Three-minute break to go pee. I got to pee like you wouldn't believe. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I'll put on a... a, a we'll, uh, we'll hear a buy a shotgun real quick. All right, yeah, put on buy a shotgun. Three minutes, tops. I have two shotguns on my home. They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun. Buy shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy shotgun. Buy a double barrel shotgun. No, you don't need a flamethrower. You don't need a tank You don't need an AR-15 To scare those thugs away No, and I don't need a grenade launcher I don't need an AR-15 There's just one thing I need to do And I'll stay away from me Fire two blasts Outside the house Buy a shotgun Buy a shotgun Buy a shotgun Buy a shotgun, baby You don't need a machine You don't need a machine You don't need 30 rounds Buy shotguns. Buy a double shotgun. Fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. You don't need a machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun. Buy a double shotgun. Buy a shotgun. Thanks. Kate Ernest has the next question. She asks... Do you believe that banning certain weapons and high-capacity magazines will mean that law-abiding citizens will then become more of a target to criminals, as we will have no way to sufficiently protect ourselves? <laughs> is this Paris par- Magazine? It is. I have Parents <laughs> Magazine at home. I've never heard anybody in Parents Magazine ask these kinds of questions, but I'm delighted to answer them. Um, first of all, uh, the idea that... W- repeat the last part of the question, please. So she's asking if... Um, a ban goes into effect on certain kinds of weapons and high-capacity magazines. And what's your name? Um, Kate. Kate, if you want to protect yourself, get a double-barrel shotgun, have the shells of 12-gauge shotgun, and I promise you, as I told my wife, we live in an area that's wooded and somewhat secluded. I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here or walk out, put that double-barrel shotgun and fired two blasts outside the house. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to... You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim. It's harder to use. And, in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. Oh, hell to the motherfucking <laughs> The shotgun hell is an extremely no. popular choice for home defense. Hell and to the just like with ARs, recently no. received... Hell no. <laughs> That's the best. Fire two blasts outside the house. <laughs> that was just one. Where's the where's the backup? I need that second shot. No. Hit it. 
Oh, God damn. I think you nailed him. Okay. All right. Moving on. So, <laughs> shit is gnarly. These well, creatures, dog man, man would never get Jill Biden because Joe, Joe's got it. Joe's got to take I think care Joe, of. I think Joe Biden is a dog man. All right. So, <laughs> Come on, so these man. things, the dog, these things, these things are some crazy fucking creatures, man. They do. I'll tell you what, these creatures shit. just keep get keeping crazier and crazier. They just get even crazier, man. These are crazy creatures. So here we go with some of the sounds and the noises that they make. I think I'm going to, I'm going to skip a couple here and just do this one. And then there's just this, I, I won't call it a, um, a roar or a howl. It was kind of, it was an extended grunt, but you know, it was a grunt slash roar that this thing gives off and nearly blows my friend off of his feet. That's how powerful it is. Him and my brother come sprinting back. I felt it from where I was, and I'm 50 yards from my buddy. This thing, it was probably fairly close to him by the way he reacted and how the crunching sound, how far it was. So maybe this thing was 70 yards from us, 75 yards, and it just gave out this real, you know, this 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 enforcing grunt or kind of like you're you're pissing me off, get away from me type of like grunt like letting you know like who's boss type of grunt yeah. and now I I know what people have said and I didn't know this at the time you know I want everybody to know that that this was back in 2008 I didn't know this at the time I just thought it was a really intense roar or grunt but now I know where I've heard some people mention that there's maybe a type of infrasound there or some kind of way where they, you know, there's a paralyzing effect in their vocal capabilities that you feel it down to the core. You feel it through your bones. And that's exactly what I felt. When people said that, I was like, oh, that's exactly what it was. I know what you mean. Because even at our distance, we after that thing let out that grunt, we all looked at each other and we we're like, whoa, wait. No, that, you know, and I, and I kind of was like, as they came sprinting back, my buddy came sprinting back, he saw it, and, um, it was just so impressive. The, the, the lung capacity of this thing, even in just that short burst, you could just tell that this thing was boss. Scratch off the lion, he's no more the king of the jungle. As far as I'm concerned, this thing, dogmen are, these things are. Infrasound. That's a super common thing with these creatures, man. Infrasound? Infrasound, yeah. Low frequency, low frequency phenomenon that can cause, like, just fucks up your stomach, fucks up your brain, cause havoc in the human nervous system. There's this guy, um, Dr. Richard Wiseman, I think. Uh, somewhere in the UK, uh, he says it's, it's the vibrations of low frequency acoustic waves, uh, that hit you like right in the stomach. And, and that's like the, you know, in your core, which causes you to feel like super drained, paralyzing or nauseous, um, just super uneasy, like depending on where you're at and, and, and how it's experienced. Like it could, the same thing could go the other way. Like you could be fucking tripping on mushrooms and get blasted with infrasound from some entity that could elevate you and 
put you into a different level of under, uh, not understanding, but just a different level of perception, a different level of appreciation or, or, um, you know, good feeling, I guess, comfortability, but it can go the other way. I think it's a, uh, it's something like that, but there was a rancher in Texas, I think in 2008, this guy claimed that he saw this creature, uh, he saw a dogman thing and then it was, it, he locked eyes with it. And then he said that this creature in his word, uh, fired off like a deep humming vibration in his direction. And when the sound wave hit him, he felt super sick and it was like a combination of like just brutal nausea, like just stomach churning queasiness, dizziness, and the sense of something gripping him, like grabbing onto him. It's so like he was being clutched by something, you know? Huh. They've I mean, had those just, sound cannons and microwave cannons for like riot control and stuff for a while, but that doesn't explain well, yeah, the gripping. Dude, the fucking the, the, the gripping feeling doesn't no. get explained by that. Well, I mean, it, it, it's possible too. I mean, the men in black use those things to uh, fight back and and cause harm onto dog man themselves. Like, there's men in black that go to these dudes' experiences. Like, there's a couple stories we'll get into. Hopefully, if we can if we can squeeze it in there, uh, these fucking men in black guys, man, top brass. They show up with all kinds of weaponry. Some of them are infrasound and subsonic weapons. Uh, that just do a number on these ranchers' dogs that they have at the house. Like, they let off these sounds, they let off these frequencies, and these ranchers' dogs just fucking get broke. Like, they get wrecked. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what they, so there's a couple anecdotes we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, this guy named, uh, this guy named Tom Powell, he was talking at a Bigfoot conference in 2013, and he was saying that there was uh, an incident that occurred while he was researching where he felt like he was zapped by something that he couldn't see. And he said that when that happened, like his knees buckled, uh, he, he couldn't, he couldn't stand up anymore that he fell down on his knees and then he kind of laid down on the ground and then he just fell asleep. <laughs> and he says that he woke up a few hours later in the woods and had no recollection of what happened until it came back to him later on. And he thinks that he was attacked, uh, through infrasound by some entity, maybe Sasquatch, maybe Dogman. I don't know. I don't know. Weird shit, though. Yeah, I'm. Let's, let's move, I'm let's... standing. I, so far, you have not changed my mind about wanting to meet a dog man. Oh man, they're good. They're so cool, though, dude. They're the coolest. I want to see dudes. a video of one. I don't want to be in, All right, well, in in physical proximity to one. Most of the videos that I saw are garbage, except for the one that I described earlier. I'm gonna try to remember. Um, try to find out. Try to see if I can. I've, I didn't. I've I've closed and restarted my computer so many times in the last couple of days. I've just been overloading it with clips. I'll try to find it and I'll send it to you so you can put it in the notes. Because that's important shit. Word. All right. Yes. Moving on. Moving on to the uh, infrasound sound stuff. Because these guys, these creatures, man, the way that they do things, like there's something very, very powerful about these dog man that they don't need to. That's just the whole thing. Is like mm, there's a whole angle about. Uh, the whole David Polites 411 thing, you know, yes, there's all these missing people in national parks every year. Yes, we know this and it is very, very mysterious and it's very, very interesting. And yes, there could be something there for sure, but there are hundreds and hundreds of face to face encounters, very, very close feet away, inches away, yards away, um, you know, fucking dozens of feet away. 
And there's been instances where people were like having dogmen looking them straight in the face. And like these dogmen don't attack them physically. They, they leave them alone, but they just paralyze them with fear and, and fuck with their brain. So I think that is the defense mechanism. I think that the, they use their sound, their growl, their vibration as a sonic weapon. And then at the same time, you have to imagine, I'm trying to keep this in perspective when I hear these, these encounter stories, dude, is, uh, you know, imagine you're out there and, and you don't know what the fuck you're, you're not expecting to run into a dog the size of a fucking buffalo. And then you do. And then it stands up on two legs and it makes a sound. No matter if it made a fart, it's going to scare the shit out of you, right? Because it's a massive yeah. apex predator. And, and then it, if it's after it stands up know? and it's standing there for a second and then all of a sudden it like whips its head around like just totally straight at you. <laughs> dead. Stares dead yeah. at you. Quick whips its head. Yeah. They, they like, it doesn't fear. matter if it starts running at you or not. You're just probably going to die right there just from <laughs> pure terror. Well, think about that. Okay, I'm glad you said that because that's the that's what I'm getting at here is dogman or cougar or a bear. You come across an apex predator in a territory that you are in, you know, you are encroaching on and that animal recognizes you and sees you, identifies you as a threat or no. When you recognize that identification, when you have a cross recognition from species to species, that is terrifying. And so there is a level of unforgettable, remarkable trauma, whether it's severe or minor, that is going to stick with you forever. And so it's not surprising to me that people are so marked by the sound or by the sight of these creatures because you're looking at an absolute apex predator, whether it's a cougar or a dogman or a sasquatch or a fucking grizzly or, 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 or whatever. You are no longer – not that we walk around thinking we're king shit apex predators. I'm going hiking and I'm an apex predator, bitch. We don't think about that. But the reality is, is that most of the time we kind of are. You know, I mean, yes, deer are bigger than us. Buck are bigger than us. Uh, some wolves that would fucking take us down in a minute. But we don't think about that on a conscious level. But when we when we have the opportunity to be aware of that, that perhaps we're not apex, perhaps we're not top food chain, and perhaps we're in the way. You think about that that viral video that went over about a year ago or so, where that cougar was chasing that guy down that trail. I think in uh in Utah, you know, I mean, that guy was just running along. He's just doing his job because he's a loser who likes to run around all day. And he just didn't even know, but he, he crossed between a mom cougar and her cubs and that cougar chased him for fucking half a mile. And it wasn't like it was bigger than him, but it was a Shit. vicious predator that was willing to die to you know, to take you down. And so I think that kind of stuff is, is interesting. You hear these kind of stories of people being wrecked and traumatized by the sight, by the sound of these creatures. But really that creature could be anything uh, that could take you down. And reality is, is most creatures could take us down, you know. Okay, moving on. So we've looked over and I've heard quite. What's that, man? Nothing. I was just going to say, I keep forgetting how to use this mute button properly. Oh, shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> so we've looked over and I've heard quite a deep growl and I, I don't, I, I wouldn't do this thing any justice trying to do the noise, but really heavy vibrating growl. And I'll tell you what, it was a vibration type of growl, heavy, deep vibrating. And it sound, I'll be honest, it sounded pretty scary is not the word, but like aggressive. Um, you know, and snarling, so like <laughs> type of noise, but that didn't sound like it at all. It was much deeper than that, even deeper than a bear, because I've heard bears on on the TV. I've never seen one. We don't have bears in England. So if anyone tries to tell me this was a bear, they can literally just, you know, not talk to me again because I know there is no bears in England, right? We don't have any bears. We don't have any wolves. We might have stray dogs. Not anymore because they killed them all. They killed definitely all the not wolves. any bears. So I heard this growling and looking at this bush, not expecting to see what we saw. Um, so we heard this growling and snarling quite loud for maybe a couple of seconds. I'm, I wasn't counting, but probably a couple of seconds of it. I listened to this thing circle the tent and when I really started freaking out is I could hear it growling, which I'm still mind blown that my friends didn't wake up at that because it was such a deep growl that words cannot describe it. It, it had so much depth to that growl. And then you start overthinking things. You're like, that don't sound like a bear. Maybe it's a really big dog or wolf or coyote. But then you start thinking, everything in my mind is making it smaller. Yeah. So, and uh, contrary to everything I just said in that last diatribe, I do think, along with, you know, what was said about the you know encountering an apex predator and having that initial fight or flight reflex i do think that these things do have infrasound subsonic weaponry weaponry like just maybe not and i'm saying not like they're equipped like some sort of like machine but i think they just have a particular ability and i think that they know our human weaknesses and they know that we are uh <laughs> soft and squishy you know and we think we're big shit but we're not and i think that these things like they did to me uh that they can elicit and they can emit particular levels of energy and perceptions whether it's sonic or uh telepathic to let you know that they are there and if they want to if they could if they had to i should say they will take you out i think that most of the time they don't and I can't explain why, and I'm not even going to try to explain why, uh, but I just think it's very interesting that most of the time, it seems, they don't take anybody out. But they do have some sort of uh, ability to tap right into our biology to trigger our emotions and our, our physiology in a way that puts us right in our place at that moment. You know? Yeah. Man. So, 
let's say hypothetically I'm walking through the woods and I run into a dog, man. Is it best to play dead? No, I think just start running. I mean, I mean, if you want to say no, no, don't run. Absolutely not. This is, I mean, for me, I hope I, I hope I never encounter one of these creatures. I hope I'm, I'm, I hope I can live the rest of my life. I hope I can live the rest of my life for having that that psychic encounter, where it didn't occupy physical space. It was just in my mind. Uh, but if I had to run up, if I did uh, encounter that man, I would um, try to stand as tall as I could manage. I know that I would be absolutely fucking um, broken. I think it would completely change things as far as how I'm perceiving the world. I, I think it would happen instantaneously. I would feel incredibly small, but I would try the best that I could to to. Uh, to gather all of my will and all of my strength and being to stand strong, acknowledge it and simply back away or in some way communicate that I'm not a threat and, uh, I have respect for you and, um, I'm just going to leave you alone. Would you rather I leave? I, I, I can leave. I know where the door is. I'll just <laughs> go this way <laughs> you know. I'll just and just back away. I wouldn't ever turn my back on one of these things in fear. However, that said, I don't believe that these things are inherent apex predators that want to devour human beings. I think that we are simply in the way. I think that they choose sometimes to reveal themselves to us. And I feel that sometimes they are discovered by us. I think both are fairly accidental and, um, I, I just I just don't think that they're real apex predators of human beings per se. However, there's a whole David Pallades 411 school that would argue otherwise. But they could say the same thing about Bigfoot. There's a whole, there's a whole school of thinking that these cryptids are um, on one half benevolent and on the other half completely malevolent. Uh, I think that both of them are, are possible at the same time. But I think ultimately they are there for a reason and they're usually there to get us the fuck out of wherever we are for some reason. For some reason. It could be that they're just passing through. And as we'll hear hopefully uh, uh, shortly, there are good reason to believe that the military and the intelligence communities are moving these things around as assets for specific purposes. Mm. Okay. I mean, if there are, if there are, if any humans know where the portals to the nether realm or the outer worlds or whatever are, it would definitely be some kind of like shadow government organization. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, I mean, I, there are, there are people in our government that know that these things exist and they do not want to vanquish them by any means. They utilize them. They need them because these creatures, these entities are doing work that we can't do, but yet we recognize as valuable work. And so I think that they are moved around from place to place. Sometimes they're, I guess what I'm saying is they're migrated and they're utilized like any other tool to exploit, which is the thing that we do the best as Americans. I like the not to derail this too much, but I like Midnight Mike's theory that the 
big feet are like the the bodyguards or the muscle for the grays. Interesting. The, and yeah, they that's like a good one. They have the 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 big feet are like the uh, biological muscle for the for the aliens, and they just either portal in or pop out of a UFO and kidnap the people out of the woods or whatever, and bring them up to the ship. Hmm. Yeah. It's well, a silly theory, but I like it. That's not too silly. I think there's something there. It's a good one. This wolf was a monstrously sized wolf because it was on all fours. It was at least six to eight, maybe more inches taller than I was. And this thing is on all fours. At which point it, it's like it took this thing this long, and I'm sure this is not the case, but it seemed like it took it five, ten seconds to notice that somebody was looking at it with a flashlight and saw it. And then it just kind of let out this gut-wrenching kind of deep from the bottom, from the pit of your stomach kind of growl slash snarl. And it exposed the canine, its canines at the front of its muzzle. And these things were almost as long as my pinky finger and almost as big around. When it did that, the dogs all immediately shut up and began whimpering. And they all tucked their tails between their legs because it dawned on them at the same moment that it dawned on me that what we were dealing with was something out of the ordinary, something that we were dealing with what initially I thought was just a rather large wolf that had been alive for a very long time. It was the only thing I could think of, the only way I could think of it being that big, the only explanation that made sense to me at that time. Never. It's, it kept its head straight ahead with its tongue hanging out of its mouth, but its eyes were looking at us. Its eyes were like, and the look on its face was so, oh my God, the look on its face was so, like it was amused. It just had this look on its face, like like it was amused that we were watching it. You know, and the whole time I could see its eyes kind of looking to the left towards us, and its and its mouth came back really far like it, you know, because it was like it had been running. So it was out, you know, out of breath or whatever. So it looked like it was grinning. But the sides of it, if its mouth came back so far, I mean, they were like, it just, that's why I say it looked like a cartoon. Like it was stretched so far back. And it had this creepy look on its face, like, like it was amused. Like it was um a smirk. It was smirking. It was definitely smirking at us. And it just, but it's, but it went back so far, it's the corners of its mouth. And it was almost, you could almost see the folds at the corners where it, it was so far back, you know? It did, it looked like a cartoon. It didn't even look real. It looked like a, like a, like a cartoon animal, only it was real. Yeah. Yeah. Did man. that first guy, did that first yeah. guy say that, it was four to six inches taller than him while it was on all fours. Yeah. Yeah. He Jeez. was 11 years old. Well, he was 11 years old at the time. Oh, so okay. he's probably, he's probably about, you know, 
four and a half feet tall. Uh, four Still, feet though. tall, four and a half feet tall. But yeah, the wall was on force. You recognize that this thing was really high up there. So you thought it could have been any number of different animals, maybe sitting on a branch or something of this tree or whatever. And then once it raised up, you know, it was like, whoa, doubled, doubled his size. So, and that's, so that's a consistent thing with that whole grin, you know, that grimace, like you played in the intro, man, that, that clip, that, that guy. So that guy in that clip and in your intro montage uh, from uh, the Fort Hood episodes, like, mm-hmm. that's an old motherfucker. That guy's in his like 60s, you know, and he had his encounter, I think, 25, 30 years ago. And over and over and over and over again, super consistent. All these encounters say, like, this. I swear to God, it was smiling at me. But, of course, you have to imagine, remember, like, a, the shape of a dog's face, the shape of a dog's mouth. They have that natural grimace. Uh, but there's something very intuitive uh, that people have been able to recount in all these these experiences is that it really it's more than just, like, a glance with a dog mouth. But it, like, really looks like – I mean, you know the difference between a smiling dog and a docile dog. There's a big difference in the face. You can see the cheeks rear up, and the you know you can you can see like a that dog is happy. He's smiling. Yeah, usually they're when they're happy, the mouth open, tongue will be sticking out too. Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, they just they just do it. It's just what they do. So, but yeah, that smiling dog, that grimacing dog, that that dog that's like kind of smirking and knowing, and that's sort of it's it's a consistent thing with a lot of these uh, experiences is that people are saying that. It's as if this dog knew that I was so bewildered and dumbfounded and gobsmacked by this vision and they were enjoying that, you know? And that's the thing I think it lends a certain level of intelligence to these entities is that they can manifest themselves in such a way that is so beyond real that it it's unreal. It seems so impossible. And when they actually get to experience your gobsmacked bewilderment with what they're living through in this moment, I think they get a kick out of it, you know? Uh, I think they're super intelligent. I think they're doing it on purpose. And I think, yes, they are actually laughing. Um, all right, so let's get into, before we, we, we're coming down to, uh, we have like a little bit of a cap on this show. So I'm going to try to bang through a lot of these clips as much as I can. We're finally going to get into the military kind of aspects with this thing. Sweet. All right, ready? Yeah. Let's go. Banging my out, bro. Because of that. And if I felt like, because I live in a town right now, pretty moderately town. If I felt like one was around me, I would move. I wouldn't hesitate to move because I know what they do and what they cause. And I don't feel like a person has a chance, not much, meeting up with these things if they're hungry. But there's some kind of wisdom to them. I've raised dogs and there's some very intelligent dogs. Very intelligent dogs. This one had a calculation about him that you don't see so much in a dog. I mean, you, you might have a dog that's pretty smart and knows a lot of tricks and he could teach himself, but there's a calculation here in these animals. They can reason, think almost like a person, if not more, because they have the natural instinct of the wilderness about them. There's definite intelligence calculation. It was very deliberate. When this thing turned around and come back, it was very deliberate. And you could see his nose just wiggling. And it, you can just see him sniffing the air, trying to catch my scent. I don't know what their abilities are, but they must be very strong. And I do think, 
cut instinct. You got to listen to that. I do think the military moved these things on purpose because lightning scares a dog. And they would only do these night maneuvers during that period of time. They didn't do them all the time because I thought, are they for real in the middle of the night doing night maneuvers during an electrical storm? This is the most craziest time ever. These were jets. You could tell these were fighter jets they were moving these things with. They went in one direction. It's like they would go over and all of a sudden in a wave, they would go over again when they were doing these night maneuvers. And I do think they pushed them from an area to that ledge of that. It's a kind of a cliff that goes up and the people live above the cliff, but there's a few that live underneath it. But I think they pushed them up in that area. I think they moved them. I think they know that they're, I think that was very deliberate. Because why else would they do nightmare? I mean, I know they got to train for everything. I realize that. But they didn't do it all the time. When I moved on to other, no. And it stormed. But no, this was a very, and that's when the trouble started. It was like, mm, they pushed them up in that area. that Because they only came in one direction, and they were flying very low, and they were fighter planes, jets. They were moving them in that area. All I know is that area is a no-fly zone. It belongs to the military. Now, whether they own the land or they have a perimeter, I'm not sure I'm not that up on that. But I do know that this area is a no-fly zone. You've never seen a plane, just a sporadic plane fly over. It was a no-fly zone. So it was a deliberate military move whether it's practice or not. But I do think that's what moved them into that area. But I do think, I, I never realized that they're in so many different areas. I just thought, well, that's that one area they have these creatures. I don't know what they are. They're mean as heck. No, there's too many places that have these creatures. Yeah. Military Shit. bases all over the place. You got some sort of influence uh, from the government pushing things, maybe moving these things around, maybe deploying these things, uh, maybe just trying to monitor or um, control these things, just uh, ultimately collecting data, data, data about all these things. Um, so that that's interesting woman. Uh, I think she is in Arkansas. That was in Arkansas. Arkansas is a fairly big state. Um, but so that's that. Okay, now we're going to go up to upstate New York. A town called Cato, a little area called Cato. This is a big old huge series of clips that are fairly short, but there's a big story here. So this guy's deal was uh, he had a bunch of cattle that were getting super fucking freaked out one night, and they were all like huddled in this big mass, and he went to go see what was going on. He got in the four-wheeler with his buddy, and they went out and uh, you know saw uh, these dogmen creatures. One of them uh, had kind of attacked their little truck that they were on and this is the guy that his neighbor was taking shots at and unloading his rifle at yeah unloading his rifle on these dog man and it, wasn't, it wasn't doing nothing Damn. and it freaked him out they had some trauma they went home and they were all freaked out and then the next day stuff happens and uh i shook his hand and he said you're brandon i said yeah and, military uh, shows run by me again exactly what had happened so I took a couple minutes, and uh, I explained to him 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit a little bit more of a backgrounder. So uh, yeah. so all this stuff happened with his neighbor, and they're cool. The other neighbor is the sheriff, and so they're all friendly. This is rural upstate New York. This is cattle country, still believe it or not. Uh, uh, but the neighbor guy says, okay, well, let me, you know, see what I can, I'll try to call for some help, you know, cause the guy's like, you got to help us out. Got to, you know, this is what happened. You should know you're law enforcement. And then law enforcement guy calls this dude. His name is Brian or Brandon. And, uh, and then he says, all right, hold on. There's going to be someone coming up to visit you. And it ends up being fucking, uh, men in black. And, uh, I shook his hand and he said, you're Brandon. I said, yeah. And uh, he goes, run by me again, exactly what had happened. So I took a couple minutes, and uh, I explained to him in general what it was that was going on. At that point, I can see he's got a pistol on his hip. And at that point, he motions over this wave or whatever. And I look over. Now, five more of the same type of people, the same type of outfits, gets out of this black van truck thing. Now, as they get out, they all have pistols on, and they have these strapped, what looks like some type of smaller machine gun, SMG, maybe even fully automatic firearm hanging around their neck. And, I mean, these guys are some type of professionals here, some type of government professionals. I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I'm very familiar with all the military outfits and uniforms. I've never seen this. We have to be concerned about the mutants. So... He's about That's to a get his, Yeah, he's about to get uh, his his world rocked right there. So. And uh, I shook his hand, and he said, "You're Brandon." I said, "Yeah." And I talked to the sheriff. And, uh, he goes, "Run by." Oops. Um, and my guy uh, talked to the sheriff, and I said, "What's go- what's going on here?" I said, "What what is this?" And he goes, "They'll they'll handle it. They know what to do." And I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, I've got a lot of questions right now. I don't know who these people are." What's going to go on? Are they going on a hunt for this thing right now? That's all I can think of. They're strapped up like they're going to World War Three, <laughs> You know, so they come back over. He said something to them quick there. I don't know what it was. And uh, they come back over, and he has me explain the area where they went, excuse me, where I went, down into the woods. And as they start heading over that way, I see them. They have this, one of them has this, it looks like a satellite disc with a smaller satellite disc in the middle. The wider one's about a foot and a half long. The other one that's inside of that one, the other cone part, is only about five, maybe four inches long. So I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking, what is that little device? Maybe a loudspeaker or something. What are they going to do, yell for this thing in the woods? Or maybe they're going to yell to each other. I don't know. But as soon as he puts it out in front of him, I'm in the middle of a conversation that I can't even tell you what it was about at the moment now that I come back and think of it. But I, I was just so distracted because he points this thing out in front of him. It looks like a, it's got a hand grip and a trigger on it. And he hits this thing, and my dog. Oh. Now, these got to be some type of government people because I've never seen this outfit, as I said before. And they had some type of devices and, and things that I've never, I'm not familiar with. It did something, some type of sound wave or some type of energy that came out of that thing that put my dog into a mess. I didn't hear it, and I didn't feel it. must be something only that animals or dogs can hear. I'm not sure. I'm speculating on that. Dog whistle. So they come back about three and a half, three hours later, and uh, they knock on the door. I see them walking back up in the cameras because 
originally when they had gone to leave, they jumped back in the vehicle after they pointed that thing out into the woods. They went back in the vehicle and they drove it down the dirt road. So they come back. I see them pulling back up, and I said, uh, "So what's going on here? What did we figure out, guys?" And the other four are over in the woods. They got a couple bags with them. I see too. So they're over near their van, and I'm talking to this guy, and I said, well, "What outfit are you guys with?" And he ignored my question, and he said, "I got to ask you a couple questions." And I said, "Okay." So we ran through some things, and a couple of these questions that he asked were. Did you take any pictures that day? And I said, no, it was the middle of the night, pretty much. It was 8.30, 9.30 at night. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, okay. And uh, before he had left, he had asked about the deer cams and things before they had went in the woods. And I told him that I got about 30 out there. And uh, he goes, okay. So we went through a conversation of asking if I had what I had come to realize any physical proof of this creature, which he obviously didn't want me to have. And, you know, I'm no dummy here. I could see that they were looking to see if there was any type of proof of anything, and they wanted it in their possession. So, so you know, you got men and black guys showing up at this dude's farm, uh, pointing some subsonic, supersonic weapons into the woods, fucks up his dogs, all sounds pretty credible. I have to say, though, for posterity's sake or whatever the fuck, I looked up, you know, I'm, cause I, I'm trying to find more information about the host of this particular YouTube channel because he's very, very aloof. There's no information about him anywhere. And I, so I looked on Reddit and Reddit, there's a whole Reddit subthread about this guy, this subject, Brandon, in this mm. particular episode. And there's a bunch of redditors that said that they have looked into his background, that he's a liar and he's maybe he's a child molester and whatever kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's true. It's fucking likely. It seems like everyone is. Um, and they said that he's a liar. But maybe I, I don't know. He's been on this particular YouTube channel called Dogman Encounters Radio um, at least three times. And the host of this radio's name is Vic, Vic Cundiff. And Vic Cundiff purports to be very, very scrupulous about who he lets on the show. He vets and tries the background and has his little spider senses, his feelers out there to tell if people are lying or not. And there's been big gaps in between episodes when, when he finally produces an episode for the, for the channel or for the podcast. It's podcast is not really a podcast, but it kind of is. Uh, he'll say, hey, you know, I had a guest lined up, but it looks out. It turns out that uh, they were lying. And so I hate liars. I don't want them on my show. So I had to find a new guest. And this is what I got, you know. So he makes an effort to proclaim that he's uh, got some some sort of adjudication, some sort of way to tell if someone is lying or not. And then he makes judgment whether or not their story is credible. He's had this guy, Brandon, on the show three times. Redditors say he's a liar. Vic says he's legit. Who do you believe? I don't know. I just wanted to point – I just wanted to put that out there. Did they give any reason on Reddit or was it typical Reddit people being Reddit people and just making statements with nothing to back them up? Typical Reddit people being yeah. Reddit people. Okay. All right. Moving on. I just wanted to put that out there. Now come to find out. They go to leave. They say that they'll 
talk to me, you know, shortly. We'll make sure that we get in contact with you. As for right now, you should be all set. And I said, what does that mean, all set? I have a lot of questions here. I need to know what it is that's going on, and I need to know right now. I'm concerned about my well-being, my family's well-being, and all of my free time is spent in the woods. I, I can't even go back in there right now unless I know what it is that's going on. I I don't know. High-powered rifles, pistols, and shotguns, black powder, that's all I got in this gun safe. I don't know what I'm supposed to do to keep myself safe to go out there. You know, I need some answers. And he said, we need to look a little further into this, and we'll get back in touch with you. For right now, you're all right. Just sit tight. And I said, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'm trying to get more out of him. He won't give it to me. I want to know who these guys are and what it is that's going on. They're obviously on my team, but they're hiding something. Because to ask if I had anything, if I have this, I have that, you know, they want a possession of it. So next couple of days, I get the courage to go out. And I end up going out there all strapped up like some type of army vet. I get out there, and there's a couple of the deer cams that I've got next to the edge of the woods. Now, I can see the dogs going back outside. I can see over the next day that the cows are back up next to the edge of the woods. And I'm thinking, okay, I feel a little bit safer. And obviously, daylight, because you can see what your surroundings are, you feel a little bit safer. It's important to always be aware of your surroundings, especially with (laughs) finding out that there's more creatures than you originally knew were on this planet. So I get out. There's a couple deer cams close to the line of the uh, edge of the field and the hedgerow, and I don't want to go too deep in there. I'm not ready for that yet. But I pop a couple of them open, and wouldn't you know it, all the SD cards are gone. Every one that I had checked on the edge of the woods. Now, I have to check the other 20-something, but I can bet you any amount of money that all of them are gone too. There is no way that they said to me, Do you have any deer cams? How many? And all of a sudden, all the SD cards are gone. Let's get real here, guy. There's no way. So they're going to review all those, see if they captured anything. And I wish I would have known at the time because I would have pulled them. I don't know if I would have been able to get deep into the woods to get all those, but I would have pulled as many as I could to see what I had on there. Because it did come to mind, but they beat me to it. Yeah. So, okay, here's the guy, you know. Damn. Upstate New York, 25, 30 deer cams. Who would have that many deer cams on their property? It's, uh, it's, bold. it's crazy. Who would have that many deer cams? I don't know, man. I mean, maybe if you had, if you had a hundred fucking 200 acres, I think this guy's got like a 191 acre farm. That's a lot. That's a lot of land. That's a lot of land. There's no way anyone could patrol or monitor that kind of space. You'd have to, at the very least, just know like, these are the kind of predators. Maybe there's poachers. I mean, this is the guy who's got a cattle ranch. I mean, that's that's probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of cattle. I mean, cows are very, very expensive. Uh, and so these guys are, you know, it, it, it seems implausible when you're hearing it for, as like a city person. But to put yourself in that position where you have 191 acres. I mean, I live on an acre and a half and it's. It's a lot of work for me, little Dean up here in the chalet. I can only imagine 191 acres with actual livestock to maintain. Right. It's crazy shit. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that guy's fairly legit. I think I have one more to just, I think I have one more capper for his story. Sweet. And that was a very humbling experience because I didn't realize that 
something like that would grow and something like that would actually exist. This thing was ready to take anything on and it was bigger than any creature I've ever seen. It, it was just beyond imaginable. And to think that I have my family there and I'm completely helpless. I thought about moving them. We got to get out of here. I'm thinking. And then I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that I'm going to let this thing push me away from my house. I've worked really hard to have what I have at 30 years old. There is no way I'm letting this thing beat me. But over the next week or so, I couldn't sleep well. I was not focusing on things. All I could keep thinking is I'm going to see this thing through my window one day and it's going to blast through and it's going to take my family. It's going to, I don't know what it's capable of. I have no clue what it's capable of. But whatever created this thing, I don't know what it was thinking. This thing is just a damage machine. It is ready all the time to just go from zero to a hundred in full attack mode. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But I know for sure that I definitely am not going to be going back in the woods anytime soon. And that's a sad thing because it's taken something from me. It's taken my ability to be comfortable and be able to enjoy the woods and share the outdoor experiences with my family and friends and ones that I care about, be able to create memories with those friends and family that I care about. It's taken that away from me. Hell no. Hell to the motherfucking nigga no. We have to be concerned about the mutants. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that shit's... That shit's going on, man. It's going on all over the place. So that guy's story, you know, Redditor's like, ah, it's bullshit. He's a fucking, he's a liar, liar. He's white. He's got cows. He's <laughs> racist. We hate him. Well, there's another guy who basically can corroborate everything that dude in Cato, New York says. This guy, I fucking, I think he's in Mississippi. Two days before my first sergeant. Yeah, a little backgrounder. So this guy is uh he's he's a PFC, he's private first class military. I think it's probably about fuck dude, I think maybe almost two dozen years ago. And he's out there with his first sergeant. His first sergeant's a big pain in the ass. And they're out doing this thing. His this guy who's talking, his job was to deliver food from one place to another. That was his fucking job. And they had these giant trucks with the big tarpaulins over them and you know, cannabis and stuff. And they got straight up attacked by a couple of dogmen, a, a female and a male. And I'm not going to, I didn't want to get into that story, even though it's very interesting and very entertaining and very scary. I wanted to share uh, the aftermath of that attack. And this is a guy who was attacked with his first sergeant, who was a hard ass. And in the military, they have to go back and they have to report the damages and the losses. And they're trying to report that they got attacked by wolves. And the commanding officers, all the COs are like, you're fucking full of shit. And he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing his case until finally they had enough of him. But someone was listening and eventually they sent, um, they sent the men in black. Two days before my first sergeant, I don't know what, what he, what kind of strings he pulled. I don't know what he pulled or how he pulled it. But I know I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble big time. If, if, if it wouldn't have been for him coming clean, and I guess he must have talked to somebody that was way up there in brass 
because they sent some guys out there and, and, and they came out and they talked to me. It must have been two, three days later, but I swear for almost two days, I went through a, a lot of scrutiny because they thought I was lying. They thought that this never happened, you know, and, and, and you know, and I could, uh, I see at the time, uh, I couldn't understand why they wouldn't believe me. I was just a PFC, but my record was clean. It was, it was uh, exemplary. I had never been in no trouble. I was a, I was a straight shooter. I did exactly what I was told. And, and that's what they knew about me. So they knew that, that I was a good guy. And, but they said, just tell us what really happened. And I, and I tried to tell them. And, you know, and, and my, my captain even told me, he said, well, well, why don't you show me where these things are at? I said, sir, I'm not going back out there. I said, I'm not going back out there. I said, you're not going back out there without some type of, of live rounds. I'm not going back out there, sir. You know, I, I, I would, I'm not going to do it. I, I, I'll tell you where it's at. I'll show you where it's at. I said, I'll even run by there and show you, but I will not stop there. I, I said, I'm not going to do it, sir. I said, I've done seen what's out there and I can't do it. I said, what's out there is going to get you too. <laughs> and they, they really thought I was a nut. <laughs> they, they actually thought I was really joking with them. I couldn't believe it. But I mean, that, that is the true skinny that, that wouldn't happen until the, you know, the men in black had came out. And that was when, uh, four military, uh, black suburbans had drove up. And, uh, I can remember this as if it was yesterday. And when these guys showed up, these four guys, these four trucks showed up, they were clean. They were beautiful trucks. You know, you would have never expected them to be, you know, out where we were. And the first thing they did, they came and got me. And I can remember everybody looking at me. And they put me inside of a Suburban and started, gave me about 90 questions. What happened? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? How did it happen? And uh, they took over from there. They cleared me of everything to do with the truck. They went to my captain. They said, don't worry about that truck. We're going to get everything, you know, taken care of on the truck. Whatever was taken or, or whatever's gone, we're going to replace. Don't worry about nothing. Now, what they wanted to know was who I talked to, what I told anybody. Anybody that I had told was had, had to be debriefed. Everybody that I had mentioned anything to had to be debriefed. So I guess everybody got debriefed and was said that none of this had ever happened, and that's just the way it was. And that's the way it was. What? These guys that came out of these trucks, these guys were just not no regular guys. These guys were suited up to do some damage. I can remember back then in the 80s, they had those uh, military Uzis. You know, and they were all packing those. Huh. They had all kind of uh, machineries, uh, looked like a, some kind of a, a radar machine that they used. And uh, they were pointing when we got back out to where them little uh, dog men were at. Ding, ding, ding. Hunting, I guess they're wow. hunting down. And, and no matter what I would ask them, they never gave me an answer back. I could ask them two or three times, well, what are they? Why are they? Who are they? Now they they just said the same thing. You asked too many questions. Yeah, you asked too many questions. 
Greenhorn, get back to work. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, you had at least three or four things in there that were right in line with exactly what that other guy said. Oh yeah, we're, we're not we're not quite done with that guy's story. I got one more shorty clip. So I figured, you know, who are you? Who are you to tell me? I almost got killed by these things, you know. And the same, and the same, they kept giving me the same thing. They said, "Well, they didn't kill you, did they?" I said, "No." I said, "But they could have." They said, "But did they?" I said, "No." I said, "But they could have." And that went on for a while. I would, I just wanted some answers. You know, is it too much to get some answers? I mean, I went through a, a nightmare. I went through a, a, a travesty over here. But you know what? They don't see it like that. And it was a good thing that one of them was, I think, I believe it was a, a lieutenant colonel. He came up to me. He pulls me in there and he says, look, he says, I understand you're frustrated. You're angry. You're upset. You want answers. He says, but you're not going to get them. He said, these things have been around for a long time. He says, we need them as much as we need you. He told me this and and he said, what really puzzled me, he says, there are things out there that these things have to take care of. He says, you don't know anything about it. He says, it's none of your business. He said, but that's all I'm going to give you. He said, if that will satisfy you, he says, well, then that's all you're getting. He says, until then. He says, you'll make no, you won't say another word about it. And that's just it. And I said, yes, sir. He says, as far as everything else that, that happened, you know, it never happened. Well, I had kept those claws or those, that talon that, that it broke off. And I don't know how word got around that somebody said that I had them, but they showed up. They showed up (laughs) and they said, we want them. (laughs) <laughs> and I knew exactly what they were talking about. I had them wrapped up in a handkerchief in a little box inside my room. I said, you talking about these? He said, yep. He said, are you sure that's it? I said, yes, sir. He said, we don't want to, he says, we don't want to come out here again. I said, I don't have anything else. I said, but think about it. I said, nobody believed my story. Nobody believed me. I said, you know how many times I got laughed at? He said, I understand. He said, we, we get it. We get it. Yeah, man. What was yeah. it? He, what was it that he said they like a piece of their claw so, or fur? What was yeah, it? That you, yeah, yeah. So when they were in the big old truck, uh, they called it a, a deuce and a half. I don't know if there's any jarheads listening to this show. I don't know what a deuce and a half is, but I know it's a big ass fucking diesel truck. The military uses to call it deuce and a half. I just love that term. Deuce yeah. And, and they're driving one of those things, and uh, they got attacked by these dog man and one of them was shredding the top canopy and the whole thing was they were carrying all this chow from the mess hall to uh the the site to the the the, the practice the uh wherever they were doing their run their oh routine, so their, their th- that makes sense if it was a it was food that they the reason they were getting so, attacked is because they had the dogs could smell that food probably yeah and they stole three huge containers full of food and that's why he was in big trouble, not because he wrecked the truck. Yeah, because they wrecked the truck because his job was also like his one of his jobs was he was a mechanic. So he fixed – he actually rebuilt that same truck that they were driving. He just rebuilt it. It was just back on the road and he had all this food, all this chow. Uh, that dog, man, 
basically attacked the truck while the his first sergeant was taking a piss. They ran up on it while they were parked. And they started jumping onto the back end of the truck. They shredded open the canopy and started pulling these con- these humongous containers out, like containers that are like the size of like a big old easy chair, you know, like a huge recliner, taking these giant containers out. And then in the process of fighting these things off, and mind you, this guy, this 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 PFC and his first sergeant, they're just on a practice patrol thing. They're not in combat. So there's no live rounds. They don't have they have weapons, but they're empty. They don't have any bullets in their guns. And so yeah, and so they're this this uh first sergeant, his name was Top. They called it he called himself Top, and he was a big asshole. He was top shit, top asshole. He got so fucked up um that after he broke out of his complete shock, he went into body shock. His his dude's this dude's first sergeant top did. When he snapped out of it because this guy was slapping him silly, waking him up out of his shock, all he could do was he could he just pulled his M16 on these dogmen, but there were no rounds. He couldn't fire anything off. He was just hoping that he could just intimidate. Uh, it was in the process of that kind of scuffle that one of these dogmen creatures um, had a big chip of its claw got stuck in the uh, the step rail of the deuce and a half. And this guy telling the story was able to, he took that claw because he, he didn't, I mean, he knew it was happening, but he just wanted something that he would have as like a memento, as a totem. Like, you know, if no one believes me, at least I won't convince myself in the future that I was hallucinating because I have this physical object, mm-hmm. you know, that came from this experience. And somehow, and he told somebody, of course, um, and it got, got out. So these men in black came and took that claw. That he had stashed up in a box in his room. Now the, the so, men in black I, had to debrief everybody that he told about it, but now he's yeah. talking about it on on a podcast, I guess it is, or an interview. And he's so, retired. So, but now you and like now you and me can probably expect a debriefing then, since we've <laughs> yeah. heard his story. Well, I've actually I, I debriefed uh, before I got on the mic. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm just wearing a shirt. That's it. You're D yeah. D debriefed. I'm D debriefed. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So uh I don't know what you think about that guy's story. I like that guy's story. I um I think it's interesting. His whole story is really, really chilling and cool. But man, I don't know, again, it's one of the things that's consistent about these people that are telling these stories. Uh I don't think this, these people are actors. And I, if no. these are cold reads, these are great cold reads. You know, I have a hard time reading anything out loud, you know, without sounding like I'm obviously reading something. I was reading stuff on the podcast tonight with you, and it's probably obvious I was reading. You would have to have those lines down on a Brad Pitt level of memorization and activation to be able to pull that off with the cadence, tone, and emotionality to make that story even half as convincing as it is coming off naturally. That's why I think these people are all legit. And how can this guy in fucking Mississippi have almost the exact same kind of encounter with men in black as the guy in upstate New York and not know each other and not be like, oh, well, I heard this story. I'm going to fabricate a completely different story that's just like his story for what? To To get an episode on a stupid YouTube channel? I mean, I don't know. The motivation is just not there for me. You know, like who would who would want to do that? How, You're absolutely how empty right. And, I'm, I'm with how, you all the way on this. 
Yeah, how empty and vapid could your life have to be to want to like fabricate a story to be on the most fringes of conspiracy topic conversation shit list? <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's like less than Redditors. Less than Redditors. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So that was, um, that was the military guy. That was the man in black. That was Big Mo talking about his, his experience with his first sergeant. Uh, called Top. His name is Top and how their all shit was fucked up and the men in black came and basically made it all go away and then they raided his room and took his artifact and they wanted to make sure that everyone knew that they didn't see or hear anything. It never happened. Because uh, the military, as we learned from the guy in upstate New York and this dude down there in, in Mississippi or Louisiana or wherever he is, uh, these the military knows about these things and they move them around. They are using them. That the guy said, uh, they need them. The military needs these these dogmen. They are taking care of things that they can't take care of themselves. The military can't. So they're utilizing these things. They are weapons. They're weapons of war. They are war wolves. War wolves, for lack of a better term. I like it. And um, and there's. You know, so Linda Gottfried's written uh, five books about dogmen in the United States and elsewhere. Linda Gottfried, she wrote uh, lots of stuff. One of her interesting books is American Werewolf or uh, Wolfman in America or something like that. And she's got a book called I Know What I Saw. I got a clip out of the book. Um, I think it's Wolves in America, Werewolves or something like that. I don't know. Wolfman of America. I think that's the name of it. In any case, I got a nice little clip of, of her uh, talking about her experience with um, her deep throat type connection in the military, talking about remote viewing and war wolves and dogmen. One theory that came my way suggested the tall, hairy ones may have a logical purpose in hanging out near strategic military sites. They are themselves military spies of a very different sort. In 2005, a man contacted me who had been trained in a form of telepathy called remote viewing, and who had worked as a consultant to the U.S. government. Remote viewing is a discipline with very strict protocols aimed at retrieving information through techniques that might be very generally termed psychic. Governments worldwide have been interested in the practice for espionage purposes for decades, and it was developed partially by the U.S. military as a super-covert project of the Cold War era. The man had attended college in Wisconsin and was interested in the Beast of Bray Road. He said that he had conducted remote viewing sessions on unknown upright canines and had perceived some unique things about them. He went on to explain that our Earth has cycled through several distinct geographical epochs since it was formed, and that during each one of these periods— its surface was totally remade. In one of those epochs before humans arrived, huge werewolf-like aliens landed here, and a scattered group of their commando-style scouts remain, waiting patiently for our race to demolish itself so that they may inherit Earth. The man them, said that when he viewed the appearance of these alien canids, his first thought was, as Emma at the naval base had previously remarked, that they resembled Anubis. He added that they were highly intelligent, and that their fur contained symbiotic, bioluminescent bacteria that gave them a faint, shimmering look when they moved. It is true that many witnesses have described the upright canid's fur as silver-tipped or streaked with white, 
He also said the bacteria release a hydrogen sulfide gas product that can account for the unpleasant odor some witnesses notice. And they have a warrior caste that allows them to sport bio-armor under their fur. That explains their tolerance to bullets. They get from place to place via portals resembling cones of darkness, which aids their ability to elude capture. I am very aware that this scenario sounds far-fetched, but the remote viewer has stayed in contact with me. I know who he is, and believe he is a responsible person. He did stop viewing the creatures, he said, because they were able to detect his psychic intrusion, and viewed him right back. He said it was not a pleasant experience. Yeah. So that that's that's a good little clip. That's just that's a some like spot. I've uh, that's like Lord of the Rings, the the pal the Palantir. Absolutely. When they yeah. look into it, so, and Sauron sees the, like Sauron sees them right back through. So it. yeah, Palantir, Palantir, interesting. Um, isn't there a software called Palantir? It's yeah, all about the, I think the intelligence people use that thing. That's it. Yeah, it just basically lets you. Get in any back door and monitor anything and everyone's doing across the internet, I guess. Is my right. Opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And so think about the internet as just another portal and the internet in itself is just another dimension and we can ex access inside and out. Uh, of course, there's, you know, there's the white internet, the clear internet that we're using that most people use. And then there's the dark web and the deep web. And, and I think there's even levels below and beyond that as well. It's just another dimension. And Palantir, Palantir, it's just the same fucking thing. I think it's really interesting, though, with the remote viewing, these creatures having lived here and, and that the idea that the Earth has gone through cataclysmic epoch changes um, over and over and over again is not anything. I mean, it's it's malarkey and conspiracy theory to the straight normies out there. But people that are actually looking into mud floods or Tartaria, you can see that there's plenty of evidence that points to cataclysmic change that the earth has gone through over and over and over again um and that falls right in line with them doggone dogons talking about these <laughs> inter you know intergalactic uh, extraterrestrial beings that look like anubis uh bringing down technology and perhaps warfare and all the way back to the beginning of the show we we're talking about these old explorers like even Christopher Columbus talking about meeting up with dog-headed species, a whole race of dogmen, the Sinocephali, and teaching them and trading them artifacts of war. That these are a, a war, war wolves, you know, and that the military used these things. And then you have the idea of the dog soldier. There's the buffalo soldier, the dog soldiers. It's buffalo just, it's all, soldier. Yeah, it, it all is... It all overlaps, and I'm not saying that there's clear cut. That's obviously what's going on. This fucking, you know, turning the frogs gay. It's not quite like that, but I think there's a lot of smoke there, and generally where there's smoke, I think there's possibility of fire. So to keep on with uh, the military type stuff, I'm going to play a series of clips from a guy that had a really interesting encounter in Joshua Tree, California. You ever been to Joshua Tree? I never been to Joshua Tree. I've never been Joshua to California. Is, oh man. Um, so yeah, there's it's a big old desert area. A lot of people go there to get all high on drugs. A lot of people go there to recover from drugs. That's where a lot of musicians have met their demise. It's just a, it's a very powerful place. I've never been there, 
Um, but from what I've read and what I've seen and heard from people who've spent a lot of time there, it's an extremely powerful place. It's definitely full of portals. Like that remote viewer is saying that these beings, they pass in and out of this dimension through portals, cones of darkness, perhaps, likely, maybe also uh, bodies of water, cones of water, um, whirlpools, anywhere where there's a cycle, anywhere where there's a cyclical conical formation of something moving, whether it's air or water or even land. I mean, when I was camping up in the Gifford Pinchot with the place is called Forlorn Lakes and they're not lakes, they're ponds, but they're actually all sinkholes. They're just these, you know, really gross stagnant water ponds and all the timber around these ponds are all fallen down and pointed towards the center of these little ponds. And I'm sure from an aerial view, you'd be able, probably be able to see a, a, a cyclonic formation. Everything is kind of going in a, a turbulent cyclonic formation into a center point. I think that's a portal. I think that uh, these little ponds up at Forlorn Lakes were sinkholes. And knowing what I know now about the the terrestrial landscape of Forlorn Lakes and Indian Heaven Wilderness up there. It's all full of tunnels and holes and sinkholes. It just seems like that's a place where these kind of beings could just come in and out of. So uh, jumping into Joshua Tree, this guy, uh, <laughs> this guy saw something incredible. This is your normal view of just, hey, there's a sky, there's some headlights. So just, all of a sudden... He's just driving down the road. This guy makes a, a point to drive up and down this road throughout Joshua Tree because it's like hours one way and hours another way. And this is something that he likes to do, does it all the time. He's very familiar with this road and he's just going there. And he's been on this road many, many times. He knows the wildlife. He knows the terrain. And then he encounters something uh, that he's never seen before. This is your normal view of just, hey, there's a sky, there's some headlights. So all of a sudden I'm making this right turn and my headlights hit this. I, I thought they were, well, hit a large, large, a lot of objects, but I thought I didn't know what they were to tell you the truth. And then as my car kept going at the same rate of speed, cause I'm on, I'm on cruise control. I, I cut that distance from, you know, so let's call it 70, 75 feet down to half of that really quick. You know, it's like, three car lengths or so, two car lengths. So once I'm there, I'm about, I start realizing what I'm looking at. And I'm about three car lengths, two car lengths from the the back. All I come from, I came from the back of the, I, I came from the, the backside of these things. And once I, once my eyes focused on what they were, I started seeing like a military group of animals that were three rows, three rows wide and about four individuals deep. So picture a group of military people walking in line and then the, my headlights going through them on the side. And then I come up behind them and they're on the uh, opposite side of the road coming. They're going, I'm going from behind them, but they're on the other side of the road. That would be if someone's coming at me so all i see are the backs of these things and they're in a military ordered fashion they're they're spaced out they're in a line three lines and three or four deep at least 
So yeah, a whole troop of dogmen. Looks like more than a dozen all walking in formation. Just on the side of the road. Half in the road, half off the road. He doesn't now, specify I'm whether or not the they're wearing stop. uniforms or something, does he? Oh, he gets into it. Ooh. Now, I'm sitting there. The car stop, Headlights on them. Perfect. I'm probably, I don't know, 30 feet away or so. Or a little farther, touch farther. And I could see everything. And all I first thing I noticed was their big, wide head. Their huge head. And on their heads, they had no neck. And on their heads were like a mane of hair that was coming back and then down their back of their, if they had a neck, cut down that area and then out to their shoulders. Kind of like a mane. Kind of like, and that was reddish. That those, they each had similar, so they each had similar um, hair color. And then it didn't go all the way down their back. It only went to maybe the tops of their shoulder blades. So the hair below this flow of hair was more short. It was very short. Like I could see their muscles. I could see their definite defining muscles. I could see um, that their back was like a V-shape to their waist. You know, I don't know what these exactly are, as I'll say later, because I didn't even know dog men really existed. You know, everyone's heard of Bigfoot or Sasquatch pretty much. I don't watch those kind of movies. I don't watch scary movies. I don't watch sci-fi movies. I don't watch any of those types of uh, thriller movies. I'm more of a documentarian. I'm more nature. I'm more comedy, whatever. So now I'm looking at these things and they're still walking forward okay slightly so i inched the car up a little bit i noticed that their shoulders are really wide it's got to they got to be three and a half feet wide easy there's your there's your three and a half foot wide shoulder span which is a very common thing but yeah he's just kind of like he rolls up on these this troop and he's just in his car and he slows way 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 down and he's just kind of like rolling alongside <laughs> I wouldn't these guys I would I don't think I'd slow down I would probably turn around I don't know man would you though I mean just imagine that what if you were just like to me I don't know I don't know what I would do I'd probably, I guess if they if they act like they if their and, behavior and doesn't just, change when you get up close to them then I might slow down and look at them I guess right well if they start on. looking at you then I'd be like <laughs> it it skirt, goes skirt. on it gets it gets weird and then they start moving forward a little bit more i pull the car to their into the open lane you know and, and i go probably i get to be within 20 feet of these things or closer cuz the road's only so wide you get i wasn't in the dirt i was still on the road and then they stop but they're still not looking at me and i'm about equal with them or right my my tip of my car or middle of my car, probably the driver's side door is equal with the rear line of them. Because I just didn't get in front of them. And then when I'm looking at the the ones in the back row still, I get a little different view when I'm closer to them on the side a little bit more. And, you know, I started seeing anatomical features. Like, I don't see fat. There's no fat. It's all muscle. Oh, yeah. And I didn't say under the mane, the hair. 
is short. It's like a, I don't know what kind of dog, but it's not long-haired dogs. It's short. And you can see the muscle layout. You can see how the rippling muscles and stuff. And it was that, okay, the mane was slightly red. It was red tinge. But their hair color was more of a, the, the rest of their body hair was more of a desert color. Like brownish, different grayish, different, you know, not modeled or anything, but just desert so how they kind of would blend in with patches of red on their back is what i saw and down their back you know patches it kind of like if i would imagine since the color of the rocks there and everything is certain colors that they would blend in in the day i think that's kind of what i'm thinking but i'm not an expert in that so i kind of pulled up to the side of them a little bit but i'm about 20 15 20 feet away and I'm just looking at like their, their long arms almost go to their knees and I don't see claws or any of that, but I do see long digits. Now I didn't, you know, I drive, you know, I, I drive with my glasses on. I could see details. Um, I just saw digits and long ones on their arms. Let's call them that. Cause they're all, all of these are all these animals. Cause let's say it's three rows and four deep is 12. It could have been three rows and five deep. You get the picture. So all of them are just organized, like a military fashion. In formation, man, marching along completely, um, I don't want to say oblivious, but unbothered, completely unbothered by this vehicle with headlights just creeping along up next to them. Super weird stuff. They look like... They had armor, like their chests were, and they're, you know, what little I could see from the side, their chests had like huge, they look like Olympic athletes, or they look like their bodies were like perfect shape. None of them were limping, none of them, they all were walking, like, and they swivel their hips like a, like, like a human would, like a, certain humans do more than others. It looks like they could have been wearing clothes, but they weren't. I want to be clear about that. I mean, their bodies were perfect. This guy, yeah. <laughs> this guy, uh, he was talking about, well, he's now he's talking about their bodies being perfect. What, what was the wordage he used earlier? Talking about their rippling muscles and like went into great detail about their muscles. Yeah. Kind of. If, if I had a fucking I'm, animal. That, oh, okay, if I had a fucking chick that was dressed up as an animal, he didn't even ask me if I had to fuck him, but obviously I'm going to fuck him. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. We have to be concerned about the mutants. We have, to, we have to be turned on by the mutants. So so the the visual of these creatures' musculature and their physique is so consistent from story to story to story. And most of the people that get a good look at the full body of these, of these entities all have a remarkable experience. They all remark that you can see it's, it's remarkable physical structure. It's more than just like, it looked like a person, but it looked like an Adonis, you know, with zero body fat and just completely ripped and like un unnatural, like something that would seem unnatural to us 
in our lives and the way that we see normal people, you know, you got them, uh, those hubby hips, you know, you got those kind of like, you got a little muffy top kind of thing, you know, like there are very few, I think honestly, very few perfectly formed specimens of, of humankind until you see these creatures that are neither human nor animal, but yet a combination of both. And I think it's so triggering that people just have a, it, it marks them in a way that like you can see because they in the, in the the term rippling musculature, either when they're walking or when they're running or even standing still, you see these muscles twitch. You see veins popping out of skin like Arnold Schwarzenegger and shit. I... It sounds, it sounds crazy, but they got to get to the chopper. <laughs> but these fucking people, man, it's, it's consistent from story to story. It's, it's, it's really, it's really something else. So does he write? Does, and oh, sorry. One, what? No, nothing. What? I was about to ask if he if this has a conclusion because I'm excited to hear what <clears throat> what happens to this guy. All right. And the one I'm looking at, kind of focusing on the back row, there have the V waist. They got like a human butt. It's not you know hair co- hair covered, but a human butt. <laughs> and their yeah. thigh back and their thighs were yeah. huge. Their um, there was a tail like a. I would say it was maybe foot and a half, two foot long, but fluffy, fluffy. This dude's and then a furry. I saw the rear legs, and that's kind of what got me going. Like, how could this be? What is got this? Got him going. You know, more, you know. I'm going. Well, they're not people. And then I see that dog type of canine, you know, where the knee and the canine leg is, and where the ankle is. It's like a big dog wolf thing. Um, but remember, they're still in their formation they haven't broke formation and none of them have looked at me none and they my cars you know i'm in my girl's 2000 bmw and this is 2010 it's not like it's quiet it's not like it's an electric car but no one has broke rank to look at me i start seeing them like they're all different heights a little bit different width of the shoulders and Remember, this happened about 30 seconds. So eventually when I stopped and they finally stopped moving, maybe there was a signal, they stopped moving. The front row started to peel left and go left into the, it was dark that night. So once you peel left, you're on the, half of them are on the tar, half of them are on the dirt that's been scraped flat. And then since they use a scraper, like in snow where people live in snow, um, there's like a berm, like a foot and a half berm or two foot berm that's caused by the scraper coming by. So that first row started peeling to the left. Some of them went on all fours, but not all of them. Some went on two and they all peeled off and jumped like a, like a, gracefully like a ballet dance or ballet jump they just jumped over that berm into the darkness they all row by row they started peeling to the left some of the row would go on all fours some would stand up and but they all went in the same direction into the darkness then the second row came and did that and, and then i can move up i moved my car up more and you know, like a car length or so then when I saw when they went on all fours, their front, I'll call them arms or legs, whatever you want to call them, their front arms were longer than their back legs. So when they were on all fours, there's a giant like half circle underneath their belly, the height of their shoulder. 
maybe four feet, easy, four feet. They were tall. I mean, they were when they were on all four, they were like all muscle on all four with the front legs a little longer than the rear. And they're graceful as can be. And everything that's happened to this point has been quiet, not a noise from them. First, it's quiet out there in Joshua Tree. Two, you'd hear something. I hear nothing. I don't even hear their feet move on the ground when they're moving out into the darkness, row by row. So then eventually, like, the second row goes, no one's looked at me yet. Third row does the same thing. Some of them go on all fours. It's like on cues. Like, there's signals that I'm unaware of. And they all drop, and, and not all drop, but that third row will drop. And then um, head to the left. And I don't hear anything. And it's dangerous out there. Now, you can, it's hard to see, but I guess maybe they have better, better eyesight and things like that. And then comes the final row, um, with the guy, the one, I, I don't know if they're all males because I, I was looking from the back mostly. I didn't come from the front. So the last row, some of them go on all fours. Some of them stay up, but they head left. The last guy on the right side, closest to me, the the tallest too, by the way, I think. I didn't get a good look at the front rows too much, but this guy was huge. Easy seven and a half feet or more. Easy. With the grace of a, like a dancer. When he's about to head left, he turns his head and upper body towards me and looks at me eyeball to eyeball. Eyeball to eyeball. And his eyes were more of a yellow golden. You know, yellow color. That's, I don't, I don't, that's just what I saw. Yeah. Amber Eye turns and looks at him, acknowledges, and then he peels off to the left as well. It, it, yeah. So there's no account of any of a dogman t- speaking to anybody, right? Not with not with words. No. Right, okay. It's all through uh, telepathic messaging. It's all through some sort of indication, whether it's through that subsonic growl, which makes people sick, literally, like it makes them want to vomit and collapses their senses, which we'll get to in the next section. It's just about the just the sheer fear uh, that people have and how they just have these mental breakdowns when they see these creatures that really fundamentally make them question the fabric of their whole reality because they're seeing something that is by all intents and purposes unreal it's not supposed to exist it's it's abominable and then once mm-hmm. they acknowledge that they're in the presence of an of, of an abominable creature um they lose it they they black it, out it sounds like the, the if they if they were actually in in ranks marching down the down a highway uh, and they didn't recognize him until they were like filtering off, moving off, off the road, which mm-hmm. they did as a, obviously, obviously as a result of him interacting with them. Otherwise, I'm assuming they would have kept going the way they were going. I don't know. I don't know. I tend to believe in this guy's story that they couldn't give a shit if he was there or not. I think that was just their departure point. It seemed like they their departure be point just happened to be right when he caught up to him and stopped him and stopped next. Well, to they him. were still march. Yeah, they were still marching while he was kind of creeping along with them. And then after a little bit, they stopped. And maybe, yeah, maybe that maybe they did take that as a sign that like, hey, we're gonna have this motherfucking human follow us 
<laughs> or let's just let's just peel off and go to our next destination or let's you know disperse well it, they probably if the military is using these things and they're all that well behaved those are probably like the ones that have like brain chips or something or like actually under command and who knows could be controlled remotely it doesn't sound like the ones you would come across in the woods typically at all that yeah that sounded yeah, like definitely yeah. a government operation. <laughs> yeah, and that lends to like the different types of variants, I think. You know, I think that some of these that are in the woods, what's interesting the mutant too, like, variants. Um, the mutants, yeah. You gotta be concerned about those guys. Especially the variant <laughs> um, ones. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get because those mutant variants are very, very dangerous. They're different than the mutants, and the mutants are different than the variants. But there's a few encounters too I've heard where um like Linda Godfrey said in that clip from the book that the tele, uh, the remote viewer says that they have this type of shimmering aspect where they can kind of shimmer in and out. There's been a few accounts I've heard where people have witnessed that, like that metamorphosis where they see this creature moving in such a strange, discombobulated way that it actually, uh, one person said it really looked like this dog creature thing was dancing. And it was like dancing behind this bush and then it just disappeared. You know, like this sort of like shimmering kind of aspect. And uh, I, I just think that's, I think it's super interesting. I think that they, 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 maybe they can do that, but I think that there are different varieties that can do different things. I think it's also possible that some of these varieties, these mutant variants and the variant mutants could possibly interbreed with each other. Or it's also possible, I'm totally open to the idea, that they're all completely uh, manufactured, that they are bred. Uh, maybe maybe that's the end result of the super soldier program. Maybe these are Apex super soldiers. Maybe some of them are not quite Apex super soldiers. I think there's possibly soldier divisions, reconnaissance divisions, and perhaps even like spy divisions. Maybe not all of them employed by our military or any other military, but I think um, that they're being utilized as much as they can be contained, you know, as much as I think that ultimately they are wild and they are operating under their own laws and their own jurisdictions and perhaps cooperating at some level with us when it suits their interests, whether it's because uh, there's through there's massive swaths of land, hundreds of thousands of acres of timber and wilderness that's owned technically by, you know, army corps of engineers or the, the, the army itself or the Navy and it's private property. You know, you can't hunt there. You can't build there. It's all there for quote unquote research or different types of R and D. It's very well possible that maybe there's a trade-off or some sort of an agreement between these entities and us here on the terrestrial plane that will provide you a place that you can perhaps breed if you provide us with some sort of uh, engagement, some sort of surveillance capabilities, I, I I don't know. I'm open to all of these things. I just think it's it's just all to me incredibly fascinating stuff. Yeah, this right. is the, that's the last couple encounters. All three of those are about as weird as it fucking gets. Oh, I, I got I got a I got a few more. <laughs> I got a oh, few more. Yeah. I know we're 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 coming up. We're coming up on some heavy shit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna just the very last clip of this guy in Joshua Tree. And then when that last one turned to his right and looked at me, I guess got I didn't I wasn't scared because I guess I thought I was in a car. So worst case worst, I put punch the gas and just go. You know, it wouldn't be fast, but it 
be hard to stop me. I wasn't scared. I didn't hear any noise from these things. But when that one looked at me, I think he did that intelligently. And he looked at me right. Like he had to turn his, even both shoulders moved towards me and just looked at me and gave me that, you know, one second look. Turned his head back to the left, more to the left, and followed his colleagues and cohort into the desert night. Quiet as can be. No noise from any of them. We have to be concerned about the mutants. Hell no. Hell to the motherfucking nigga no. Hell no. <laughs> uh... So, yeah, so that was his thing at uh, the end of his story, which I didn't put in here, but yeah, he just, he describes and he gets to, um, he gets out of Joshua tree, he gets to like a little place where he can just sit and it's, there's a bunch of street lights around him and he just fucking sits in his car and freaks the fuck out. And then he falls asleep because he said, as soon as he got to a place where he was able to just kind of collect his thoughts, he, uh, he said he became extremely tired and just collapsed with his hands. He just fell asleep with his hands on the wheel. Parked, of course, because he's a good citizen. Um, but yeah, so there's that. You know, these things are out there. They're they're running around. And then uh, right at the tail end of when we were doing our last talk about Fort Hood and all this stuff, um, right at the end of that of that research for that epic show, I found uh, this crazy clip which you put in the intro. It turned out to the investigation into the gruesome death of an army paratrooper from Fort Bragg. He disappeared during a Memorial Day camping trip with fellow soldiers on the Outer Banks. His dismembered North body Carolina. washing up days later, and the key detail his family wants investigators to know tonight. And news this evening that the Army is now offering a $25,000 reward. Here's Ariel Reshef. Tonight, weeks after his brutal killing, the grief-stricken family of slain Army paratrooper Enrique Roman Martinez demanding answers. It was so cruel what they did to him. Like, why did they have to do that to him? The 21-year-old mysteriously vanishing from a Memorial Day weekend camping trip with fellow Fort Bragg soldiers near South Core Banks, North Carolina. And when was the last time you saw him? So we all went to bed at 12.03, and that is the last time he saw him. The Army saying Roman Martinez was last seen May 22nd, wearing just blue shorts. His friends reporting him missing about 19 hours later. His phone and wallet left at the campsite. A week later, his dismembered remains discovered washed up. His death ruled a homicide. His sister says something just doesn't add up. My brother can't see without his glasses. So for him to walk out in the middle of the night without his glasses, it's not likely. The commanding general for the 82nd Airborne Division saying his unit is in mourning, writing, we will not stop in our pursuit to bring those responsible to justice. And David, Army investigators are offering a $25,000 reward for any information that leads to an apprehension and conviction in this case. David. All right, Ariel Reshef tonight. Ariel, thank you. Yeah. So what they leave out of that report was that that soldier uh, was decapitated. They never found at least one arm and one leg. And he had huge bite and tear marks, massive contusions, excessive bruising his eyes were gouged out or just missing and he had huge chunks of hair missing from his scalp on his severed head that was far away from his body so it was a brutal brutal attack by 
something or someone, uh, but just the types of injuries seem like it's a lot more than just someone getting beaten with a baseball bat or even chopped up with a machete. And he was also, I mean, he was with a whole gang of his dudes. Definitely wasn't alone, but he was caught alone at some point. And, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> that's a scary one. Man. Uh, yeah, I've, you need to you need to you need to give me something that makes me feel better. Okay, here's this. <laughs> Hello? It's two two thousand six, Troy, Michigan. Outstar Emergency, this is Kyle speaking. How can I help you? Hello? Something just ran in front of us on the road. We're in the ditch. We we rolled over. How many people are in the car and is anyone injured? There's two of us. I, I, th- I don't think we have any injuries. Is the car on its top or wheels or what? No, it's kind of sitting on its side. Hold one moment, please, while I contact emergency services. Okay. Okay, the state police should be on their way in a few minutes. Is everyone still okay? Yeah, I think we're okay. What ran in front of you? A deer? I I don't know what the hell it was, but it was big. It looked like a great big dog. Standing up. Was it a bear, maybe? Maybe, I... Oh, my God! God. Sir? Hello? This didn't make me Are feel better there? at all. Sir? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that one. That one makes me feel pretty good. So that clip was confirmed to be real. Well, it's been a, there's been attempts to debunk it, and no one has come up with any credible um, evidence that it was faked. Okay. Like people have been able to, I don't know, I don't know how, but there's been, um, for all the weird clips out there, people trying to shit all over anything on the internet, there's nothing credible saying, oh yeah, that's a, that's fake. That, fake. Cause that seemed, that seemed like so, that seemed so, um, like when, when they're like, when he asks if they're okay and then they're like, it looked like a big dog. And then all of a sudden they scream and the phone call goes dead. I was like, uh, <laughs> that's where I was like, really? I know it's I it's know. too good. It's like too good to be true. It's like a it's like something out of a movie, but it's pretty crazy though. Yeah, it's a pretty good one though. That one's out there. That's been on. That one's on a few different websites of people being like, "Can you believe this?" It reminds me crazy. of. Uh, it reminds me of this nine one one call. This is the ambulance emergency line. Do you have an emergency? I, I need a ambulance. Who is this? <laughs> a ambulance. Okay. Oh, where do you need us? I'm in a motherfucking phone booth. Okay, what's the address there? Hold on. Okay, Joe, I need a location. What street are you on? Uh, I'm in a motherfucking phone booth at the stop and go. Yeah, I'm at the... That's it. I'm at the motherfucking stop and go. On, uh, on, uh, wait a minute. Huff's... What's the motherfucking street? Huffsmith, Carville, and, and something. At the motherfucking stop and go. Yo! Uh-huh. How about... Let me see. 
I'm in the motherfucking phone booth. I'm, let me tell you what. I'm, in, I'm going down the motherfucking road, driving my car, minding my own goddamn business, and a motherfucking deer jumped out and hit my car. Okay, sir, are you injured? Now, now let me tell you. <laughs> I get out and pick the motherfucking deer up. I thought he's dead. I put the motherfucking deer in my back seat, and I'm driving down the motherfucking road and minding my own business. The motherfucking woke up and bit me in the back of my goddamn neck, and he bit me and it done kicked the shit out of my car. I'm in the motherfucking phone booth. The deer bit me in the neck. A big motherfucking dog came up and bit me in the leg. I hit him with the motherfucking tire iron, and I stabbed him. I stabbed him with my knife, so I got a hurt leg, and the motherfucking deer bit me in the neck. And the deer, and the dog won't let me out of the motherfucking phone booth, because he wants the deer. Now, who gets the deer, me or the dog? Okay, sir, are you injured? Yeah, my motherfucking deer bit me in the neck. Hold on. The motherfucking dog is biting me. Hold on. God damn it, get out of here. Hold on, the motherfucking dog is biting my ass. Uh, see, I don't know Hell if that one no. Hell to the motherfucking nigga, no. Hell no. Yeah, I swear to God, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but bitch, I am so freaked the fuck out right now. They coming to Earth. <laughs> yeah. So that's some that's some heavy shit. That's a great call. All right, so let's keep it rolling, man. Let's just go all the way. Yeah. So the, the the fear, the fear, like the total make you want to vomit, fucking check your world fear is what we're going to go into next. So this woman, uh, I think she's in this place called Atwater. Uh, I think it's Ohio, Atwater, Ohio. She has this really interesting little little bit. These three clips are all from the same story walked across the car oh yeah okay so a little little backup she's just driving along with her daughter uh they just cruise around the country people do that all i do that i do that i'm not crazy i drive around the country i don't necessarily drive around the country at night because i'd rather be at home uh doing stuff doing fucking podcasts with my homie chris but anyway she's driving around uh you know and they she drives these roads and she sees this thing start to fucking cross the street and it's just about to cross the street all the way Walked across the car, there my van in front of us, and it took a long time because it wasn't running, it was loping, like it was very, like it had been, like it, like if you see an animal that's been hurt or hit by a car the way it walks, only this hadn't been, It's it wasn't hurt, it was just the way it walked, I mean its back legs were just so odd, and it just didn't move them very well. And it walked across the road and into the wood, that wood patch of woods, and then disappeared. And I think I let my breath out. And the moment it disappeared, this feeling came over me that I was going to be sick. I have never felt this in my life. And the feeling of sick dread that came over me was unbelievable. I've never felt that. My granddaughter was crying at this point. And she's seen everything. She grew up in the country. This kid has seen everything. She was absolutely devastated. She was crying. She was sobbing. And I was trying not to get sick. And I was in such fear. It was, it was 
palpable. It was this fear that I had was just unbelievable. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, what was that? Why do I feel like I'm going to throw up? I just couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on on the whole situation. It didn't make any sense. It was almost like a cartoon. Like this thing was almost like a cartoon, only real. It it didn't look real. It looked it looked like something you'd see in a scary cartoon. And when it was gone, I I I don't know. I just I literally felt sick. And we didn't go back down the road. We backed up back to the main road. That was pretty scary. We, When we lived at the place when the kids were little, and there was a tree farm to the left back in that place, one night our cat got out. So that was okay. I mean, they went outside. But I heard it back, or I heard something back in the woods, just caterwauling, like this awful sound, like a cat was being skinned or something. So I got a flashlight. It was probably one in the morning. I got a flashlight and I went back through the woods and I'm going back through the woods. I had no fear. Nothing was bothering me. I'm just looking for the cat thinking, well, maybe something's getting the cat. Maybe, you know, I need to find this cat. So I'm walking back through the woods and all of a sudden it was like I hit a wall. I became so scared. I couldn't take another step. I don't know why I didn't see anything but I did not continue through the woods. I just, it, it washed over me like a, like a wave of fear. So I went back to the house and the cat came back. Everything was okay. The cat came back the very next day. So something else that's interesting about a, a lot of these people that are on the, uh, this, this YouTube channel guys show is so someone will, will write him um, about their experience. And sometimes, I mean, I, I I wrote him a big long email about my psychic experience, but since it wasn't an eyewitness account, I don't think he's interested in hearing my story, and I don't really give a shit. That's okay. But people will have had an account, and then um, they'll have had many many experiences. Like a lot of the people that are writing in and and getting onto this show and talking about their stories, they'll have like you know an hour and a half long interview on the show. And they'll they'll spill the beans about you know two three sometimes five or six different encounters that they've had throughout their life, or people in their family have had throughout their because a lot of these people live on their family property, um, and they'll have like multiple experiences with these dogmen, right? And so they'll just they'll just kind of stack them up, you know. And this woman is just the same as that. She's had like experiences in her property and wherever she seems to move. She seems to have experiences with these dogmen. So I think that there's something maybe with some people that um, they're allowed to experience these things. And I also think that these dogmen, for the most part, for the most part, but not every time, that you know, you're only going to see them if they allow you to see them. Like those fishermen on that boat, I said way back in the beginning of the show. You know, they, I don't think that that dog man was expecting that they were going to be seeing them and witnessing them, but he also didn't give a shit if they were or not. He just walked up and stood up and then he walked away. Right. But I think when it comes to the, you know, the sonic weapon, uh, the fear weapon, the emotional discharge that they put off, I think that that's something that they do 
um, as a defense. I think it's a total defense thing to be like, stay away from me. And this particular story, she's talking about when she saw that creature loping across the road and her description of it in more detail, you know, she goes on to say that uh, it looked like it was exhausted, like it had been worked, like it had been running and running and running, mm-hmm. or it had gotten in a fight. It looked like it was injured. She said that as it was walking, it looks like it didn't. And then the other thing is interesting too, very consistent throughout many of these encounters. When they see that these creatures walking on all fours, that it just doesn't look right. It looks like the animal Mm -hmm. isn't used to or almost incapable of balancing and walking on all fours, you know? And and so So the all fours thing is just to maybe look more like a normal animal, like a disguise attempt possibly yeah possibly or it's maybe it's a relief thing like maybe they it's exhausting being on two feet or yeah like uh, to be more easily seen if they're nine feet tall tromping through the forest uh, maybe because they're you know upwards of a thousand pounds that that weight is more easily distributed on all fours but yet they don't have the build for it but then you hear those stories of when they when they you know stand up that all and it's not all the time but a lot of the stories that it seems like their bones and joints are rearranging to rearticulate themselves in order to, you know, um, have that kind of stature. So I don't know. They're just they're just very strange, very interesting things. But something about just the way that they their gait when they're on all fours seems unnatural and uncomfortable. Way more uncomfortable than when they're seen running or walking on two feet. I just think that's something really really weird. Okay, she has one more uh, when she went on vacation with her husband. Um, outside of the property, they went somewhere else, and they had she had a strange experience there. So I'm walking through the woods and through the rocks and everything, and I'm heading for this sheer cliff and not thinking anything scary, not even – there was nothing scared in my whole body. So I get about halfway there. And not seeing anything or anything, all of a sudden, this fear came over me like like something solid. And I panicked. My whole body went into panic mode. And I wouldn't look. I wouldn't look around me. I was terrified. I knew there was something there. I was so scared. I, I wouldn't even look. I pulled the glasses off, the goggles off. I looked down at the ground, and I just waited until I could move. And when I was able to move again, I turned and I ran back to the cabin that we were staying in. Yeah. So yeah, travel away from home and just walking along and then just got hit with a powerful fear beam. Of course, maybe it wasn't anything, you know, maybe, uh, maybe she's just a scaredy cat. Who knows? Maybe she freaked herself out, but turning and running was, though. You, yeah. That's that's seems like a good move if it's not looking at you. Yeah, but like this is the thing is like she didn't see anything. Oh you know, right, she didn't see. Yeah, she didn't see a creature. She didn't see a dog. So that's kind of goes back to your psychic. Uh, yeah, she she didn't hear into, or see uh, it. She just knew something was. Yeah, she walked into a wall, and it was like as soon as she passed through a, she passed through something at some point and as she took a step further she just got hit with this wall of fear like out of nowhere this trepidation anxiety mm. the you know nausea 
And then she just was like, it was apparently overwhelming enough for her that she turned tail and ran back to the cabin, you know, on vacation, not even at home, but it was just there. So that's a big one. And then, um, and, and that, that's, I think that's a really, I think that is because I think these creatures are so effective at scaring the living shit out of people and traumatizing. I don't think that they really need to dismember and decapitate people at as much as they probably do, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they do. I'm sure that there are deaths and, and disappearances. Uh, but then of course the big question and the skeptical question is, well, where are the bones? Where are the dog man bones? You fucking asshole. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there are any bones. I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe they are not necessarily flesh and blood, flesh and blood. You know, maybe they can, maybe, maybe got, they don't die. Got 420 on the, on the brain. Flesh yeah, and bud. F- fresh buds, bud. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe they don't die here. Maybe they don't die ever. You know, I mean, in the Anubis and in the folkloric traditions of these things that they are, they're totally permanent. They're, they're in a whole nother level of existence where there is no such thing as time. You know, they're, these are ancient, ancient, ancient gods. I'm not saying the dogmen are ancient gods, but I think that they are from a lineage of ancient ones. Um, the ancient ones that are primordial, pre, pre, prehistory, pre everything, and they have been through the cataclysmic epochal changes of Earth many, many times over. That they've always been here, and I think they will always remain. So, uh, to bring it closer to your neck of the woods, Mister Sir, uh, we're going to go to Tennessee. This is a really great story. It's a it's a six part clip. They're all fairly short. His whole story is about ten I'm minutes. I'm from Tennessee, and I've been doing this for a long time. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna like this one, man. So this guy this guy was so wrecked. He, this guy held on to this secret this secret because you, you can't people can't tell their friends, especially old fuckers. Like this guy's probably seventy years old. You know, he has been holding on to this story for almost forty years. It ruined his life many many times over. He ended up like through living with this trauma. He ended up becoming. Uh, he didn't necessarily say it in exact words. I'm only speculating. But I imagine probably an abusive, drunk asshole a few times in his life where he was potentially ruining and and killing relationships that were important to him. Um, throughout his whole story, he discusses that after this occurred to him, his life changed forever. And it was an extremely dark way for a long time that he could not wrap his head around it. He could not seem to remedy or reconcile what he experienced that night. And because of that chasm of doubt and fear and anxiety, um, he ended up living with a really, really black hole in his spirit for almost 40 years. And then uh, he, you know, he told some people and uh, someone pointed him in the direction of this Dogman Encounters radio and he sent his story. He wrote his story out in an email to the guy. The guy gave him a chance to hear about it and they had an extensive pre-interview. And in the pre-interview, the host, uh, Vic, encouraged him to you know relax and to just tell his story and that it's – you know, he's listened to enough episodes that he knows he's not the only one who's had this thing and he can let go of some of this trauma. But you can hear as he tells his story in these little clips, man, it's still with him. And it'll it'll it will mm-hmm. be with him it'll be with him forever. So this is a this guy named JT from Tennessee. This is about thirty five years ago. He's just driving along in his car. He's got this really sweet car. 
Uh, he saved up a lot of money for it. He just got, uh, I think he's dating at this time, his now wife, and he's all excited. He's a young kid driving around in this car about 35 years ago, just cruising along, opening up the engine on these straightaways and curves, and he's going around this huge bend, and then he uh, sees something pretty pretty wild. This thing is running along beside of me. And, you know, at first, it, 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 it just, uh, it, it's like it's not even seeing me. It's like it's not even paying attention to me in my car. Like it, it don't even notice us. Or like it, it just don't even care uh, uh, about me being there in that car as it's, as it's running along. Just running alongside his car. There's another story of a guy who's Did he out estimate running. how fast it was, he, he was going? He was going about 40 miles an hour. True. Yeah, he was starting to, because he, he had it opened up at like 60 or 70, and he was going around this bend, and it was a significant enough bend that he had to drop his speed down and downshift. So he had dropped down to about 30, 30 to 40 miles per hour. And uh, he looks over, and he sees, well, he, he's been watching this thing kind of running across the field, um, looking like it's going to jump the road in front of him. And so he slows down a little bit. And then he sees this thing jump over the, the fence separating or like the little guardrail thing separating the road from the, from the ridge, from the, you know, I guess it's like a ravine that goes into a field. And then he just sees this dog man just running next to his fucking moving car, which is another consistent thing. Story after story after story, people driving along. And then all of a sudden they're being like, they're being paced by a fucking dog man. You know, there's a story about the guy who runs track. And this hot summer night, he gets up in the middle of the night and he can't sleep. So he decides to just go for a run, burn off some energy. And he was running along this path uh, by his house, not out in the woods. He lives in the suburbs. And a fucking dog man starts pacing him as he's running. It's just fucking crazy. So going back to JT in, in Tennessee. He lives in Tennessee. Oh, God. This thing, it looked like a gigantic wolf or, 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 or maybe, uh, maybe something like a, 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 a German shepherd or something like that, but. Yeah, that's a shorty. So he's starting to freak out. You know, he's seeing this thing pacing him. Uh, he doesn't know what the fuck it is. It looks like a giant German shepherd, huge dog. Looks like one of those, maybe type one, maybe. Maybe a type three. I don't think it's a type three soldier type, but I think it's one of those type ones that just looks like a giant canine on two feet pacing his pacing his car and he's starting to fucking lose his mind. And he's been <laughs> no so kid. freaked out. He's so freaked out by this still to this day, just recounting the story. He's reliving it in so many weird ways. As you can hear the, the, the tremor in his voice. Oh God. This thing, it looked like a gigantic wolf or, 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 or maybe, uh, maybe something like a, 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 a German shepherd or something like that. But, and this thing, like I said, it had, had a long snout on it, like a, like a German shepherd or like a wolf. And I could see as, as it was running along beside me, I could see its, its mouth was kind of relaxed and open. And I could see that it had like, you know, jagged, shaped teeth like a, like a dog's got on the side of its mouth but it had fangs that were about maybe four inches long that were hanging down over its bottom lip and the bottom ones were disappearing up into the top lip but its mouth was kind of parted and, and it, it kind of had its tongue hanging out 
on the left side of its mouth, just like a dog does as it runs along, as, it, as it's painting. And uh, like I said, this thing wasn't paying a bit more attention to me than if I wasn't even there. And for a little while, it just ran along beside me and just didn't pay me any attention. But that didn't last. Just slowly, seemed like just seemed like it took forever, but just slowly, it started to turn its head, and it and it looked at me. And you know, I I I I know that you said that you shouldn't, and I've heard other people say that you shouldn't, but I couldn't help it. I looked full in its eyes. I wish that I hadn't. I wish I'd never seen it. I wish I could erase the picture of what I saw from my mind, but I can't. Yeah. Very yeah, Fuck. poor bastard man. And again, another similarity. You know, there's this there's this creature doing its thing, appearing like it doesn't even notice he's there. You know, so what is it doing? What is it doing? That it is it just putting on an air that it doesn't care that it's ambivalent to this dude driving his car right next to him? Does he not know that there's a car next to him? Is he just pretending he doesn't care? Or does is he really just not there until he decides to say, oh, look at this fucking person. I'm going to scare this guy to death. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Um. What What is the dog man doing? And just like the guy in Joshua Tree running up on that formation couldn't even be bothered that he was there until they decided to, okay, well, let's just peel off here and Fuck this guy. And then the very last one in Joshua Tree, very last dog soldier in that formation, turns and looks at him and just gives him that, you know, that little acknowledgement and then he peels off. But it it doesn't it, it doesn't. seems it seems like some of these um some of these encounters um like yeah, it's like the dog man's almost fucking with him and doesn't necessarily want to hurt him. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, honestly, I don't think a lot of them do want to hurt people. But yeah, it seems like they're just kind of fucking with them. Like, but that's what I mean. Like, they it's like they make a decision at a certain point in the encounter to acknowledge the human being, whereas mm -hmm. they're just doing their thing. You know, they're just otherwise just doing their thing. And then they're like, oh, well, now you see me. Now I'm going to make sure you never, ever, ever forget me. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. And, you know, I've heard people say that they had amber or yellow eyes or, or red or orange-like eyes, but that's not what I saw that night. This thing had great big black eyes, and I couldn't see any kind of pupil. I couldn't see any kind of white or anything like that. But uh, all I could see was black, and, and then they just looked as black to me as a bottomless pit. They, they just seemed soulless to me. And, and, and I, I tell you, I just, I just had a sense of, uh, of evil that came over me. And, and this thing, when it looked at me, it was like, it was like that it could look through me and look to my very soul. And, and, and like I said, I just felt like I had been touched by evil. I don't know how else to explain it. And there was such a fear. And, and I, I, I wanted to, 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 to scream or to holler, holler out or do something. But it just seemed like my mouth just dried up like cotton and there wasn't a sound that would come out. And I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get away from this thing, but I couldn't because I was afraid I was going to wreck. 
And then it, it, it came closer to my vehicle, and it leaned down. It leaned in. And, and, and mind you, this thing is running beside my car the whole time. And it, it leaned over, Vic, and it stuck its head in my window. And, and it grabbed hold of my door with its right hand. And, and, and that, I don't know how to describe it as other than that. It, it, it was a hand. And, and, and I know that people had described this thing as, I talked to say that they, they, they kind of look like raccoon hands and, and maybe in a way that's right or, or maybe a, a, a mix between the, the hand of a raccoon and, and maybe the hand of a monkey, something like that. But this thing had huge hands. And it had had long, long black nails, maybe about three inches long, two or three inches long, on the ends of its of its nails, long black thick nails. And this thing put its right hand on my door, and I and I could hear it, but it was jerking at my door, and it was jiggling my door handle. But thank goodness, when I had been at my wife's house, at my, then my girlfriend, and I'd been at her parents' house, I'd locked the car. And when I came back out, I didn't unlock that door because nobody was going to be riding with me at that point uh, before I went to get my went back to get my mother, and uh, uh, so it wasn't able to get my door open. But this thing was leaning in my window and it was looking right at me, and it—I it, mean, it—it it seemed like that it it, it curled its it, it it curled its lips back and. And, and I, I know it smiled at me, but I don't really remember hearing it. All I could hear was the sound of my engine and the sound of its toenails as it ran along beside my vehicle going clack, 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 clack on, on the pavement. And this, I mean, I could, it, it breathed on me and it was hot breath and it, and it, it was, it was, uh, you know how people describe that breath as being kind of faded and seemed like I could smell blood and, and 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 maybe decaying flesh as it breathed on me. It was horrible. And oh, I thought I was dead. I thought this was the end of me. I thought I was a goner. I thought I was a dead man for sure. At just about that time, the curve ended, and and, and I came into a straightaway. And I just hit the gas and and pushed it to the floor. And I took out a I took my eyes off of it, and I looked ahead. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw its its nails just. I saw it lose uh, grip on my car door, and I saw its nails uh, uh, rake across the top of my door, and its head disappeared from my window. And, and I don't know. I had to be going seventy or eighty miles an hour. I don't know for a time there. I mean, I I, I just I just had to peel out of there and get away from this thing. And as I drove away from it, as I pulled away from it, I looked in my rear view mirror and I could see it getting smaller and smaller as it began to slow down. And the last thing I remember, the last thing that I saw, this thing veered off to the right again and jumped over the fence and disappeared into that field. And I'm telling you, I, I, I was so, I've never been so scared in all of my life. I mean, it was just absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Look, I believe I believe that guy. Yeah, that dude wasn't lying. That ain't lying, man. He he he's not an actor. He's not doing a cold read. Like why? And why I'm would, just imagining he, something running thirty to fifty miles an hour on two legs is insane. Yeah, yeah, and just holding on to your doorknob and like how? What, I just am imagining car. what that would look like. That's the. I mean, that's another thing, dude. These creatures, people have recounted seeing them just like 
dart from one place to another. And like once they're seen, they just disappear. Not like dematerialize, but they move in such a way that you can't even see them. You know, I think if this creature could actually do that, could could hurtle through time and space so quickly, it seems like... um it seems like it was just fucking with this guy. Was he trying to jump in the car for a ride? It clearly didn't need to get anywhere any faster than it already could do. But it's just holding onto this guy's handle, just drive, just traumatizing him, looking at him, staring at him, breathing on him. You know, for, for what? For what? What's the motivation? I don't know. But it ruined this guy. Totally ruined him. And you can hear as he's reliving this event in his voice like it's still there and he'll never ever ever get over it fully it's it's kind of interesting too about the g-men and the the men in black they you know they didn't really do much interrogation or you know <laughs> erasing memories or or like bribing or killing anybody that the dogmen guys that you know it's just like they 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 let them live to tell the story. They yeah. just seemed like they, they didn't feel like they needed to give any explanations or any answers for what was going on, but they didn't seem necessarily nefarious, those specific ones dealing with the dogmen. Right. Well, the, the other interesting thing, I mean, it kind of reminds me, not that it's any way comparable, but it reminds me of that same kind of um, response when someone claims to have been a victim of satanic ritual abuse. You know, and some of the scenarios that are described by some of these victims are almost laughably so preposterous to hear. But what deep diving researchers, and I don't want to say like myself, but maybe like myself, sometimes I've done a lot of research into that shit. And what I've discovered is that a lot of these scenarios are laughably absurd because they're, they're a lot of them, not all of them, they're all put-ups you know they're all uh staged scenarios because they're trying to break the consciousness and the brains of very very small children and so they stage scenarios that are so so um uh what's the word so cliched mm -hmm. you know so cliched and so ridiculous and things that have been so uh um propagandized through media and through trauma entertainment that, oh yeah, I saw you people in a, in black robes are surrounding you in a room painted red and they were sacrificing a baby and they had a goat and a big pentagram. And uh, while that very well may be the case in truth for a lot of survivors of SRA, I think from what I've heard from people who were, um, who are boots on the ground in those types of scenarios? They're 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 constructed scenarios in order to traumatize someone because the story of this, in retrospect, is going to be so preposterous that no one's going to believe them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why that's why I I think that people that go on on YouTube, extremely extremely obscure and ultimately irrelevant YouTube channelers, you know, who have these maybe two thousand or two hundred or twenty followers who are trying to collect stories of satanic ritual abuse and people are like, ah, oh, it's complete bullshit. It's like, why would, why would someone, 
go onto a channel that is so obscure, that is so ultimately irrelevant and make up some preposterous story. Like just the same thing as I'm saying, like, why would these people be, why would they fake this? Why would they manufacture these stories for what attention from an extremely niche audience of crackpots for what? You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And so I think in the case of the G-Men and the, and the MIB, when they let these encounters go on, you know, and they know that these people that are surviving these encounters, that their stories are going to be seemingly such tall tales that they, they know they can't tell anybody. And that's yeah, what makes this right. guy, this, this particular guy's channel, yeah. why, would they, radio. They, why would they work? They just got to get rid of any evidence, the SD cards, whatever. You're right. Absolutely, Cause they're going to, yeah. obviously nobody's going to believe them. No one's going to believe them because werewolves are, it's fantasy and no one's going to believe satanic ritual abuse because it never happens. That's, it's all made up. And plus sides, we have the, um, you know, uh, regressive memory syndrome people who are all <laughs> MK Ultra fucking CIA, mm-hmm. but they're all the experts. The experts say that, you know, suppressed memories don't exist. So SRA can't exist. So ultimately dogman encounter stories are just fabricated bullshit. No one's going to believe you talk all you want. You're a crackpot. Meanwhile, they collect all the SD cards. They collect the artifacts, the toenails, any kind of substantial video or photographs are all collected and gone. You know, there's, there's, cause there, there's, there's, there's no fame to be gained. There's no, um, you know, there's just people like us who, who are equally completely irrelevant because <laughs> we're just <laughs> a big pile of useless eaters. <laughs> just your experts comment reminded me of that Babylon B article from the other day. It's like experts are super smart and 100% reliable experts confirm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that one, man. Babylon B has been hitting it lately. Yeah, they're good. Um, all right. I'm going to finish up with JT here. And I tell you, I've, I've heard you say that you shouldn't ever look these things in the eye, but I did that night. I, I looked this thing full into the eye, and it felt like it was looking into my very soul. I felt like it knew everything about me. And when it looked at me that night, yeah, when it stuck its head in my open window and looked at me and curled its lips back, I mean, like I said, it was like it was giving me a, a, a seditious grin, and it licked its chops. You know, you've seen you've seen a wolf or a dog do that. It licked its chops at me, Vic, like it was telling me, "I know that you're lunch. There's not a thing that you can do to stop me if I want to hurt you, and you look awful delicious to me." That, I mean, that's that's how I felt. That's what it looked like to me that it was conveying to me that night. And I tell you, I was scared to death. I was horrified. I never ever ever experienced anything in my life that scared me so bad as that did that night. Yeah. Scary. Scary shit. That mental communication. He got the picture. That creature looked in his window and pushed an idea and a thought and a vision into his brain where he didn't have to be told. He didn't have to be hurt. The message was loud and clear. I could hurt you but I'm not going to. And you'll At never, least not ever, right now. Yeah. And you'll never forget this. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your life. You know, yeah. you're yeah. mine, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it what's just that, that one, on. um, from a, one of the clips too, that, that guy, there's this guy saying like, he was made a face. He grinned at me. Like he was remembering me. Like I will remember you next time we see each other or whatever. 
Yeah, another super Fuck. old guy. Another old guy, great story. That guy's story is crazy. I don't recall the details of it right now. Um, but yeah, that dude had an encounter and you know, it, this thing, these creatures, they have that look. And this is another thing too. It's like, yeah, dogs have that, you know, we were saying earlier, they have that kind of smiley face. They have that, when you're looking at them straight on, you can't get away from the V formation of their jawline. But then there's something else like that one woman said that, the the gaps in its jaw went back so far almost to its ears that it was clearly a like a smirk like it looked like it was not just smiling but like smirking in a knowing intelligent way and that animal like that old guy in that other old clip you know he's he's like i remember you i'm going to look at you in such a way that I don't, I don't need to do anything else but just look at you and push my intelligence into your mind so that you know exactly what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is we'll meet again. And when we do, I'll remember who you are and you'll never forget me. I mean, that's some power, dude. That is mental manipulation. That's psychic push. That is uh, that's something out of this world. One sightings aspect that occurs more frequently than I'd expect, particularly in cases where the creature is seen in the open or at close range, is the mental message that some witnesses feel they received from the creature. Many feel reluctant to talk about it, but will sometimes end their interview with the statement, You may think this is crazy, but... Then they tell me that they felt the creature was sending a mental message, rather like telepathy, not in words, but in specific impressions. The messages usually convey a warning, such as, I'm angry that you saw me, or you can't get me. One young mother of two who saw an upright, wolf-like creature pop up from a ditch next to her car, near the Wisconsin-Illinois border, felt it was giving her a message that if she told anyone she saw it, it would find her. She was so terrified she didn't even tell her husband for three days. She still seemed frightened weeks later when I interviewed her in her home. Probably the most conventional explanation is the witnesses are actually reading the creature's aggressive body language and overlaying what they observe with their own interpretation. We're in trouble. And all I can tell you is that this is bad. <laughs> so that was the last clip we played was Linda Godfrey talking about the psychic impressions and the messaging of like, hey, you know, I'm here. I see you're here. How about we just acknowledge that we're here? And if you want to step, we can bring it. If you want to be popping off, folks be popping off, we can pop off. But it seems like more than likely, more often than not, that the dogman on any uh, uh, living record, as far as someone who's able to live through the experience and have the story to tell, that they ended up being unscathed. And um, and that's interesting. Uh, but there's some of the skeptics that would say, well, what about missing 411? Well, what about missing 411? I don't know. I'm not going to get in there so much because it's unprovable and it doesn't necessarily have to be dogman. It could be any other entity. And if you think the way that I think, which no one should, but I think that there are many, many, many different levels of existence and different dimensions and consciousness and different types of manifestations that any kind of entity uh, can, can, can incarnate as. And I think that we are actually very, very low on the food chain, very, very low on the bottom rung of our psychic and 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 uh, and physiological psychological abilities as far as we're not quite there yet. I think that there are some people that are very gifted and talented, those psychic driving types, those um remote viewing type of people, psychics, 
um, um, people that can actually practice like real practicing real magic, which is really just changing the course of the earth through intention and will. Some people have more um, ability to do that than others. Most of us just have to work on it a little bit. It doesn't mean that when you encounter one of these creatures that you're not going to experience some sort of a mental breakdown. And that's usually been the case with almost anyone who's had these kind of encounters. They end up leaving it with a, a massive breakdown of some sort where they're, they're never quite the same anymore. So I'm going to close off the fear section almost with uh, this last encounter of this guy's what happens to people for the most part when they encounter seeing something that should not exist. And I got maybe halfway, two thirds of the way across the driveway with the still, with this thing still walking towards me now on two legs instead of four, my mind in just absolute utter shock, unable to form a coherent thought or put two words together in a sensible fashion because my nightmare has become reality and I have no way of explaining this to anyone. At that point, when my conscious mind lost the ability to, to, to do anything but run in a circle, my instinct to run took over and at which point the dogs followed suit. So baffled, completely baffled uh, at this and, uh, it just <laughs> totally discombobulated. I, I, I'm just, I, you know, I, I can't even, uh, I lost control of my motivations at that point. Let's just put it that way. Fancy way of saying that I peed my pants. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens a lot. Um, <laughs> there's a, <laughs> a, a lot of accounts of people being like, I just, realized that I pissed myself. <laughs> I'm standing there looking at this thing and um, I pissed my pants or I sh or they shit themselves or they just collapse. When you shit outside, room. it's not going to be a decent shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. And they just, they just collapse and they lose consciousness. They black out. That's not what happened to this next guy. So this next guy I saw the other night, I was just trying to tighten up some of these clips and just like I produced this show, this episode, like I produce food, dinner. I always make way too much food. And so I thought, let's just have a little bit more seasoning. But anyway, I found <laughs> this guy. This guy uh, was just at home. He's in Florida. Uh, I'm assuming probably maybe near the panhandle. And he's just been talking with his friends and he <laughs> – he looks outside and he sees something fucking weird. And then he starts to, he's like, you know, I'm going to just start live streaming this. I'm just going to live because he's, he's a little live streamer guy. And he reminds me, you ever seen that show, uh, true blood? I don't think so. Okay. Well, that's irrelevant. Anyway, there's a character in true blood that reminds me of this guy. Cause he's like, he's, he's black, he's young, he's gay. He's kind of flamboyant, but he's ghetto as fuck. It's just I love those. Those are my favorites. Like the uh, uh, like the hide your kids, hide your wife guy. They raping everybody. Uh, yeah, you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. So I'm gonna let this guy tell you about what happened to him. 
This is Florida. This was, God, man, probably just a couple of years ago. And it's interesting, too, because this was a video, and in his live stream video, just for a flash, uh, he goes to show you um, where he saw what he saw, and as he's filming it, this thing, something runs past his camera, like something huge on all fours, something absolutely huge you can only see it for a split second and okay i gotta see really this video too you're gonna have to send oh, me the, yeah. the goods yeah i'll send you the goods so this guy i'll just yeah i'll, I'll let this guy go wait hold on i'm gonna, I'm gonna crank it up because this guy's kind of quiet so i'm gonna crank up the crank up the volume crank up the volume um where are we at here I don't know if he's doing laundry or yeah, what I he's just, doing. I swear to God, this is the second time I don't seen this shit, but man, I'm freaked the fuck. We're still freaked the fuck out right now. Like, Sounds like a dryer. Tell yeah. you guys some weird ass shit going on around this motherfucker dog. Like, oh God, it's some weird ass shit going on around this shit. Like, I just really, I'm, I'm really just out my fucking mind right now. Because I really think I just saw what the fuck I just saw, like. And just to show y'all that I ain't, I ain't capping on no screenshot shit or... This dude's freaked out. Editing no photos or none of that shit. I'm gonna open my fucking back door and show y'all that the picture came from the, in the back of my fucking yard. Man. That's the exact motherfucking uh, spot now. That's my backyard. I'm zooming in a little piece. Just a moment, it runs past this camera. This is, the, this is the exact spot that I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lock that door and buy a shotgun, man. Yeah, yeah, so he's filming where it was, and the thing straight runs past his camera, and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Hell no. Uh-uh. Not today. And you see it. You see it on his screen. You just see this flash of something. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to see. I had to show Christy like three times before she actually saw it. I saw it right away, and it's just like, oh, and some people say, oh, you know, it could, because he's smoking a cigarette, you know, maybe it's smoke, maybe it's smoke from his thing, but it does, doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like anything except for something moving extremely fast. His reaction did not sound like, his reaction sounded like he wasn't bullshitting too. Absolutely like, hmm? genuine. Like, it, he right, would have been so. making a bigger show out of it if he was trying to play it up, but that was, that was like the noise someone would make if they were like, nope, going back in the house. <laughs> yep, and he just, he immediately just slams the door. Uh-uh. Hold on, uh-uh. This dog. What in the fuck going on around this shit right now? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he's going to walk through the valley of the shadow with that dog. Oh, go ahead. Listen. Listen. Listen, dog. I don't know what the fuck. I'm dead ass fucking serious, dog. I don't know what the fuck. It's going on around this motherfucker dog, but I just recently, man, I'm seeing some crazy ass fucking shit, and I'm trying to make sure I ain't fucking tripping, dog. Like, real deal, I'm trying to make sure I'm not fucking tripping, man. Like, this shit is not making no fucking sense to me right fucking now, man. Like, what the fuck, dog? Listen. I'm sitting at my fucking bed. Man, I don't know. I don't know, dog. I, I promise you, I 
don't fuck and this is not no fucking illusions and shit dog i promise you this is not no fucking illusion shit that's going on right now dog i was sitting at my back door smoking a cigarette on the phone talking to my friend so you know i like to sit back here at my back door and you know look at the back 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 the woods and shit so when i first looked back there it ain't look like it was shit there but then I could have sworn I seen something move. So I'm like, is that a fucking man standing over there? So as I'm looking, you know, it's kind of dark over there inside the bushes. So I really couldn't see. So something told me, take a picture. So I continued to talk on my phone. I continued to talk on my phone and went to my camera as I was talking. And started, you know, pointing my camera that way. But I was still talking and just, you know, started tapping on it like taking numerous of pictures of it whatever the fuck was going on i said i'm gonna go back because i kept watching it but it wouldn't move it just stood up i fucked around and thought i seen an eye dog i fucked around and thought i seen a fucking eye dog and i promise you dog when i got out the front when i stopped taking pictures i shut my door after i smoked my cigarette i left while they squat they something saying i came back like I'm going to say by 30, 40 minutes later to smoke another cigarette. Some say, go look through the pictures. I was still on the phone. And when I looked, I thought I looked at numerous of them. And you could start to see the shadows of the bitch. And then it showed its whole half of its fucking face, dog. It showed half of the fucking face, dog. I'm fucked up in the head right now, dog. Like, I really don't know what the fuck going on, man. <laughs> I love him. I love that. <laughs> I noticed he, he started doing the Lord's Prayer after he saw it, too, and went back inside. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That Midnight Mike from OBDM, and it's it's not a Christian show by any means, but they between the research he, Mike's done, callers calling in with personal stories because they take paranormal calls every episode, mm-hmm. whether it's dogman encounters, UFO abduction type things, Mothman uh any uh like demon shit or anything like that it seems like there is a super high success rate of calling out to jesus or saying the lord's prayer to get that shit to stop like immediately yeah i don't discount that at all i don't know if that would occur to me in the moment but i've never been in a situation where i've honestly ever Felt like that was a, you know, that was a tool I had. But I, I mean, I, I hear, man, I hear that it works. <laughs> yeah. It's just I a data point. Interesting data you know, point. Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of the, uh, YouTube videos of people, uh, you know, there's this guy that has his homesteading channel and he's always making videos about these creepy things around his homestead. And I think a lot of them are staged and fabricated. I think he stages a lot of them. I don't know, maybe even all of them, but all he was of giving me a knobber. I love reading the comments, man. I love, I'm a troll. I don't troll. I like reading other people's trolling. And there's just a million people that are like, Lord's Prayer, like Jesus, and you got to just say this and just keep this light in your life. And you won't be, you know, the reason why this has happened to you is because you haven't repented your sins. And it's like, you know, maybe there's something there. I don't go I don't that know. far, but, um, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I think it's funny. He, def- he, right away, he's like, you know, 
<laughs> he says the Lord's yeah, Prayer. Either I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, man. <laughs> but he, uh, but yeah, he's. I love that man. He's just like, and I love how every third word is dog, which is perfect for dog, man. Yeah, I just like, <laughs> I was thinking that <laughs> same thing. But that's D A W G. Also, I yeah. like how he said he. I came out like forty five minutes later, and I was still on the phone with my friends. I was like, God damn, dude, how long are you on the phone with this guy? This is well, like, he's, there's, there's there's one more, there's one more piece to his story that might fill in a little bit about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. When it stood up on its hind oh, legs, shit. it just like on some real ass nigga shit. Like this ain't no fucking joking ass shit, y'all. Man, I swear to God, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but bitch, I am so freaked the fuck out right now. On God. On God. Y'all. On God. Y'all, y'all, mind you, this ain't the first time I seen something that looks exactly like that. Like last year, I'm gonna say by November or December, I was, you know, being a hoe with this nigga. And bing, bing, after bing, the bing. nigga left, I was at my back door, but I had a bag of trash in the back. I fucking promise you, dog, when I opened back up, that I shut the door, but opened it back up real fast to throw my cigarette out. Hell no, nah, I ain't finna open up that motherfucking door again. Hell no, nah. you ain't just seen that shit. I know I ain't the only one just seen that fucking shit, dog. Hell no. Nah. Hell to the motherfucking nigga, no. Hell no. Nah. Hell motherfucking no. Nah. Hey, hell no. Nah. I am not coming out the door at night no motherfucking more. I promise you that, dog. You are not catching me in the streets at motherfucking night no more. This shit is, this shit just, man, I'm dead, man. Just, anyways. The first fucking time I saw this, I hurry up, I was at the back door. I shut the back door, but hurry up and opened it back up because I had to throw my fucking cigarette out. Man, I promise you, it was a little small, little short, looked like a little werewolf or something. Like a little, I don't know what the fuck it was, dog. But it, when it saw me, it was like shocked. And I was kind of shocked because I'm like, bitch, am I tripping? Like, is my brain really fucking with me right now so i didn't blink i sat there and i stared at this motherfucking thing and it stared back at me with them big ass eyes <laughs> i didn't panic i didn't get scared i didn't you know whatever i just looked at it and the moment that i blinked my fucking eyes it ran so fucking fast dog i hurried up and shut that motherfucking door and was like oh god listen man i need you <laughs> I'm troubled, uh, I'm troubled in man. <laughs> if Jesus don't help me, I surely will die. Man, Butter's doing the whole zone Lord's Prayer. That guy's great. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's the best. I don't know if you caught the very, very end. I don't I can't I can't fast forward or pause any of these clips, but the very, very end he's like, Man, I need a drink. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> And he's got this in the video. He's got like, you, you know, one of these, one of these giant like double big gulp cups that he's sipping off of, and he's smoking <laughs> a cigarette. Hundred and twenty four ounce big gulp. Yeah, he's he's he looks young, but he also seems pretty wrecked. But he also seems pretty sharp. I don't know. I just I love him. I think he's the best. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's a dog man story, man. That's not on the the Encounters Radio Show. Just something on the real, and that guy's real, real because you, you know, you heard in his man, first, the encounters first guy should reaction. have that guy on. Shit, you should try oh. to get that guy on, dude. That'd be badass. That'd <laughs> be badass. That guy. I don't know if I, I'd have to say slow down, slow <laughs> down. <laughs> 
After, I'll be like on the edge of my seat listening because I'm trying to decipher what he says. I love, I love the way he speaks though. He's beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you hear his reaction when he first sees that thing run by. Um, how he, you know, Lord's Prayer aside, how he's just like, what the, uh, uh, the uh, I just, what the, what the fuck, what the fuck? Like, that is the sound of someone who just experienced or witnessed something that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't have happened. It just, it's, it's, it's some, someone who's just saw something that's supposed to be impossible and it just short circuits your brain, you know? Um, but yeah, man, them fucking, them werewolves, man, they're real. There's, they're super, they're super real. When it stood up on its hind legs, it just shattered everything I ever believed of that, that every adult had ever told me about this. And that was werewolves don't exist. Vampires don't exist. They're just things people made up to scare little kids. They're not real. And yet here I am, less than two dozen yards from the house that I was staying in, with a flashlight pointing at what could only be a werewolf or what's become known as a dog man. And it let out that growl again. It wasn't even... It was almost like it was leering at me, daring me to do something that it would would give it the excuse to just take a swipe at me or come charging at me. Yeah. Uh, I managed to get the dogs to start backing up, backing away from me, and I'm not sure it was me that caused them to start backing away or they just started doing it on their own, but as soon as I saw them starting to take steps backwards away from this thing, I decided they're not going to protect me from this thing. The best I can hope for is that they'll slow it down long enough for me to get back to the house if it decides to charge us. Then, as it started to approach us, uh, this stench the, the, the breeze picked up just for a moment and blew towards us from this thing. And the stench that hit, that assaulted my nose was unlike anything I've ever smelled before or since. I, I'm not sure I can accurately describe it, but it was a, it was a combination of urine, feces, and something else I don't even have a, a word for, but it was a combination of two or three different odors, and it just reeked of them. And it was those odors combined with what I was looking at that just really started to to uh, make cause my base instincts, my fight or fight or flight response, to start becoming overwhelming, and the only thing. It kept me from just dropping the flashlight, dropping the shotgun, and turning tail and running because I knew as big as this thing is, that 410 shotgun wasn't going to do anything to make it mad. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. But I was holding on tooth and nail to one thought, one piece of information that came to the forefront of my mind at 
possibly the the, the one to one and only time I've ever really needed that particular piece of information, and that is if you turn and run from a, a predator, they will chase you down and they will kill you. Then they'll drag you off somewhere, most likely, and eat your remains. Or they may just decide to eat you while you're still alive. Yeah. Comforting. Fuck. Yeah. That guy, that guy's experience, uh, uh, and I only have two more short, short little clips. Uh, that guy's experience, he had that. And this is a grown-ass man. He's probably in his 50s now. Still, is, still lives in the country, rural as fuck in the woods, but he, that was his experience. He was 11 years old, 11 years old, man. And, uh, and he had a shotgun. It's just, and he had, well, he had a little 410, you know, that's how you are in the country. I'm thinking about getting my kiddo a, a little 22, um, just to, just to get her familiar with, with the, not, not a rifle to pop shots off, but just so that the idea of a firearm isn't such a alien concept to her. You know, she met a, she met a girl last summer, my daughter who had a 22 and, uh, and she was really impressed by that. You know, this girl was maybe two or three years older than my kid. And then the place that they met my friend's house, he had a red rider BB gun. And so I pulled that out and I let Pace pop off a bunch of shots with the BB gun. And she was super excited about that. So I'm trying to yeah, warm her up to the, to the idea of like, Here's a BB gun. Here's a rifle. This rifle is just a little bit more powerful than this BB gun. But, you know, just so you know how to, just so that you know what a rifle is and you know that this is, and that you can operate it and that you should know how to use this, this tool, which is what it is essentially. So, all right, we're going to close this bitch out here in just a second. So all of these clips, most of these clips, except for our, our homie down there in the panhandle, Florida, uh, the hail to the motherfucking nigga now. Except for him, almost all these clips came from more or less, oh, and the Linda Godfrey stuff, from Dogman Encounters Radio, which is hosted by a guy named Vic Cundiff. There's over 350 episodes, a lot of returning guests, um, a lot of people with multiple encounter stories. And he started this, this, this YouTube channel probably about six or seven years ago. Um, and people, you know, he doesn't have a massive following. It's monetized. For sure. There's commercials that play every 15, 20 minutes. He likes the, he has a website, dogmanencountersradio.com. There's a way that you can support him um, through like a Patreon. It's not really Patreon, it's Libsyn. And it's three bucks a month and you have access to all of the archives of all the episodes, commercial free. You can listen to them on your phone. It's a pretty good deal. I've been diving into all these things. <clears throat> a consistent thing about his show, though, is that people have had these encounters, as we've discussed, have been super traumatized for years and decades in their lives. It's changed the way that they live their life permanently, fundamentally, forever. Uh, and they've had to live with this trauma, and they can't tell anybody because they're fucking insane if they tell anybody because no one's going to believe them. But for some reason, this guy, Vic Cundiff, made it his life's mission now to be an open doorway for people who've had these experiences to come to him and share their experiences and uh, integrate that trauma into their life into a working way that they can live with it and possibly even ascend from it. And it's been really, really cool. People are extremely grateful to share their stories with him. And I don't know what it is about him that put that he, that he felt he needed to be in that to, to take that role, you know, I don't know where he came from before he started Dogman Encounters Radio. He was a guest on a podcast that would do creepy campfire stories. 
And I think it was in that circle of his friends that uh, some people, some he was associated with a couple of people who had um, heard of or had themselves had a dogman encounter. And I think it just piqued his interest. Once you get into this kind of stuff for me and for a lot of people, it's really, I guess it's kind of addictive, but it's just, it's just cryptid research, but it's a newer cryptid. It's not Loch Ness Monster and it's not Bigfoot and it's not Mothman. It's something very, very different than all of those things. Um, anyway, that's a lot of words to say that this guy has been pivotal for hundreds of people to integrate trauma into their lives and to move forward in a way that's beneficial and positive. Um, and, and, and he knows that. And, uh, he says something in one episode that just, I just happened to catch it. And maybe that's my John Dvorak, Adam Curry, critical thinking, no agenda ear. But he said this thing that made me think, how the fuck could you possibly say that? And he says this in response to this woman who was talking about her experience and how it's wrecked her in so many ways, but then she's been able to live with it. And she's so grateful to be able to talk to Vic about her experience because she can't talk to her husband because her husband is kind of like a nerdy guy who's very scientifically minded. Um, if he can see proof of something, he'll believe it. Uh, but until then, he doesn't necessarily believe it, even though she can talk to him about UFOs because he's apparently had a UFO encounter. So he'll talk UFOs all day long. But when it comes to, you know, Sasquatch or Dogman or whatever, he's like, ah, I'm not going to take the bait. And she wishes that she could just talk to her husband about this because she thinks it would make their relationship stronger. I tend to agree. You got to have honesty and transparency and trust in a healthy relationship. Um and I think that's that's very important. Anyway, she says this to Vic, and and uh, <laughs> and Vic says this. So I think probably my next step is I'm going to ask him, does he think it was an animal? You know, and then maybe open the door and go from there since we both saw it. And I think if I can have that conversation with somebody that has seen it and witnessed it. Then I'll be able to go on and have the conversation with my husband. Like I said, my husband's a really, really great guy, but he's very um, analytical, nerdish. He has to have proof before he will accept things. And I even told you, you know, he had a UFO encounter. Now, you can talk to him about UFOs all day long. He's right there with you because he saw one. But for anything else, he'll listen to you. But he's kind of, eh, I'm not so sure, you know, I have to see it, that kind of thing. Well, I can appreciate him feeling that way. If it would benefit you any, I could always set it up so he's in a position where he most likely will see a dog man. It's up to you on that. If he has uh -huh. an interest in seeing one, I'm pretty sure I could set that up. Well, that's something that we may have to do in order for him to recognize what it was I saw. If it would benefit you any, I could always set it up so he's in a position where he most likely will see a dog man. It's up to you on that. If he has an interest in seeing one, I'm pretty sure I could set that up. Is he being tongue-in-cheek there? I don't think so. He doesn't Why really does have the lady just go along with humor? that and seem like, oh yeah, let's do that. Let's set that up. <laughs> what? I know. Isn't that weird? Everything about that was weird. It's so weird. And her story isn't any more crazy or remarkable than any of the other ones. They're all extremely interesting and, and terrifying. 
but he just throws that out all ham handed. Like, oh, I could set it up. You know, you want your husband to have a dogman encounter? I can do that. How so what do you think he's do, mili- do you think this guy's like some kind of military intelligence? I don't know. But the, the mystery about this guy gets a little bit weirder too because the, he has absolutely no profile. There's no information about him on the YouTube channel. There's no information about him on Wikipedia. There's no information about him on Reddit besides people trying to figure out who he is. And there's a whole Reddit uh, subreddit about Dogman Encounters Radio and who Vic Cundiff really is. There's not a, even a single picture of this guy. I've been looking, and there's nothing there. This guy is a freaking Weird. ghost. And so I thought for a, about a hot day, this is like probably nine months ago, maybe about six, seven months ago, um, I thought for a day, that I was like, I think maybe Vic Cundiff is a remote viewing dogman lycanthrope who somehow... What if, he's a were- what if he's a werewolf? Like, what if he is a dogman? That's what, what if he is a dog man and he can go and traumatize people and then he's opened up this channel. He can monetize the, their trauma. To, to monetize their trauma and relive <laughs> their trauma in a way to get his kicks and feed an ego and make money. Damn. I mean, it's a hell of it's a hell of a grift, and I know it's a super far reach, and I don't want to sound accusatory. I know that this very well could get back to Vic Cundiff. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that the dude is uh, more than obscured, and yet there's hundreds of people that are so eternally grateful to have had so, the opportunity to share their experience with them, and he knows it. He knows it. He has. As his show has progressed, I'm not going to say he's gotten egotistical or cocky because it's definitely not there. But he knows that what he does is extremely important for these people that are traumatized. So he doesn't do other people's shows. He wouldn't do an interview or anything. He's been on a he's been on a couple of interviews, yeah, on some pretty pretty obscure type of, and it's all cryptid. It's all cryptid research. Um, Did I've anybody found, ask him about his background? In those shows his. The only thing he says is that he started doing Dogman Encounters when he was guesting on a Creepy Campfire Story Channel podcast kind of thing. And someone was talking about Dogman. And it just piqued his interest. And so he started trying to find uh, Dogman Encounter uh, survivor people. And, you know, the funny thing is like his very first episode is exactly like his very last episode. There's absolutely no preamble there's no um, origin story. There's no intention of what he's trying to aim for for this for the show. He's just like, if you've had a dogman encounter and you'd like to speak with me about it, either in person or on the show, go to my website and send me an email. You know, and that's the very first one. And the, you know, the audio has gotten better over the years. I, see, I think he's gotten different mics. I think he started taking it a little bit more seriously. But I just think you know, it's really weird. That he could say something like this. If it would benefit you any, I could always set it up so he's in a position where he most likely will see a dog man. It's up to you on that. If he has an interest in seeing one, I'm pretty sure I could set that up. How? How? Yeah, I wish he would have elaborated on that a little bit more. And she just went along with it. She's like, well, we may have to do that. Like, what the fuck? How does that not make you ask why could you how could you possibly say that <laughs> that's very strange 
Isn't that weird? Again, I have like just... 10 questions I would follow up if I was that lady with immediately. Yeah, but she does not even one. She's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck, man? So, well, here's so here's another here's a, another data point to watch for if she ever comes back on his show again. Keep a keep an ear open for to see if she ever says her husband saw a dog man. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, everyone that goes on the show, dude, everyone that goes on the show and talks about their encounter, they all sound like this. I kind of didn't know where or how to start. You know, it's one of those things of how do you start that conversation? Honey, remember the night that I got terrified up, you know, in the wooded area? And by the way, it was a dogman werewolf that I saw. How do you start that conversation? And that was why I, I finally, like I told you, I researched a lot of people that say that they're experts in this. And there's just a lot of them that I just, the things they were saying I just couldn't get into. I thought they were too outlandish. I felt like they weren't dealing with the subject seriously enough until I came upon you. And I listened to several of your shows, and then I made the decision that you were going to be the first person that I spoke to about this. And it's like I told you, the first step was I needed affirmation. I needed to know that I didn't stroke out. I wasn't hallucinating. It was real. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, that's that's the temperature of everyone that's been on the show, and uh, whether they're male or female, they're just eternally grateful. I mean, a lot of these ladies, man, they get all wet over just the the safety <laughs> of being able to talk about it, yeah. you know. And you can hear in that not that last one, but the woman who's talking about talking to her husband. Um, you know, you can just, I don't know, man, I'm not a fucking detective or a psychologist, but you can just kind of tell that she's a little bit more than grateful to have Vic as a, as a sounding board, you know, and maybe that's because she's Twitter pated. Maybe she swoons over this guy who's soft spoken and there and open that, that maybe that's the part of the psychic messaging the mind control that she didn't even hear what he said about making an arrangement and thought it was weird and just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever, whatever, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Just very, very weird. If it would benefit you any, I could always set it up. So he's in a position where he most likely will see a dog, man. It's a dog, dog, the dog yeah. man. He's got that Bill dog. Gates, uh, tell yeah. he's got that laughing Bill Gates, Al Gore tell kind of have it. He had a little, there's too much of a chuckle in the word dog, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it maybe it's just a crazy thing to think. Maybe I'm completely out of left field. Christy laughs at me when I talk about this. She thinks it's completely ridiculous. But I'm like, I don't think it's impossible at all that maybe he is the only dog man. Maybe there is only one. And he is a supernatural. And he can completely transmutate and biolocate and transmorph into anything at anywhere at any time. Well, then he, how would he have turned into like that quadrant of or that uh, troop of dogmen? Fucking who knows, dude? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's part of an intelligence operation. Maybe he's not the only one. Maybe there is a selective core. Maybe he's part of a tribe. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think he it's might just, just be the PR guy for like. Uh, the military branch, dogman branch. Uh, that's a yeah, that's a good one. He's he's the safe spot. 
Um, but yeah, there's no, another interesting too, is he's let slip on the show. That's just one time he let that slip where he could arrange to have um, a dogman encounter. He said something very similar in almost the exact same way in a different show. And then he slipped up to say that he's got like a size 15 shoe. Who has a size 15 shoe? That's a big ass fucking foot, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it... Okay. I know. I, I know. A lot I'm of reaching. Questions. I have a lot of I'm questions. Reaching. First of all, um, what are the chances that he's kind of trolling a little bit? Ah, I'm open to anything. Just man. so what that he mean? can fuck with people's heads like you and me. Uh, and he throws yeah. stuff like that in. Uh, I don't think so. I don't, like, I why think... else would you bring up a size 15 shoe? Oh, that's true. Yeah, he does. I mean, he he throws these things out, but it's very, very rarely. I mean, he's only probably less than a, you know, five times. And I've listened to almost every one of his episodes, 351 shows, less than five times. He's said some things that are just a little bit like, what the fuck? You got a size 15 shoe? You can arrange for a dogman encounter? (laughs) You know, and he seems to like the way that he speaks about these beings, it's as if he is the absolute authority source of all information. Like there is no other source of information about Dogman that are anywhere near as so-called credible as Vic Cundiff and Dogman Encounters Radio. Every other YouTube channel, and I don't know if it's because this is a fairly new branch of cryptozoology amateur study, but nothing is near as produced or polished or or, um, uh, well-researched as what he offers in his show. And so he kind of has a corner on the market there, and it seems to just emerge out of nowhere, just about the same time as his channel emerged. Just weird, just weird stuff. But uh, man, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, I'm gonna have to start <laughs> listening to this guy's show for sure. Yeah, you should check him out, man. He's a uh, it's it's really it's really great. His you know, and then so he'll do he does a show pretty much one a week. And they're generally about an hour and a half long. But every now and then he'll throw together like a five or seven or even nine hour compilation of like best of, you know, most creepy kind of things like that. Or, um, you know, holiday specials where it's like three or four hours of just like the scariest stories that he could call together. Uh, but every now and then, I mean, it's pretty much every week he gets a new guest. And the stories are not always really that great. Some of them are just fairly passive and uninteresting, but um, most of the time they're really captivating, really interesting stories because I believe that they're all legit real encounters of real people experiencing something very tangibly real, not a hallucination and not a, not a, you know, illusion or a stroke or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what these creatures are. I have some thoughts, but there's no way I could ever pin it down, you know? And, and honestly, I think I'm going to just start doing more research into the ancient ones and to see if there is more of a mythological aspect to these things that makes more sense to me than just the mil. I mean, the military seems like the low hanging fruit answer, but I think these beings have been here for way longer than we have. And I think that they might run the military. I think they might fucking run the military. I mean, these are ancient cultic deities that cultures all over the world have worshipped in some form or another. There's always been a dog-headed deity that guards the portals to the under or outer world. Always. In almost every culture. 
There's a reason for that. And I want to know why. But yeah, but yeah, anyway, Man. yeah, let's wrap it up. Dude, this was, <laughs> uh, this was great. I'm probably going to, uh, probably not going to go outside at night as much anymore for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, don't be afraid, man. Don't be afraid. If you ever get up here to the supernatural Northwest, man, you should come by. We'll come by the chalet and we'll take a night walk by the water. Oh, dude, that would be great. Eat some meat. Right. <laughs> Kick ass. Gay. Kick ass. Well, yeah. don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, you talk like a fag and your shit's all retarded. <laughs> it's a good one, man. Oh man. What else do we got to uh to address and cover and, and critique before we before we wrap this puppy up on this four twenty one twenty one? That's it for me, man. I I'm so stoked I ran I ran through every single one of these clips. It's unbelievable. I don't even I stopped counting after five everything and then looking at two <laughs> Two pages of clip notes. <laughs> oh, dude, it was great. It. Up is down podcast, deanreiner.com, man. And uh, you're doing, I haven't listened to your latest episode. I'm going to get on that. Um, but other than that, I'm all, I'm all caught up and just still loving everything you do. So keep at it, man. Hey, man. Thanks, sir. Seat sitter, dude. I appreciate it. I love the abs and the six pack podcast. It's the shit. Um, I haven't been producing quite as much on my show lately. I've just been doing all kinds of tasks around the house. We just got the house painted and we have like this giant wraparound porch with almost a hundred feet of railing that I'm painting by hand. It's been very, very tedious, but it's going to look rad. Did you ever see that movie Gretchen and uh, uh, Gretel and Hansel? Did you see that movie? Is that the one where they're like adults and they have crossbows and shit? No, man, it's like the Hansel and Gretel story that came out last year, but it's it's Gretel and Hansel. Oh no, it is. She's first. Say her name. Uh, it's actually pretty spooky. I thought it was going to be cheesy, but it's pretty spooky. But there's a witch in that in that movie. It's a really beautiful movie. It's kind of campy, but it's beautiful. It's so it's got a really beautiful art direction, and it's very very dark. But there's a witch that lives in this big black triangular A frame house in the woods and. And now our house looks like that. <laughs> yeah, nice. It's, it's really cool. Now, we've been doing a lot of work around here and just building and making stuff. And so I've been trying to uh, get more into the podcast stuff. But I've also been the last week, I've just been cobbling together um, where I wanted to take this show. And it's been a tremendous amount of effort to get these clips and to figure out how I'm going to outline everything. So I've just been building up to this big, this big bad boy. But uh, there's going to be more good stuff coming from Up Is Down. Very, very soon. I'm hoping to get on with that guy talking about uh, fallen petrified titans. I don't know when that's going to be, but that's going to be a really good show. And um, just kind of getting ready for summer, do some camping, and hopefully not uh, call in the dog man necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Christy and I were talking about revisiting that camping spot with a new approach, maybe going back and maybe going back up there. And uh, and not repeating the same camping trip, but just go in there with a different level of awareness and see what we can see. So that might be kind of cool. Um, the weather's looking really nice. So I've been getting on the canoe by the reservoir, which is about fucking half a mile from my house. It's fantastic. 
And uh, it's just been really good, man. I'm really looking forward to the summer and uh, going to be making lots of good stuff for up is down sooner or later. Hopefully getting a newsletter out and um, not making five and a half hour long episodes if I can stand it. But this was really, really awesome, man. This Dude, was, this, this was, was great. really, and, really cool. And, uh, yeah, you know, you outdid yourself. This was good. This was everything I hoped it would be and more. So good job. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you don't mind, I do have a three minute closing montage, uh, we could play unless you have anything special you want to put on the back end. No, I'll just, uh, tell everybody thanks for listening and then, uh, go ahead and hit it. I'm a six pack. Up is down! (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. All right, much love, Chris. I'll talk to you soon, dude. See you, man. Bye. If you turn and run from a a predator, they will chase you down and they will kill you. Then they'll drag you off somewhere, most likely, and eat your remains. Or they may just decide to eat you while you're still alive. The only thing that I remember after that was something grabbing my leg. I specifically remember feeling something grab my ankle. And then it was like my mind, my consciousness just folded in on itself. Like, I don't, like, it's it's literally like something grabbed at me, you know, my solar plexus and just pulled down and my mind went with it. The feeling of sick dread. I was standing on the side of the road with that thing in front of me, with that other monster behind me, and I was singing. And I thought, I was just waiting, I was waiting for the pain. I was waiting for it to come behind me, to bite me, to to kill me, to, to eat me. That didn't happen. It did not happen. It didn't bite me. It didn't kill me. And I think I let my breath out. And the moment it disappeared, this feeling came over me that I was going to be sick. The feeling of sick dread that came over me was unbelievable. I've never felt that. turn and run from a, a predator, they will chase you down and they will kill you. And they'll drag you off somewhere most likely and eat your remains. I was just waiting. I was waiting for the pain. I was waiting for it to come behind me, to bite me, to, to kill me, to, to eat me. That didn't happen. All I can think of is, I don't have enough shells. There's no way that I can protect my kids. I don't have enough shells. Because there's three and I only have two shells. You know, I'm afraid I said, God, I just said, I hope that by the time they get down, they're full. But I didn't know what they were. That 410 shotgun wasn't going to do anything to make it mad. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. 
A B S N A six the number P A C K dot com. Noah, good God, man, you're the co-host of a of a show, a talk show, and you can't show up on time to record. I mean, look, I know abs in a six pack is not the greatest podcast in the world, but uh, man, half of life is showing up on time. So get with it, dude. And by the way, remember, Roger Stone did nothing wrong.